welcome, welcome, welcome to our final show of 2020. God damn this year to hell, but it's been great for video games. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, here to count down Vidge Game Apocalypse's top 10 games of 2020. Who else is joining me? Uh, Chris Hades Antista. And <laughs> the king of 2020. It was my year, baby, Matthew Allen. Was oh, that possible? <laughs> Do you sell coffins or hand sanitizer? Like, well, I was just trying to match Michael's energy because oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> com- coming <laughs> in, the John uh, Oliver just, intro. <laughs> just, a, just a little, you know, behind the scenes. Of Michael's like, you know, you got to have high energy, and yeah, he came gotta in. Got to be more festive in, than usual, and you got to yeah. throw it off by. Pulling you came in curtain. compensating like Trump with his dick. I got to oh, be honest man. with you, just overcompensating like came a Republican. Like no, 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 no. This is overcompensating. Oh, yes. Wow. That, that left it. over from 2017, and uh, Diddy, uh, God Rest It Soul, is no longer available to oh, create custom I apolog- songs. <laughs> I apologize to P. Diddy's children. R.I.P. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, an app. Oh, okay. Mm. And, but, oh, anyway. Uh, best games of the year. Um, I always look forward to you guys talking at length about games I haven't played. Um <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then not even nominating Mortal Coil. Um, but that's, I don't know if that would really count. Um, but I, I just want to say that off the top. I loved Mortal Coil. Mm. <laughs> oh, Mortal Shell. Mortal, Mortal Shell. Shell. Yeah, Mortal, I Mortal love it Coil. so much. I didn't know the name. Mortal Coil. That's the thing Chris has been trying to shed all year, his Mortal uh, Coil. I see, I see. That's something, it's something the whole world is trying to take away from us. Um, yes, indeed. Shake us off, uh, but a terrible year. Yeah, um, terrible year, but a terrible uh, fun planet, show. A terrible country. Hopefully, but remarkably okay for games yeah. in terms of a year. Uh, uh, both uh, in look, terms let, of let's, let's, the releases. I, I and have the to keep setting this straight. The year itself wasn't bad. It's not a sentient thing that makes no. decisions. The world is bad. The country yes. is bad, and our leaders are bad. And every year will get worse and worse. And odds are. I've noticed the correlation every year the games get better and better. I don't I, I, I it's it's something to look forward to in yes, lieu of nothing. That's true. Cyberpunk is games, out and this has, would be a very dark timeline indeed. Cyberpunk is out and has dashed the dreams to enough to like drive grown men to crying on Reddit. So like <laughs> like we need something to look forward to. So as bad as the world gets, which it looks like it will get worse. Hmm. The games will get even better. Yeah, I'm kind even of better. thinking that I've been seeing something of a sea change in the thinking on Twitter. It's like this may be the end or close to it of that weird supernatural thinking about like, oh, the new year, everything resets back to zero and we get a chance to, to do it right. No, it's just another month. I'm okay, sorry. Thank goodness you said it out loud because I didn't want to be the downer, <laughs> but I'm like, guys, it, time is just this thing that we we just assign arbitrary numbers yeah. to these. It means nothing, it's dude. It's just like, an abstract concept. Really. I yeah, called it yeah. to my girlfriend's face today. New Year's is a girl holiday. You, I turned 40. You have no idea what it's like to be telling myself I'm going to do something for over 10 years and I still haven't done it. <laughs> Gym <laughs> membership? No. Haven't done oh, it yet. Yeah. Dude, I'm married with kids. I haven't celebrated New Year's in like 10 years, man. What yeah. are you talking about? It's yeah, just it's a like, night. Oh, we're not going to be able to celebrate New Year's. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to be able to dress up for no reason and kiss you in public. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Like, I, we can get drunk here. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've really celebrated New Year's since that year I threw up in Chris's toilet. 
Yes. <laughs> that, does that really happen? I, I don't, don't know. Somebody said it did. Oh, sweet. Well, well at least be... it was in the toilet. It must not have been a very good party yeah. if you were throwing up in toilets. Mm. Oh, I mean, I, I was blackout drunk, it. so who knows? But uh, that's very rare for Michael. Certainly not. That is that is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, yeah, like I think since 2014, the world has been getting worse. Robin Williams' death is like it's all downhill from mm-hmm. there, all of it. Yeah, um, and things bad things started before that. But then like I remember something about like God of War. After that, it's just like oh, the games keep getting wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> the games keep getting better and better. Absolutely, um, they do. But, and and this, it's not even tied to like budgets or AAA because there's a lot of entries on our list that I wouldn't I wouldn't classify as one of those like big huge game releases. They're kind of smaller games that uh, yeah. And well, I, I don't. They, they I mean, a there's, there's a couple B's, heart. maybe one or two C's, but uh, I don't. I don't appreciate at all people tying things I like into being escapism, especially games. I don't consider them escapism for me personally. Well, and they're our job. <laughs> it, it has part been of part of my job for a while, but it's it's not. It's just part of my life. It's part of what I like to do. And yeah, um, yeah I think games have been getting... I, I think it's just something that, that happens when a, a medium culminates to such a degree. Like, this can only get better from here and out. We figured out this whole 3D era. It took a while to shake things out. Um, I was lucky enough to not have to grow up in the Commodore Atari era, and I got to just live in the NES days. Mm-hmm. And I think we're in the Super Nintendo era of polygons and people it it can be expensive and complicated people have figured out what makes a good game it's not a mystery anymore well how would we rate this year like okay because we've had some recent years there have been some nothing fucking bangers nothing will be 2018 period this this year to me if i'm if i'm a reviewer for ign or GameSpot, i'm giving this year a solid eight like there there's a lot of very good games sure. but it's not just like banger after banger like it's like yeah no there's this is a solid year we have a solid list here but there's nothing that i'm like oh man this is the well there's one that i think is maybe maybe the perfect game um but yeah it's not it's not like 2018 or something you know it's, it's a I, I solid year it, though i think it's it has to have something to do with the idea that if I imagine for most people listening, games are those things you squeak out time to do in between all those other things life asks of you. And this was that one year where, like, well, this is much less of a problem. Mm, yeah, I can, yes. I, I can do that. I can do this in my Zoom meeting. I can all just the time in the world. Yeah, I can I can trade turnips while we're doing we're talking about the fucking the PNL. So mm. like, it, it was very. I think having this much access to games uh, made them less special to uh, to me personally because. Uh, I was able to carve out way more time than in years past. Well, it, for me, what it, what it resulted in was I had a lot more time to go through my queue and just mm-hmm. clear out games I've been meaning to play or get to. And it, so it was great in that I, I had nice, a nice healthy balance of like, I'm going to play the latest release and then I'm going to fill in that time with something that I'm going to go back and, and finish something I didn't finish or maybe just try something I hadn't tried. And so this... It was it was a good year all around to like just be playing video games period and and it, and the business shows like most most people you know most of the game companies uh, did fairly well this year because yeah. people were buying a lot more games. I think mm-hmm. that this year we don't have those numbers and we're not really that type of podcast, but I think the, the the numbers will show this is probably one of the best years for the medium period. A lot of that has to do with being the last year of a certain generation. Everything yeah. is more affordable than ever. It's way easier to get into PC gaming as far as the games go, have because of the fucking Epic store have never been cheaper or more readily available. So like it's, it's a bizarre world to think of. Like you have free, you kids have access to free triple a games. 
You ha- you got a free Grand Theft Auto this year. What do you? How do you know if anything's good? You got you got Grand Theft Auto for nothing. It's also very strange in that we haven't mentioned this was a year where new consoles launched. Right. Yes. Right. But it, that was that was probably and like no one, one could of the smaller. Them. That was one of the smaller stories, I think, of the year, though, just because, like Michael said, very few people could actually buy them. But when I look at our list, I'm like, oh, shit. Well, which of these actually had next-gen versions? It's about half the list. You yeah, know, that's, I, I thought I converted Michael to my side. There's one next-gen game, and it's called Demon Souls. I would say that there's two, and the other one is on our list. Is, is there another version on another platform? <laughs> uh, it, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Not if you're looking I'm at the document, of. you can see it. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I don't know what it is then. But either is it bug snacks? That better not. No, it's it. it's not bug snacks. Uh, <laughs> the listeners will find out. But I, 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 that's the only harbinger of bad that I have because I worked in the games industry with the launch of the previous consoles, and those struggled for a little bit before a pandemic and massive shortages, and that hurt the industry really bad, especially people who are developing new games for that first year of a new console, and having just sold my PS5 for an utterly stupid price that I still feel guilty about. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't see how can there be enough systems out there to meet the demand of AAA games that want to sell millions of copies when there are not millions of consoles and there won't be for another year. I, I think though this, what this generation is showing us is certain companies like Microsoft have really thought this out and they're almost like they're kind of like future proofing against this stuff with things like Game Pass, where it like what the the narrative for at least for me this year with the new console launches was I could play every big release other than two that you guys were talking about on current gen platforms. And I'm like, that's and that's kind of gonna be the case through 2021 at least. So that mm-hmm. that's a big deal. But it's it's such a weird thing to think of. I was like, oh yeah, I guess we did launch new consoles in 2020 yeah, I, think <laughs> I, I think i don't i don't think either console is going to be a, a it's not gonna it, they're not going to be a quibby but <laughs> but <laughs> no. it's going to take a year for the next gen to get started at least yeah, yeah. which was kind of the case i'm trying to think it last was. time it was. i got my my xbox one and you know played strider and the new yeah. Tomb Raider, yeah. and then it was kind of a desert for there were some months. there were some good ports and um yeah, yeah remember a, a, crimson dragon <laughs> Yes, I do. I remember paying $20 for my most awaited game of all time and not liking it at all. I remember that very well. But you did love Loco Cycle. I I still love Loco Cycle. Find me another game starring Tom Savini and James Gunn. God, Loco Cycle (laughs) sounds like something you do when you're drinking four Loco and taking steroids at the same time. Hey, man, I'm on my Loco Cycle right now. (laughs) It sounds like a bad L.A. gym. (laughs) (laughs) It does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit of man titties here because my local cycle membership ran out. And my- <laughs> come, come to Local Cycle featuring Billy Blanks, yeah. <laughs> celebrity, celebrity trainer Billy Blanks. What's he been up to? You go in and it's just his preserved head in a jar and talking to you, marking out orders <laughs> on a local cycle. Yeah, yeah. That's the Tybo guy, right? I, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the Tybo guy. Okay, he's not mm-hmm. the P90X guy. Got it. God, I really Susan hope he's powder. alive after making that. Too. <laughs> <He's got laughs> Me COVID too. will have taken him by the end of this podcast because no. it's a big one. I refuse, but it, would be, it is going to be a fun show. We've got over three hours of content, I think. We've got a cavalcade of guests who are joining us, including George Albor, Kat Bailey, Chris Baker, T.L. Foster, Steve Guntley, Leif Johnson, Micah Seff, Tony Wilson, and Kayla Zumbaum. 
I feel like we should have a cavalcade song. Like this should be a bit like da 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 da. It should be. We should have the Bob Hope Christmas special music coming right. up. Right. Featuring featuring Kayla Zumbaum. Tony Zoom Wilson. We will not do that. Steve Guntley. We will be on the Patreon show as well. Yes, um, a, a little insight into how these are chosen speaking of Patreon is that we all voted on these the three of us plus a few emeritus former hosts who can no longer be on the show and and at least one person who is on the show pretty frequently based on that we came up with a top 10 and normally we would order that top 10 by the number and weight of the votes that came in for each game but we decided to do it a little differently this year and actually have a bonus show on patreon.com slash laser time where the three of us will deliberate oh God. and try to jockey for position and get the the top 10 lists that we each want in order so it'll it'll be uh well uh, what uh, i didn't tell you michael i wanted to do it that way because i i've completely lost my faith in elections this uh, year oh, it oh, only yeah, seemed yeah. the right way to get the the right result is we haven't got the mail-in votes for cyberpunk yet and we <laughs> mustn't move forward with our game of the year <laughs> cyberpunk won by a lot remember when we were like hey what are we going to do about cyberpunk yeah. do we need to wait that to record was the, these? we we all thought it was going to be game of the year and uh mm-hmm. that's not the case like the rest of the internet so you can listen to us banter about that on the patreons and uh here get, get some insight into what our editorial creative process is like or you can just listen to the entries as we have them in this show beginning with number 10 And bringing us in is the background song from one of the levels in which game? Astro, not Rescue Mission. No. But not the Playroom. Astro's Playroom. Astro's Playroom. Yes, it's combining the two titles. And who is joining us for this segment? Hey, it's Astrobot himself, Tony Wilson. What's up? Mm -hmm. Of and, uh, Framework, my new favorite YouTube channel? <laughs> uh, why, thank you, Chris. Yes, I am of Framework, your new favorite YouTube channel. Uh, tinyurl.com slash Framework.yt. Also, at Framework uh, underscore video on Twitter. Uh, doing a lot of cool videos about video games. And uh, I'm glad to be back with y'all on Video Game Apocalypse. What up? Thank you so much for joining us. This was a surprise, like a huge surprise this year. Astro's Playroom. Because, number one, if you hadn't played Astrobot Rescue Mission, like, this is probably kind of an unknown property That was That you. was my goatee two years ago, and yeah. I didn't get any votes on that. Really. And, but also, like, this is the f- basically free pack-in game with the PlayStation 5, and it's essentially a tech demo for the controller, for the DualSense. But I feel like they they managed to capitalize on Nintendo's usual idea from, like, earlier generations, yes. which is... Make a crazy-ass controller, and then make a game around it, but make it such an essential game that, like, everyone has to play it. It is, it is for lack of a better word, Nintendo Land for the Wii U. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, it's, it's very much, it's Wii Sports. Like, uh, people have been asking it, for another Wii Sports-level thing forever. And, but N- like, Nintendo Land is. was this, this massive celebration of nintendo minutiae from throughout the years it's like one of the last f-zero things nintendo has ever designed is that's true stuck that, that inside is a, nintendo it is a better land. analog as far as gameplay in that case yeah for yeah, sure just because because um, the thing i love yeah. one i i don't think i voted for astrobot as my game of the year but i'll vote for it for my soundtrack of the year i love this music 
Uh, two, it's it's yeah. um, it is it is the best pack in dare I say since Wii Sports, which is a game I eventually mm-hmm. learned to hate. So I don't I don't even want to compare <laughs> it to that. So I kept saying Mario World. It is my favorite pack in since Mario World. And There's a lot to lot to say about it. Um, like as far as you know, it's mechanics, it's it's whatever. But like you mentioned, the soundtrack. Um, and I mean even just specifically. Um, you know, the song we just listened to and that was the GPU jungle, I think is what that level is called. Yeah. Um, I loved how, and, and this is, I guess, getting into something else, but like just the attention to detail that is in the game is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like as you're jumping around, if you like turn and like look off to the horizon, you see like this actual, like that computerized face looks like the, the Nickelodeon interstitial face right like, singing yeah. along with the lyrics and if you go into like certain caves you can like find the actual lyrics to the song mm-hmm. like, i remember finding finding a massive ball. reference underneath a cave to vib ribbon a game that yes. i just assume yeah. sony didn't remember yeah literally every level has like what like maybe Tons. two two dozen to three dozen yeah. references because yeah you see just see all the other little bots like cosplaying or like acting out other games and like i recognize most but there are so many too where i was like i don't know what this is but i know this is something yeah you know i I think if if, maybe just one of the levels if you see that the astrobots are filming something they are making one of your old game your old favorite games and I, i know we talked about that on vga but like i don't know why sony has never leaned into its own fandom very much i feel like they have like good clothing that represents the playstation gray and the controller but like uh, they haven't Mr. really. Artista, I think you're forgetting about PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. <laughs> I am, I am, I am. But e- even then, it wasn't as smashy as this is the most Smash Brothersy thing Sony has ever done, yeah. uh, up to and including like callouts to long dead characters and mm-hmm. logos and sounds. It, it's it's fascinating and beautiful. And, and what, part of what you're collecting is every stupid piece of hardware Sony has ever made. Mm-hmm. Every dumb, every bad yes. eye toy and hard drive components. And some, yeah, there were some I didn't even know existed. Like, I guess in like Japan only, they had like a PSP, like, uh, oh, yeah. like GPS unit. There was like a whole bunch of like back attachments for the PSP. Like, I think one was GPS, one was like a TV tuner, like a I, radio I, tuner. I, like, they may have had the GPS here. And I remember, like, I, they also have like the little webcam that would screw into the, yeah. top of the PSP. Yeah, like, like, I didn't even know that existed. Um, yeah. And I, I owned, I never owned a Vita. I owned, I owned a, uh, I think I owned the PSP 3000, maybe? Whatever that, like, slick mm. silver one was. But, like, mm-hmm. I had no, I didn't know half those attachments existed, in all honesty. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, I, this has to be the case, but I didn't notice when I was playing through. So, like, each stage is, like, based on, like, a sequential PlayStation, right? Like, it's PS1 yeah. first and two, whatever. And I didn't d- check this, well, but I have it- to imagine. The, the like the little vignettes that the Astrobots are doing, they must match up with games specifically from that era, right? Not necessarily, no. because yeah, the collectibles in each stage are themed around a specific generation, but the stages uh-huh. themselves are actually themed around different parts of the PS5. Right. So that's why GPU Jungle sings that song, which, by the way, I wanted to draw attention, Chris, if you can play uh, GPU Song 2. Yeah. 
So it is explaining how a GPU works. <laughs> a graphics processing unit. Like that it's it's saying I deceive you, my virtual lies, and it's really just about like look, all of this stuff that you're saying that looks so amazing, none of this is wow. real. It's not only is it, you know, just on your screen, but like all of this is accomplished by trickery. We're doing something <laughs> that looks like what you think you're looking at in order to accomplish these various effects. But it really, it's just all slate of hand that goes on, like, you know, just off screen. Uh, and I, I thought that was really cool. That's like a neat touch to your uh, very accessible and fun platformer. I'm just getting a little mixed up about, like, the levels then, because you get, sequ- you get like, you were saying the artifacts are, like, themed for each generation. Yes. Like, going through PS1, 2, 3, 4, mm-hmm. and, of course, all the way up to 5. Yeah. Um, leading ultimately to, I guess we can talk about the end of the game at near the end of this discussion, yeah, guess, but, uh, yeah. what a pleasant surprise. But anyway, <laughs> it really was. I have um, not, fin- I have not finished this yet. I haven't I've... either. And it was all because like, like I, I watched a walkthrough video and figured out like, Oh, okay. This whole time I was trying to figure out how to crack that glass dome at mm-hmm. the bottom of the stage. And really there's just a little walkway off to the side. Yeah. Well, how much? How much are, are you? How much do you want to be talking about in this podcast then? Because like the literal like final stage, when you open that cube at the bottom and you go inside, there's a final boss, and it's the right. you fight the, and it was like, it's weird to say. I'm glad I didn't have the end of Astrobot spoiled for me, but I'm glad I didn't have the end of Astrobot spoiled for me. Like it was such a pleasant surprise to be like, oh right, I forgot about this thing, and oh wow, it's a boss fight, like. Mm-hmm. Just what a what a beautiful journey through PlayStation history that game is. Yeah, I, I've, like, I've messed around with the um, playroom very little, and then Rescue Mission is still one of my favorite PSVR games. I think I just wish players got a little more excited with the name Astrobot, and they haven't yet. And they are a lot more excited about way dead Sony brands, all of which are represented <laughs> well, in this game. I mean, it's, well, it's I, still relatively new. It's, I, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, what, yeah. not even five years old. It's no, been no, in three different games, and, like, the Playroom, like, PS4 how many launch. people who had a PlayStation camera got it to play an AR game with robots? You know, Astrobot <laughs> Rescue Mission was great, but it was also confined to PlayStation VR, so yeah. only people who... It's a $400 game. <laughs> yeah, who got it on PSVR uh, can understand it. But, like, this this is just packed in with every PS5, and it's it's wonderful. It's Like I said, it's this very accessible platformer it's a lot of fun to play and part of what makes it so rewarding is the way it's completely built around the tactile feedback of the controller like one of my favorite parts tactile feel of that zipper and then the resistance that it gives you as you're jumping around in this like 2d frog suit thing yeah. yeah, what what a showcase for those adaptive triggers. Yeah, like, yeah, there, yeah. There's there's that, and then there's the when you use the gotcha machine. Yeah, pull the lever, and it, and you gotta you gotta pu- you gotta pu- squeeze the trigger, and then click it that like last little bit. Uh-huh. Like yeah. But yeah, that that feeling of pulling the lever and crushing it and you can like mm-hmm. you can feel it being crushed and it, that's so cool the only thing that i didn't like was the bits where it zips you into a ball that you then have to use the touchpad to sort of roll yourself mm-hmm. around and and like even that it's just like well this is kind of a cool achievement and that it, you've basically turned the controller into a trackball 
good on you, but is this really that much fun to control? No, and that's why they no. throw in uh, <laughs> they throw in the jump and flash. What Rabot? Raboot? Yeah, Rabot. Rabot. Go Rabot! Like, jump. Oh, the, and the go. like the, the rocket that you kind of control with the with the engines on either side. That that was actually mm. my least favorite. I, I didn't mm. something about that didn't control as smoothly to me. But like. But regardless, like, what a showcase yeah. for the variety of what that controller could do. I mean, like, literally the opening of the of that game is, like, it's just the controller on screen, and it literally says, like, let's show off what this thing can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get to go through all the different feedbacks and, and all that stuff. Like, it really, yeah, for showing the, the, off the, the My favorite was, was the rain, Beautiful. like, the, the haptic feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, Nintendo made a huge point of HD rumble by showing you, like, ice cubes falling into a glass. But, like, no, I can feel... I can feel rain on my controller. It looks like the it feels like the controller is being hit by hundreds of little fishing lures all over yes. it, not just in yeah. the top and bottom. While rain, corresponding sounds play through the controller speaker. Whereas cut to now, where I'm playing Cyberpunk on it, which has we said not unlike Nintendo Land, it's going to be up to companies to support these features. And I'm playing Cyberpunk like there's no support whatsoever. It might as well not exist. Adaptive triggers and haptic. <laughs> I really like you to and, just trim out. That that little bit right there. I'm playing Cyberpunk. There's no support whatsoever. <laughs> Just put that up as your back of the box quote. <laughs> no support whatsoever for gravity, non corrupted saves. <laughs> um, but yeah, Astrobot. Like like it's a competent platformer, right? Like mm-hmm. first and foremost. Like I think if it wasn't, like if it didn't work on a fundamental level like that, we might not be able to talk about it, right? Because it would be like play it for a few minutes to get the feel and then move on. But like truly, like I recommend you play the whole thing. Yeah, I, yeah. St- I still haven't deleted it, despite my six PlayStation 5 games almost entirely filling up my hard drive. You have yeah. twice the That's PlayStation crazy. 5 games I have. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Call of Duty, in your 230 gigs of, of yeah. raw power. Can I put anything on a USB hard drive? No. Can Not I yet. buy one of the expansion things to give <laughs> myself another terabyte of storage? No. Not yet. As much as I love this game, I still like might list my PS5 like right after we're done recording. Yeah, it's a fun game. <laughs> it, is, it is a fun game. Um, and, and yeah, I think I, I was kind of proud of myself that like the only reference I saw that threw me was I'm pretty like 99% sure it was Siren. Uh, because it's like, you know, an Astro bot, like looking around with a flashlight while behind it is like this red eyed Astro bot in a conical hat, like menacing it like, ah, the siren. Oh, my siren. God. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, there was there was that. And there was one other one where it kind of just looked like the Astro bot was just kind of f- just flying around on a jetpack for some reason. If I remember correctly, that one, there was one or two. Yeah, the same that I was like, yeah, I, I don't know what this is. Might have been a reference to one of the pixel jump games, but. I, and, and we didn't even. I like, like the third thing I walked across. Like that's just Cloud Swords. So they clearly got like mm-hmm. third party support for this. Oh, the yeah, they're acting oh, so, out Devil May Cry and dressed like yeah. Dante. Here's yeah. here's a bunch of them sitting around a campfire with Monster Hunter weapons. Eating yeah, meat. yeah, yeah. Some are very apparent. Like there's, I'm pretty sure there was a pyramid head in there. Yes, like, there was a pyramid. There was definitely head. a pyramid. Like, head yeah, like head. some some are very clear. There was even a um. It's one of the like. It's kind of off the beaten path, but there's a concrete genie one in there. Yes. As well. Like, I forgot that game existed until yeah. I found that one. <laughs> so did I, like, 10 minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, so it's, it. it's, it's in, in some senses, nothing is going to be better at fan service than Smash Brothers. Because it mm. seems to, like, encompass multiple generations of gaming with a little yeah. bit of third-party support. But this is a really nice way to celebrate everything you've done on PlayStation. Yeah. It is really sweet. Yeah. It, it feels like a, just a love letter to, mm-hmm. you know, the last however many years, 20, 25 years of PlayStation. 
And yeah. I think it's very easy to take a, a cynical view of this. It's like, ah, yes, the Sony Corporation is celebrating the PlayStation family of products. But, We're having uh, a brand party. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's also a very <laughs> sterile way that it kind of ignores it. Like, people have developed an, an yeah. emotional attachment to this stuff over I've been, the years. I've been playing Nintendo since I was eight, but I've been playing PlayStation since I was 15. It's been very much a part of my life the entire time, and that's how mm -hmm. I felt going through. I was reminded of that, even though I I have more NES stuff from, like, the first game system I discovered. The, the internet and the world and merchandise has been great about celebrating that period. I don't think even Sony has been that great about celebrating the PS1 and 2 they usually get a little tip of the hat from the previous, from the new generation, and then they're never talked about again. Yeah, one of the coolest things I saw Sony make was the trailer for that PS Mini, which shows like Rayman racing King from Tekken in front of the Tyrannosaurus <laughs> through Ridge Racer cars, and like, why haven't you done this before? Like, why can't we celebrate Sony in this way? Thinking it, back on like the nostalgia factor, one thing too for me that I just really, really enjoyed with this game was that at the end of each stage, it ends with the boot up screen for yeah. th that respective console. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. like truly like I, I do think so like, okay, like, you know, console wars, blah, blah, blah. Genuinely. I think Sony's boot up screens are the best. Like I like those, yeah. like you just think about like the PlayStation two boot up with the towers, you know, I guess like maybe Nintendo gave them a little run for the money with the GameCube, Right. But like mm -hmm. generally speaking, you think of like, Every single Sony startup sound is iconic. And so for each level to end with that, like specifically, I think it was the PS2 one that got me where I was like, oh, right. Like, yeah. I forgot how great this is. And like, I, it's yeah. just filling the sky in front of you with, with what the I screen remember being looks so like. I never yeah. wanted to hear the sound again because you could never know is this fucking game going to load or not. God damn it. Oh, yeah, that part but too. But just like, yeah, part of that is like my nostalgia for the, that period of my life. Like, uh, I don't want to call us poor kids, but maybe people who spent their money irresponsibly. The, the PS1 and 2 were also our music players at parties. So mm. you'd hear you'd hear that shit coming through a speaker and then you'd see that you'd hear that sound before you could play a new CD. Uh, usually when your TV speakers were your only speakers. <laughs> uh, that happened or, a lot. Or back you'd in the hear day. the the PS3 orchestra before you could play a Blu-ray. Right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just but yeah, and then on to the PS2 becoming a lot of people's default DVD player, but that I was in a we have a I don't know if anybody else has those in their town. A, a Goodwill gaming store, because they like don't. A Goodwill. The only thing controversial about it, I'm like, oh, do you guys buy things back? Uh, I would like to sell a bunch of my crabs. Like, we don't buy things. We're Goodwill. <laughs> you donate, and like, you're selling things at collectors' prices. Uh, really? You just want me to donate my? I didn't realize Minton Goodwill Bosch had that. That makes sense that Goodwill would have that because like Goodwill is a known place where you can root. Oh for yeah, that yeah. Sort of so stuff, for us, it's but... a separate store with like. PC parts. Odd. Oh, I need a replacement for Donkey Kong. Hey, look, it's right there. I got a whole bunch huh. of Donkey Konga parts. Sweet. Uh, I could look back at Brady Games when there was an actual character named Brady inside of these issues. Um, oh, I love <laughs> blowing people's minds with that. It's awful. Um, was it Greg <laughs> or Peter or Bobby? I, I can't imagine his real name was Brady, but like I walked by and they were playing the music out of a PS1 disc screen, which is like, yeah, that's a huge memory for me. Wow. I remember when my friend showed me you could remove Ridge Racer from your PS1 and the memory could keep the game going. You just play your own music uh, inside the PS1. And I don't know, just like it's it's my era of, other than like, you know, Dark Forces and some PC stuff here and there, it is my entry into CD gaming. And it's nice to see it acknowledged, uh, I don't know, just so so lovingly like this.
Yeah, and I'm, and I'm thinking about like the save icons on PS1 and PS2. How it's like it went from like animated 2D save icons to mm-hmm. oh my god, they're 3D save icons to <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> Load up the save. save Did you know what's game, speaking man. of saves? I learned this recently. The the PS2 towers on the loading screen like they change size based on what you've played and for how long. Like oh, like wow. the actual form and and like height of the towers are based on your save data. Huh. Like I don't, I don't know exactly what affects what, but supposedly it changes over. T- like uh, you'd have to do like some sort of side by side comparison, but apparently that's like a thing. Like the skyline changes for you based on what you've played. Oh, me. Yeah. They even cool. put in the, uh, you know, I mean, and they put it like that. Is not a part of Astrobot necessarily, right? But mm-hmm. there's so many little things in there. Like there's that. Like there's a trophy for for um, punching the PlayStation logo on your on the PS3 in the playroom and turning it. You know, ninety degrees uh, or whatever. Yeah, I know. I got that. Oh, awesome. that like, there's all sorts cool. of little things in there for, for literally just like, like you were saying, Michael. Like, here's like all the all the attachments, all these things over the years, and just be Astrobot and, and literally play over them like a playground. Like, scramble around on these things. Like, what a delight that is. Yeah, I, I think honestly, Astro's Playroom is probably one of the best reasons to own a PS5. Like, if you somehow, if you were lucky enough to get a PS5 and you haven't played this yet, you've been ignoring it, please do yourself a favor and play it. It is amazing. Like, surprisingly amazing, and it's free. Yeah, it's already installed. There is no next-gen on consoles other than this. This is it. Everything else is available on other systems and looks pretty similar as far as I can tell. I mean, it's been a month, but yes. (laughs) Accurate. I'm a little bummed. I was every launch I've gone back over. Like I, we just, we just talked about the PS2 launch. There's like 30 games that are out that week. Yeah, that, I mean this this certainly is like you know this or Demon Souls. The, that is the wow factor for this mm-hmm. for this gen right now for sure. But um, I mean I did literally just start. <laughs> um, I mean regardless, but not to downplay it. This is still a wonderful showcase of what yep. it can do. And and I mean truly, I mean even like I mean this is a big statement, right? But I think. Even when we do get to the end of the PS5 life cycle, which is a weird thing to think about, this, I think, will still be held up as, like, hey, remember Astrobot? That did things that the right. PS5 still doesn't do as commonly. And I, lo- I love Demon's Souls, but you'd be an idiot to say it was for everybody. And you'd be a bigger oh, idiot course. to say it has good music. Get some help. <laughs> go, go see a psychiatrist. Well, not not like as good it. as this. This is catchy. And, then, like, if you if you go back to Astrobot Rescue Mission, like, you can mm-hmm. hear a lot of the same tunes yeah, coming man. through. And, and even just, like, watching the levels of this, I'm, I'm realizing that, like, oh, yeah, a lot of these are, like, the same couple of tunes that have just been remixed in different and compelling yeah, Astro, ways. Astrobot Rescue Mission informed this game a great deal. Oh, yeah. So totally. it's worth playing both if you can. But anyway, for now, we should move along to our next award which is number nine the sun rose on the few remaining survivors the lowest ranked among them a shield bearer who dreamt of battle but had seen nary a skirmish a teller of tales not a doer of deeds phoenix what a name phoenix Sounds like the sound a dumb bird makes when it lights itself on fire. Which would be ridiculous. Although, I should write that down. What game is this? Uh, a uh, mer- Phoenix uh, gods and mummies and... Uh, <laughs> of monsters and men. Uh-huh. Immortally, immortal rise, immortal dawn. 
Mummies, Monsters, and Men. Yes, this is Immortals Phoenix Rising. And, oh, uh, yeah, that you. Let me just say, first off, full disclosure, yes, I do work at Ubisoft. Uh, opinions expressed here are my own, etc. But when we select these lists, I, in the, the interest of not having a conflict of interest, I tend not to nominate Ubisoft games unless one of you guys does it first. And in this case, you both went for it immediately. Like... You you both seem to really like Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Um, well, I'm I'm a slut for open world games with checklists, yeah, Michael, as, yeah. as you've note by now, and so this <laughs> game scratches many of those itches for yeah. me. Yeah, and this is this is a really good one. It blends the open world design and uh, some of the gameplay of like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which it's by the same studio, Ubisoft Quebec, and but then kind of merges that with a sort of PS2 era platformer style gameplay yeah. and That's de- where I'm at. Devil it, May Cry-esque combat. It felt very Jack and Daxter and I saw a bunch of people comparing it to Breath of the Wild it, it, with level-headedness. It's not, it's not, a, it's ambition is not to be Breath of the Wild, but to me it's this like pretty goddamn perfect gel between Zelda, what I liked about Mario Odyssey and uh, Breath of the Wild. Wow. Now, are you, where are you getting the platforming stuff? Is that from the um, uh, those the, their version of the temples? I kept calling it Maximo, and Michael said he liked that. That's yeah. where I'm hoping he's getting it from. <laughs> what, you, you don't think it's a platformer? You know, I, I think where the platforming shows up is those temple areas, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's very it's, Breath of the Wild. It's everywhere. Like, you, there's a lot of cliffs that you have to jump between, and a yeah. lot of aerial combat. And especially, like, once you go through and start unlocking some of the abilities that you get later on, like the ability to yank yourself into the air at harpies or at tall enemies. You can just hover indefinitely uh, as long as you're unleashing combos. There's a lot of jumping, a lot of double jumping. Yeah, I I just wouldn't call that platformer, per se. Platformer, to me, implies you... You're gonna miss some platforms and maybe die or something like that, or you're gonna have to. I mean, you have wings. I fell. I fell a lot, like exploring and stuff. I mean, Mm. you rarely die from falling in a modern platformer, and even here, Mm. once you fall into bottomless pits, it tends to reset you to a checkpoint in those Tartarus vaults. If you do it in the open world, and you know you fall too far without flapping your wings out, you're you're just dead. No, I mean, it's. I'm not knocking it. I'm just, you know, for me, it's it. Definitely on the overworld map, it is strong Breath of the Wild vibes. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. when the temples themselves were way more platformy than Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild was pretty much like here you're in the you're temple and this is a you know yeah, a here's, puzzle. Yeah. Here's a weird here's a fucking, puzzle. Here's a pachinko to... game. Goddamn Zelda yeah. Yeah. shrine. Yeah. Right, which this game does a little bit, but actually it does almost more it of those does have figuring out how to get into... The, the the temples themselves, right? It's like, oh, there's three switches. You're going to have to find where in this world yeah, to activate these switches, but, and then you can get in the temple. But then, to Chris's point, there are puzzles in there that do resemble pachinko or yeah. giant pinball tables or stuff like that where it's like you're you're lighting you're you're launching wooden balls into some weird obstacle course and trying to crash them into specific barriers that you need to get ahead yeah yeah no that's that's what i like about this game is it's like it's this mixture of open world gameplay with the puzzles are really what i guess what i kept coming back for is you know any Mm -hmm. game that can kind of make you feel smart after a few minutes of trying to figure out a puzzle is like that's a good loop it feels really good 
And this game has is just like crammed with stuff to do. That's the one thing that impressed me about it immediately is the map is littered with these icons that you can, you know, pursue or ignore. But there's something to do everywhere. You don't have to wander very far to find like, oh, here's a puzzle. Here's a chest. Here's yep. a bunch of enemies standing around. I'll engage with that or I'll keep riding on by because... I have a mission because the gods of Olympus are trapped in cursed forms and they need my help. Look at me. I can't hold a sword. One back on the battlefield and I'm a laughing stock. Even my love, Aphrodite, rejected me the moment she saw me. But I got Aphrodite back to her old self again. I think you might have a shot with her. Oh, so a gorgeous goddess in love with a chicken? I'm sure that's illegal. Definitely not illegal. Now that's Ares has been turned into a chicken, Aphrodite is a tree, Hephaestus is a robot, and Athena is a child. And it's it's all intended to be ironic punishments that reflect each god's hubris, inflicted by Typhon, this monster from Tartarus. Jesus Christ. The whole the whole game unfolds as this dialogue between Prometheus, who's chained to a rock but has powers of prophecy, and Zeus who just wants Prometheus to help him put down Typhon and is kind of disinterested in the whole thing. And so it's it's like a, a, a running comedy duo that, that just narrates right. the whole game. Also, I, rest in peace, Zeus, Tiny Lister, R.I.P., baby. Oh, the, yeah, the original Zeus. Yeah, right. Debo. But I, I, was, I was shocked by how... It's not that it's like the funniest game I've ever played. It's just like it makes it so distinctive. That it could, there's there's some DNA here that it could be Assassin's Creed game, which mm-hmm. make, makes it weird for me to say it's what I like about Mario and Zelda mixed together. But it is uh, light compared to what Ubisoft usually comes out with, which is real realism. And there is like a complete lack of realism. There is yeah. a magical realism to this universe that fucking rules. That's a good way. And a, a silliness. Yes, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It is really silly. But I, I also like, you know, to your point about the gameplay, it does feel like Assassin's Creed in a lot of ways, except again, it has that platforminess. And it also has a Zelda like stamina meter where like, especially at the beginning of the game, you can't climb for very long you're you're really hampered. So the game is a progression from being this puny mortal who can barely lift a sword to being this unstoppable force of nature who has wings and can glide and climb and fight almost indefinitely. Yeah, and if anything, that that maybe happens. Well, if you play the the game the way I like to play these games, I was able to get super powerful super quick because I was collecting a lot of coins and I just started unlocking the the god godly powers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of an unstoppable murder machine right now in battle. Like yeah. I always have enough st- as long as I have stamina, I'm popping dudes up in the air with spears coming up from the ground mm-hmm. and I'm smashing down on them with a giant hammer. It's yeah, yeah, yeah it feels good. Man. I like that that your, your stamina doubles as mana basically for these yeah. godly yeah. powers you can activate. So it's always refilling as long as you're not right in the middle of doing something strenuous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's there's armor with certain abilities that can refill that stamina mm-hmm. on upon every kill and stuff. And yeah, it's it's one thing that I really like about the game is it it takes everything I liked about Breath of the Wild. It gets rid of some of the stuff I didn't, such as destructible weapons. And I know that's a debate that I don't want to have right now. Fuck off. But it does add a lot more on top of that. Like it has way more in terms of progression systems. I, I mentioned the the coins, which let you enhance your abilities, your your special powers, and just your kind of other abilities like when you dodge you can do this certain type of hit Mm -hmm. and that will inflict this type of damage on people like so there's there's 
you can even like upgrade the potions in this game. Yes. There's like a special that that mean you took me forever to find. I was like, what do I use this currency for? <laughs> this amber, and I'm like, oh, uh, upgrading potions. Yeah, oh, there's a symbol there. Okay, makes them more effective. So there's, or, there's, I, I like that the attack and defense potions also have like three different attributes you can raise. Like, oh, you can yeah. raise the defense. You can make it so that enemies on their first hit will take damage instead of you. Stuff like that. Yeah, as long as you remember to activate those. Like, I pretty mm-hmm. much remember during boss battles and the rest of the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess yeah, I had that It's something that, that I think a lot of people won't even really pay attention to until relatively late in the game. It It, it is meant to, I think, replace Zelda's cooking system. And that, mm-hmm. that is one thing I, I wish they would have just ripped off. I love the cooking system in Zelda. And this doesn't really have an equivalent. I mean, you find you find crafting materials throughout the world, but pretty much those are just used to make potions. Yeah. And I also like with the repartee between Zeus and Prometheus that there there is one case in particular where you find out and, and it's it's a neat workaround. It's like, well, this is a T for teen game. We can't exactly say what the original myth entailed. So we'll just have Zeus telling his stork bringing a Cabbage Patch Baby version of the birth of Aphrodite. Grandpappy Uranus and my dead big dad Kronos had a battle so great it severed heaven from earth. That's not all that was severed. There was a great earthquake that knocked a pearl loose from its oyster. Hang on, there was no... (laughs) The pearl flew from its oyster on land, and Uranus caught it and flung it out to sea with such a force that it caused the frothy foam to bubble. (sighs) And from that foam, Aphrodite was born. But uh, they they do put in a little nod to what the actual myth is. I can't yeah, take do this a lot, anymore. Actually, there's a lot of double Zeus, entendre. Gaia lied to you about how Aphrodite was born. Oh, yeah? Then tell me how it really happened. And Kronos, they fought. You can't be serious. <laughs> Fell into the sea. That's... Because Kronos cut off his... You're sick, Prometheus! Do not talk to me! Kronos cut off Uranos' junk, threw it into the sea, and from that sprang Aphrodite. I mean, they have to do it a lot, because I hate hate to tell you people, if you didn't already know, uh, Zeus fucks a lot in Greek (laughs) mythology, and so there's a lot of, like, allusions to his his promiscuity. Yeah, Yeah. oh, oh, there are. without permission, with his family, it's very strange. Gets gets very sad that Achilles never gave him a sword. It's like it's just nice to be thought of, you know, just a little <laughs> offering from someone I thought loved me. <laughs> Again, I'm so bored by Greek mythology, and would all of this would have rolled off my face if mm. not for two of my favorite games this year, kind of hitting me over the head with it and handling yeah. it very differently. That's what I love yeah. is you get to see two way different takes on both sets, both pantheons. Oh yeah, if you will. oh yeah, very, two very different things, and. Uh, I think I think they coexist quite well, uh, especially considering uh, like another game on our list. One of the central themes of Immortals is failure, and that kind of like the the writers were talking about that a lot before release, and it kind of confused me because Phoenix is not a failure, but this is less Phoenix's story and more this story about Zeus kind of coming to grips with the idea that he's he's sort of a bad person. All this time, I thought I knew my kids. I didn't know anything. Weren't you busy running the universe? I wish that were true. 
I was busy having fun at everyone's expense, and now the bill has come due. Oh, so sad. Uh, <laughs> he does go through a bit of a depressive episode late in the game. I saw a lot of reviews knocking the banter between these two, and really? I just wonder how much they actually listen to it. I'm because like, when you first go in, yeah, you you, I think just instinctively you're like, this is gonna suck. There's gonna be so many mm. bad jokes. It's gonna be like a fucking popsicle stick level of jokery over here. Mm. But actually, there, yeah, not every line hits, but there's a lot of funny interactions between those two that it's like it's worth listening. But it is funny every time when you play those clips, Michael, I can hear like the player character Phoenix jumping around and collecting yeah, yeah. little things. Because I can tell. Been- I can tell. What gender you chose? <laughs> <laughs> Again, these these aren't intrusive cutscenes. They just play over the action, like which while is, you're which exploring. Which is my favorite type of cutscenes. <laughs> Never stop my gameplay, yeah. please, ever. The, the Metal Gear Solid Five method: play me thirty minutes of exposition via audio tape as I sneak around a yeah. level. Yes. Full yeah, it is a podcast as I run around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. That's acceptable. I like this. And I like Immortals Phoenix Rising, and I'm I'm so glad that you guys do too, because it was a lot of fun. It's one of the 25, 26 games that I've finished this year, so... Uh, yeah, I feel like it's got a shitty name, and it's going to, like, <laughs> it's going to lose a lot of people, but, like, remember to get this. Your kids can play it. Um, wouldn't really recommend... I guess that's fine. They're going to learn about Greek mythology sooner or later. They <laughs> 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 um, have no already. But, I did when I was little. It's, yeah, it's definitely yeah, one where, like, yeah, my kids have watched me play, and you don't worry about blood or anything like that. Because when mm-hmm. you when you kill the enemies, they they fly that is off so like, fun. They fly off like deflating balloons. Yeah. They into they the fly out like Bugs Bunny hitting a home run. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's great. It's like it's out. awesome. That's how you defeat enemies. It's just and it looks it looks very cartoony in terms of the style. I mean, it's still beautiful. Oddly enough, it's like. The environments and like the sunrises and stuff like that are just gorgeous in the game. And then like the, it's almost like, yeah, that the player characters, cause they're cartoony. It doesn't really show how beautiful this game can be, but most of that stuff is in the environments. Mm-hmm. It's a surprising amount of fun, but it is far from the only game we need to talk about. So let's move along to number eight. Uh. <laughs> Uh, if that's not releasing some dopamine to hear that, I, I just can't relate to you as a human being. What game is this? Animal Crossing New Horizons, but I hate to say it, that sounded like a sea bass. So that actually released like anger, <laughs> little, dr- a little 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 bu- bunch of adrenaline in, in me right now. So, well, it's really it's really more like a C plus bass. You know. I damn it! Someone, I knew someone was going to do it. I knew someone was going to do it. I was going to get that shark. I saw the fin, and uh, oh, it went away. No. Real quick, before we give this game praise, how come we can't get more than one pun per fish or bug in this game? On they take this... a lot of time to write. Come on, do you need yeah. more than one? There's so many. There's so many. Well, there's like one. Bugs. There's one per animal. There's there's one per thing you catch. At least give me two or three lines. Come so, on. who is joining us for this segment? Who are these voices you're hearing? Hi, I'm T.L. Foster uh, from. The the PNB podcast where we talk about video games in live from the pool house podcast where I talk about the fresh prince of bel air and also hi my name is Kat Bailey I'm soon to be the former editor-in-chief of US Gamer and also the host of Axe of the Blood God an RPG podcast that's Axe A-X-E not Ask 
<laughs> so I've heard I've heard people like be confused, like ask of the blood god, yes. like ask of the blood god and receive, and he shall receive a good podcast to yeah. ask of him. Why does everybody say blood for the blood god? The blood god doesn't need more blood. He's the blood god. <laughs> like what? What really? Look, blood, blood god. Hello. Yeah. 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 What is up with that? Yeah. Like giving a video game journalist video games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Who needs those? Uh, Animal Crossing is a video game that came out early this year and saved all our souls at a time when we needed it (laughs) the most. Yeah. This is, I I don't throw this around lightly, this is the best timed game Mm -hmm. that there has ever existed in video games. This game has never had better timing than this game. No. No, you're, you're not wrong. Like, it came out, what right as the pandemic was happening mm-hmm. like two to three so yeah two to three weeks after or something depending yeah. on when you went into lockdown and I, I remember people people saying like nintendo release it early we need it now like right when lockdown yeah. started and it's Boy, just it's like never gonna get worse than this yeah. this is the worst month yeah <laughs> this shit did not had not even started motherfuckers <laughs> Well, it's a good yeah. thing this thing's going to be over by July. Animal Crossing oh, will get yes. us through. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the reason it was perfectly timed, uh, for those who don't know what Animal Crossing is, and if honestly, why are you listening to this if you don't? But because it is yeah. a game where you could do everything we weren't allowed to do. You could visit your neighbors and mm-hmm. talk to them face-to-face, go into each other's houses uh, and talk. You could, You could exchange gifts with people and touch the same things without washing your hands for 30 seconds afterwards you know yes. you could you I've could meet of... people who would teach you to yawn I do like yeah, emotes were uh, collectible in this in yes. this version of the game. Yeah. Have, have we new. said the full title? Animal Crossing New Horizons. New Horizons. Yes. Yeah. You all go out onto an island that Tom Nook is fed up with village life and city life. He wants to start over, build a new libertarian utopia where he can his capitalism can run rampant. And it starts out with a few tents and some sleeping bags. And uh, you build it up into a, a little thriving island village. You're saying Tom Nook is starting Rapture? Yes, I mean, you're right. It's very close to his his All version right. of Rapture. Yeah. Now, look, this is the part of the show where I there, there's me and Matt Piscatella on, who's an, an analyst on Twitter that you can mm-hmm. you should be following if you like games. We always stand for Tom Nook because yes, he does give you loans. He gives you interest free loans that you mm-hmm. never have to repay if you don't want to. Like if he's if he's like an uber capitalist, he's the worst uber capitalist that has ever existed. Dude. That's true. Yeah, he gets free labor. It's great. You're the Developing that island for him, like increasing its value a million fold, and you're yeah. not getting a cent. Mm-hmm. But he oh, also come on, I get he and I his honest, honest businessman Tom Nook right here. Yeah. But he and his nephews <laughs> will also pay you for whatever garbage you bring them. Like some yeah. weeds, yes, we'll buy that. A shell you found on the beach, sure. How's a million dollars sent? <laughs> well, it's it's like I gotta say, closer to twenty bells over to this island. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's also predatory loans because he's like you're like oh I I paid off my house. Wouldn't you like a bigger house? Why wouldn't you like a bigger house? You have more stuff. Yeah. I have more stuff to sell you. Why don't you buy another house? Go ahead. I'll give you more money for it. I, I don't know. He he is a constant presence that just 
pulls all these resources to upgrade your house from somewhere. It doesn't really matter. Giving him fish and things gives you something to do on the island, as does hanging out with those dodos who will fly you to random islands where you can sometimes get cool shit and sometimes get exactly what you have at home, which is always a little disappointing. But I mean, where else am I going to get my hybrid flowers, though, Michael? Yeah. You got to get them on those other islands. You're I, not going to breed them yourself. It takes forever. I trust feel like me. what was everybody's island name? Mine is Crepusse. Crepusse? Uh, which I, yes, I think it was like I, I I was like merging like words for like midnight and I think it was like midnight and isle in French. I don't know. I could be completely forgetting how I came up with it, but that's like that was my thing. I was like, I wanted to name it. Something really cool, and that's what I came up with, Crepusse. That is the name of mine. Hmm. I went with Grift with a Y because I was thinking of Mist, but... Uh, <laughs> nice. It's, yeah, it's Grift Island. I, I let my youngest child name my island, so it's Sunny Isle, and Aww. I actually love that name. It's very that's cute adorable. and appropriate. Hmm. My island is named Hamtown. It is named Hamtown. for my cat who died yeah. in, in the Aww. summer. Oh, there sorry. is now a memorial to my poor deceased kitty Aww. in my bamboo forest. Well, yeah, you can you can craft gravestones in this game and and build like graveyards and weird stuff, that right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Subsequently, when I started my FIFA Ultimate Team, I named it Hamtown United FC, and in my headcanon, my team plays on my Animal Crossing island, and so we have crossover <laughs> between FIFA and, and Animal Crossing. That's awesome. It's a very Why unique Cat Bailey thing. We already had crossover between Doom and Animal Crossing with everyone <laughs> shipping Isabel and Doom guy. And so, Tom Nook is like, so tell me about these loot boxes that you keep. <laughs> right. They sound this very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you guys it's are ignoring the real it. nefarious shit Nick was up to, which is who killed Tortimer? Because Tortimer's gone and no one's talking about it. Maybe Brewster's in on it because he is in my. Where's Brewster? Well. I mean, I mean, Brewster was data mined and, and still yeah. hasn't shown up. I. It, that's the one thing that is a little annoying is like. Most Animal Crossing games feel like they have a little side grade here and there. You'll lose one or two features from a previous one. The most obvious example being losing Nintendo games from the original one Mm. um, Mm. because they figured out they could start selling those. But then, like, this game, you were like, okay, well, that's not going to happen this time, right? Because this is truly an online game. Not the first time an Animal Crossing has gone online, but this game is, you know, the Switch by this time is connected. But we've still lost some stuff that we haven't gotten, and I'm like, it's got to be coming before the end of year one right like we got to be able to build that i need to go to my fucking coffee shop and get my coffee and tell it and have special recipes that brewster remembers how just how i like my coffee for no reason just because i want to i need Mm -hmm. a fucking place because again you can't do that in real life no, because KK Slider can't just be playing outdoors in the town square all the time. He needs to yes, be in the can. coffee shop. Yes, he can. It's 2020. Shop, Where else is he going to play? <laughs> hey, I would this rather him true. play outdoors where everyone can be socially distant. <laughs> exactly. In a, in a but need to push those know, log like, stools further away from each other. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know what... I mean, I think one of the, the one of the pluses about this game has been the ongoing like seasonal events and like they've made that the big thing. So Brewster may come like when it's springtime and it's maybe everyone's going back in and then you're like, Hey, there's a big springtime event year anniversary of animal crossing. And you can now make your coffee. I honestly thought it was going to be a fall event because coffee to me has a very autumn feel. Plus, like, Mm. they were letting us grow pumpkins. I'm like, oh, shit, are we going to get to make our own pumpkin spice lattes now? I knew it. I am I am that basic. I'm like, hey, I mean, yes, it should I'm be winter, here. right? When so I'm from hmm. you know the great snowy north, and when I think of a coffee shop, I don't think of a 
hip place where I'm having like blue bottle coffee or whatever. I'm thinking about super cozy with cushy armchairs and a roaring mm. fire and blankets and a big, big cup of coffee or hot chocolate. One of the two. Sounds good to me. I'm here yeah. for it. Let's do oh, it. Yeah. I'm about to say, you guys are talking about seasons. I'm from Florida. I don't know what those are. <laughs> Dude, I'm just... from California as if we have seasons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I live in the north. I live in Northern California. I was just like, I'm originally from the, the north. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you know, but, to, to, about the seasonality in the game, what what makes it different than the other games, and one of the reasons, like when this game first came out, I I broke a tradition I had always had. I I'm a time traveler, guys. I've admitted on this show, what? like I time travel in Animal Dude, Crossing games. You're a monster. But in oh, this game, I, had a fun I didn't time travel adventure. But go ahead. In this game, I didn't time travel until like. Oh. There were certain times where I couldn't be near my Switch, like on special mm. events, where I would go back in time to experience the thing after it launched. But no more of this forward time traveling business. Mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know? See, I made the mistake of what was it? I had I had been playing the stock market. I feel like that's the final phase of stonks. Animal Crossing playing. Like, yeah, you, you, oh, you yeah, make it stonks. big with the stonks, and then you just lose interest and stop playing. At least that's how it happened in my case. Because you can buy anything, yeah. But yeah, like I had, I had sunk like several million bells into turnips, and I had them scattered all over the island. <laughs> and I think it was just like, oh, what were they selling at? I've already forgotten. And I wound the clock back to check what the stock <laughs> price was. Ah, and they all rotted. <sighs> they all rotted immediately, yeah. and and just like sending pictures to these guys of just like myself looking sad and this gigantic <laughs> field of rotten turnips stretching into the horizon. Dude. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, but I just... bounced back from it. I sold all those for for garbage, whatever it is. There's somebody who will buy them from you. And then just start reinvesting. He's going to start again. And eventually, yes, hit it big, lost interest. That's the ultimate goal. Spoiled turnips are not bad because you can still get ants from them. Yes, that's true. Like one of the natural ways to get ants. Um, And you can take ants to what? The museum. Oh, the owl. I like the acoustics of the museum. There's a little bit of echo in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. The museum is one of the best parts of this game. The museum, they went to town on the museum, like designing mm. them. It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. I have to say that the thing that really warms my heart about Animal Crossing is why probably it's it's one of my two or three favorite games of 2020. It's so educational and not in a way that's overbearing, but in a way that's loving. Um, you mm. see all of these very real animals. You're learning all these facts about them. You're learning about paintings and art and everything from a kind of a sly fox guy. And, uh, it, there's a joyousness to the learning that I goes above and beyond everybody always saying, oh, this is so wholesome and everything. And the museum is such a wonderful date spot. Um, hmm. My part, I, I've known so many people who in the course of the pandemic, for whatever reason, they weren't able to, whatever reason, they weren't able to hang out with their partner. Maybe they were in a different state or whatever. Yeah. And so they would hop on Animal Crossing and they would go to oh. the museum and they would sit and watch the, the fish and the Look at the the butterflies, and it was so beautiful, so beautifully realized. Every time yeah. you'd be building it up, I I love it. I see you you play the game. I think the way the designers intended. The other side of this is Michael started to go into it with like the stonks and how people are mm-hmm. using the stock market with online play. This this is the game that had its own like uh, animal trafficking ring online, basically <laughs> yeah. where people were trying to figure out how to get the best villagers. Game, gamers gonna game, you know. But mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I do actually, but I, I suppose that I put like 
a solid 500 hours into building my island. Wow. Like I just really, 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 really enjoyed creating my perfect island paradise. And then after it was done, you know, I stopped playing as regularly, but I still go back and then I will clean it up a little bit and say hi to everybody and just kind of soak in the ambiance and be like, wow, I made this. This is beautiful. Holy crap. I love just walking around this thing. And, uh, you know, in the days following the election, when I was really stressed out, I went to my island. It was my little happy place. And I've actually been going back through my old pictures on my Switch and Mm -hmm. realizing that unknowingly I'd created this kind of yearbook of just things that have been happening and wonderful pictures with my Mm -hmm. Islanders and my friends and... Yes, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this game. Same, I the, and it's a literal game changer. The terraforming they added to this yes. game, where you can literally change the shape of, you can add cliffs and you can you can build rivers and stuff. I created. Michael's been to my my island. I'm actually really proud of my island. I, I think mm. it's like a really pretty place. I got some really cool patterns online, which they've done in previous games. But it's like I built a graveyard with like the photos from the haunted mansion. You know, the stretching photos and stuff. And mm-hmm. I like I enjoy walking around my island. I know where everything is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's a great part of that game is just kind of, you feel ownership. The other thing that was special to me, the multiplayer is not great in this game, but this is the first time I've been able to play an animal crossing game with my kids. Um, It's such a great social game. That's the thing. It's like, even though it's annoying, um, yeah, like in April and everything, I was hanging out with my friends. We were like talking back and forth on turnips and everything. We were visiting each other's islands and trading goods. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's yeah. a pretty special game. It's it, you know, for someone who likes games like this, lo- I've always loved Animal Crossing, which is why I loved Stardew Valley, which is maybe mm. my game of last generation. Stardew Valley is an amazing game. Yeah, and this this game I think borrowed some Stardew Valley elements too and incorporated them. So That's it's just like it's yeah, dude, like... different though because Stardew Valley is much more economics focused, whereas this mm-hmm. one you can just really truly move at your own pace. If, if yeah. you want, yeah. so there are economic yeah. elements to engage with, but you know, just the fact the way that it handles time differently makes Animal Crossing so differently. Which I have to say, there's some really great events that have happened. Uh, I really enjoyed the Thanksgiving event. That was Thanksgiving really, was really cool. Fun. Yeah, yeah, mm. where you had to uh, to craft the four different dishes for Franklin, yes. and mm. yeah, that was cool. That and was it really gets neat. really the game gets beautiful in fall, uh, especially the fall. Yeah. Yeah. I just and when you had, I had a whole pumpkin patch. Yeah. Yeah, I had two. I had I had a little sincere pumpkin patch for the great pumpkin, and then I had a big one that I was just u- using to farm a shit ton of pumpkins that I didn't do anything with. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I I I was crafting all that Halloween stuff, and I would, you know, normally it's like I craft seasonal decorations and just put them in my house to maximize my my house ranking. But in this, I would like throw jack-o'-lanterns in front of neighbors houses to make it look yes. like the town was participating in, you in like Halloween. you're decorating your island yeah yeah like not just my house but the island like that's cool like no yes. no other animal crossing game has let you really do that so anyway i'm just remembering the easter event that uh everyone <laughs> was so you know, really that was not a great people got more, what are all these fucking mad. eggs <laughs> hideous egg furniture i made it, it all bad it wasn't I, that bad. I made the all the egg bad. furniture and I, I almost went somewhat viral when I had like, I just posted like a short video of myself, like leaving the town hall and the rabbit was just sitting there like he hadn't noticed me. And so he's just sort of standing there looking tired and I like cre- snuck up behind him and like hit him with the net and he started dancing again. Like, Resume <laughs> frolicking filthy egg beast. 
You, yeah. you, you feel bad for the rabbit. <laughs> a little but, bit. But he gets his revenge because I can still hear the whistle in, of the wind when those balloons come floating by. Because there's like a balloon every 20 seconds during the Easter event. It was insane. Oh, oh God. Freaking rabbit. Yeah. Eggs everywhere. <laughs> Just terrible. I liked it. I liked it. So it like changed the game up a little bit. Yeah. But now it's winter. So now you can go and build your snowman. Something I've literally never done in real life. I can't mm-hmm. wait to do that. Yeah. Uh, really? Never? I've never done it in real life. Have you never seen, seen snow? I've seen snow. I used to live in the Netherlands, so I saw snow for when no, I was me. like four or five. Okay. Uh, but then we moved to Jacksonville, Florida, and it has snowed here once. That was five years ago, and it's snow flurries, not actually sitting on snow. I don't know. I take it back. I saw snow in Connecticut, but it li- I mean in Rhode Island, but it literally snowed, and then I came. I woke up the next day, and it was gone. So hmm. I, I am wow. looking forward to yeah. building a snowman. Nice. I guess that's the big difference between uh, California and Florida is we have mountains we can drive to with snow versus mm-hmm. Florida has mountains swamps again, to drive Gandalf. to. <laughs> We're going to Tahoe. Yes, or Big Bear. Yeah. I or mean, Mammoth. y'all want gators. We can give you, guys, you guys can take the gators. <laughs> that's true. And we'll take nah, the mountains. That's fine. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Show a gator snow for the first time. Watch it freak out. Put it on the internet. The Floridian, do you want some swamps? <laughs> we got swamps. <laughs> <laughs> and Disney World. They got Disney World. That's true. That's true. I, 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 I have not been to Disneyland, but I absolutely love Disney World. But they probably have some snow in Disney World somewhere. Well, they have sandy beaches. That's true. They do. That's true. I live in a beach city, and I love that. That's one of the only yeah. great things about Florida is I live in a beach city. So. Yeah, Animal Crossing, not necessarily our game of the year, but definitely the most important game of the year. Like That's I, fair. Yeah, I, th- I think this came along again right when everybody needed it and sort of took the world by storm. And it was a great relief in those early days of lockdown. But we do need to move on. So let's roll ahead to number seven. As I understand, King Alfred... Your name is not spoken with affection here in Mercia. Yet I am close enough to Wessex to hear myself praised from morn till twilight. <laughs> Return to your singing subjects then, and leave the affairs of Mercia to the Danes. Not for your pagan war songs are safely out of hearing. Oh, wordplay. We love wordplay in which game? Assassin's Creed Creed Valhalla. But all I could think of after hearing pagan war songs is, these people had enough of pagan war songs. (laughs) (laughs) Who is joining us for this segment? Oh, I'm one of them. Uh, My name is Steve Guntley. I uh, am the host of Ultra 64. And? I'm Kayla. Uh, Kayla (laughs) Zub. I'm the host of P&B Podcast Network. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you both for joining us. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the culmination of the trilogy that began with Assassin's Creed Origins, taking us back to the 9th century in England to be Viking invaders. Fun fact, I did not know until I first heard about this game. Full disclosure, I work at Ubisoft, which publishes it. Until I first heard about this game that there was a Viking invasion around the 8th, 9th, and 10th centuries in England. And that they conquered most of it, and it was only because of the the last kingdom of Wessex that King Alfred managed to push them back a bit and begin to unite the United Kingdom under one banner. But what was everybody's experience with this game? Like, uh, what did what did was, y'all like about it? I liked hearing about that because I, it was the first it was the first AC I played after going to Iceland, which is just the Viking capital of the fucking world, and their perspective on that was amazing. They were they were 
fearsome ransacking warriors who pretty much had one successful conquest and everybody banded together and never let them leave Iceland again. <laughs> and, and so, and, and which they also ravaged. Like there are still trees, like their trees are barely growing back from like they cut down the whole island. You can see what it looks like to have like 50 year old trees glowing on, what, on a climate that's kind of like the moon. The soil, mm. and whatever. This, but like yeah, yeah, I was, I was reading volcanic. about Vikings and just dying to play this game. And I think after my, you will have a better perspective on this. But after playing Ghost of Tsushima, I'm like, well, this mm. feels a lot like Assassin's Creed. By the time I got to Valhalla, I'm like, well, this doesn't feel a lot like Ghost of Tsushima anymore. It feels like something a yeah. little different. A- AC it, has moved on, and that that was the reason I I knew I would like this before playing Michael, as you mentioned. It's I don't are they officially calling it a trilogy because it's like to me it's um, it's I, yeah I guess I think of those three games together now of Origins I, I don't and think Odyssey they're officially a trilogy but they all follow Layla Hassan the modern day character and this one I really I think improves the modern day segment by bringing back two of my very favorite characters Oh mint tea is not actually tea Bex it's an infusion It's really just dirty, minty water. I don't care what you call it, Sean. Did you buy any? Of course I did, love. Uh, Sean and Rebecca, they've been gone the last few games. They're finally back. Yay. I remember them from Black Flag. Yeah. Did you? The only way people can tell you're an AC fan is you know who Sean and Rebecca are. Like, I've played every game and I don't know who that is. I played a few games, but I only know them from Black Flag because I didn't play Unity. I played a little bit of Syndicate. Unity! Yeah, I think they were introduced in Assassin's Creed 2. And then they yes. kind of took on a bigger role as the series progressed. And then Unity, they weren't really in there. Syndicate, they came back. And then Origins and Odyssey, they've been completely absent. But now it's like, okay, well, uh, after what happened to Layla's previous team, the Assassins found her a new team. Uh, and it's Sean and Rebecca. So I knew about... I knew about the uh, the Dane invasion of England because I'm a ginormous history nerd. And I also mm. know that they went to Ireland. And people had bad propaganda about them, especially the men, <laughs> mm-hmm. because Danes bathed. Oh, yeah. Terrible. And Terrible. women were like, yes, be clean for me. <laughs> and actually, Viking isn't actually what they call themselves. They didn't call themselves that. We called them that in the 19th century. That's what we called them. A Viking is actually what they did was raiding. Yeah. A yeah, it's like a, it's like a verb, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. verb. And we were like, they, yeah, they called themselves Danes because that's what mm-hmm. they were. And so I knew about this and I was like, yes, of course I'll play this game. Yeah. I will be a Viking. Like, it's a, it's a great time. It's right... 400 years after the Romans left, and it's right before 1066 when the Normans came. So it's at a perfect point where real England kind of like pops into mm-hmm. view, but it's like a nice middle child of, mm, we kind of know what's going to happen here. I found it very interesting, uh, yeah. and I enjoyed quite a bit. I 72 hours of it, so. This, this, this game gave me one of my signature, how it started, how's it going, 2020 mm-hmm. meme moments of the year. All right. Because I, I picked up one of those gigantic, like, gray cats that you can find around sometimes, and you can pet them and cuddle them, and it's a delight. And then I uh, was doing a little sub-quest for a crazy cat lady. I accidentally hit an explosive jar when I was trying to break into her house. Ooh. I set, like, five of those cats on oh, fire. No. <laughs> and I was... Like, genuinely upset that I did that. I was able to save a few of them, but a couple of cats perished because this lady couldn't stack her explosives properly. 
Yeah, there's so many volatile explosives in ninth century England. Like that that, that is a thing. Like I've I've had to train myself to keep an eye out for them because, you know, it's great if like, oh, there's some archers over there and they're standing right next to a bunch of red clay pots that I can target with an arrow <laughs> and blow them all sky high. But I'll, if I I'll decide... I'll 900 AD red barrel yeah. in video yeah. games. <laughs> but, then, but then if I'm not paying attention and I don't see them and I run over there to slash at them with my axe and one of the axes accidentally breaks open one of the clay pots, then I get exploded. Yeah, I, yeah. Get, I get set on fire a lot in oh, this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot, mm -hmm. a lot. Like, at least once per fight, I'm just rolling. And then you like, hear, Ch -ch 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 this, is new, this is new leather. And you're like, I'm mm -hmm. gonna roll. I've been playing Assassin's Creed since the beginning and I kind of realized today that uh, the games follow a similar like Star Trek movie formula where like you can kind of probably skip the even ones or the the odd ones rather but the uh, even ones are like masterpieces and if we're kind of following that train of thought in this latest trilogy we're into like the next gen movies where they're all pretty good uh, but like I, I, I think if I had to quibble a little bit with this game it's a, it, it follows kind of a similar pattern as Resident Evil it's like I'm obsessed 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 okay then it's this formula is getting a little stale oh look they revitalized it okay yes. I'm going to be obsessed again for a while oh the formula is getting a little stale so I think we need to move into the Resident Evil 7 portion of the Assassin's Creed line like I'm really liking the the huge scope and the RPG mechanics of these last 3 games but mm. I did spend 90 plus hours on this game this year, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. which is partially like because it is a good game and partially because like, wow, this game actually takes that long to play the story mode. Like if you yeah. want to successfully play through it, it takes yeah. about that long. Yeah. The last three games have been enormous games. Yeah. Like they, they, they count on them taking an entire year, which is it's a good thing. The games are two years spaced apart, you know, so. And it, it took yeah, me but, a while setting this aside to come back to it and finally break myself of the habit of like, I am not going to hoover up every glowing spot on the map before I move <laughs> on to the next region or finish the story. It's yeah. all good to have that stuff there to discover, but. Well, it's also like at the end of the year, we got like six open world games back to back to back to back. So it's right. kind of like, yeah, yeah. you just got to figure out how much time you have, but uh, that unfortunately i think it's like yeah the timing was a little bad where i definitely didn't have time to finish this game but um i mean i'll return to it and i know i'll be playing it through most of of next year but uh yeah it's um they're just really big games and you have to give them credit because you know it's like not i mean one benefit of ubisoft being a huge publisher and having this many studios at their disposal is they throw almost all their studios at the assassin's creed titles and it shows right like they, they are these enormous titles that are like finally polished the whole way through but what i kind of liked about this one is they maybe strip back some of the polish of odyssey like odyssey is like was like this streamlined version of origins right mm. and then valhalla almost almost ties in with the viking theme it's like nah we're not gonna hold your hand as much as odyssey did you know like you're gonna have to spot stuff in the distance and not know what you're heading toward and stuff like that I, I kind of like that. I kind of like how they they just refined, they tweaked the formula a little I bit. Like the, I like the mystery two. meter. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's and there and there's a whole bunch of stuff they do, and they also tie in a whole bunch of like English uh, legends. Like you'll find the Green Children of Volpit in a quest, which is a English story that I heard about, and I was like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. I saw that on a on a sneak preview, and I was like. Shit, yeah. it's the it's the green children, or it's hey this, and they've got so much other stuff, and you can go through a whole playthrough and just do like the straightforward story, and mm -hmm. then you get to the end and you're like, oh the fuck, 
Like, I should have finished... I'm, I'm going to swear a lot. Um, That's fine. Hey, I should have done the glitches. I should have done more of those, because that oh, seems yeah. super interesting. And then this seems super interesting. Why didn't I do this? And I didn't get every single armor. And, of course, I only did 72 hours, and that was just for one ending. Uh, <laughs> and then it just kind of blows your, your gourd at the end. And you're like, did they... Did I just get... Did I just get played? Is this just a fucking long con by this one by this one family? Like, did are we do? Am I the dupe? Am I the dupe? <laughs> Maybe. Like, yeah. what? What I, the fuck? I haven't finished and, it, but I hear that the ending is uh, mind blowing. It's like this is the most is... insane that the series has ever been. Yeah, it's, it's... especially if you've been invested in like the modern day story stuff that Assassin's Creed's been doing since the beginning. Mm-hmm. This will really pay off in a satisfying way. Oh. I thought. Oh, cool. Well, that's good to know because I I'm felt excited. like those are the past two games. Like that stuff has been there; it just hasn't been that compelling to me. Like I'd much rather go back in the past and experience those stories. Like I'm, mm. I'm aware there's a modern day story, and I'm aware kind of vaguely of like, oh yeah, I remember like some team of special forces coming in this place. I couldn't tell you what's going on with the modern day storyline. So if they pay that off, maybe I'll go back and pay more attention. And then in this one, like there's like a one where you drink a potion or something and go to Asgard and I was like man I really don't want to do this like I don't care speaking, about speaking of Asgard, about Asgard oh, you, you, you but... don't want to find out what this story is about look at the size of this beautiful creature impressive isn't it it's a wolf clear eyes strong haunches it must come from powerful stock that's Loki you fools it could swallow the moon next month if it continues to grow like this I know your mind Javi but this wolf is not your enemy the signs of Ragnarok, when it comes, will be clear for all to see. Tyr, you roll bones in a game you do not understand. That's something that doesn't get st- talked about enough in this new AC trilogy. They're on their third pantheon in three games. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. like, I would say, like, traditional AC titles, like, religion was more like, no, this is a secular thing and religion's being used to control you. It was always the thing of the Templars. But the last three games have made sure that, like, gods and religion weave into the storyline like michael was saying it's like oh most of them end up being like the isu and yeah. stuff like that, like that they play way more a part in the games mm-hmm. i mean of course it's it's lending itself like these aren't just myths these are actual like this is a history these are mm-hmm. oral histories and i have so i have romance writer friends that are also playing this and they found it so gratifying to be like oh i can steal Sigurd's girl <laughs> yeah, um, I did that. I did that. No, nope. yeah. you can betray. And then they're like, "Okay, wait, wait until this one thing happens, and then do it, because then it gets a lot better." And you're like, "Are you sure?" Because I really want to do it underneath his nose. But there's so much. They're they're finding it interesting because you can really see how good the the character developments are inside of the story itself, and how like how interesting it weaves itself into character play me. I always play as the woman because I find men boring um, well, playing video games because you play them no all offense, the time. No. Because you play men all the time. and the, mm. So every time I hear Eivor, I hear the woman Eivor, whose voice actor is a hundred times better than what I find the man's. The, the um, game chose her for me, and didn't that happen to you too, Matt? Yeah, didn't we? Did you, we ever figure out option. the rule set it uses? Like, yeah, we both went by the "Hey, you, you tell me who I should be." Game. Mm-hmm. Oh did no, you can, you can pick. You can pick. No, I know. But like, you know, I know. You can pick. There's a third option. Also, just say, "Let the game decide for me." Or let the story. Oh, it's no, kind I of like a, a woman. 
I, I kind of read that as like a gender fluid option where you're just going to kind of adapt depending on the situation. Yeah. I, I I played as a woman too, Kayla, because I agree. I, and I don't know if this is just like my perception, but I find that the female voice actors, when you get the opportunity to choose between the two, the female voice actors are going to be better. Maybe I'm just I mean, basing Cassandra, that off of yeah, like Cassandra was better. Shep or like, yeah. And, and that's because women, women, we find that we are able to express more through our voice. Like you can... Mm-hmm. Men, it's more like your face, physical. We can we can express more through our voice because we have to. Oh, um, we're, I, we're thought, I thought it was a con- I thought it was an algorithm condemning my feminine button pressing. No, I mean, <laughs> it's fine. You can do that too. Be femme. It's fine. But we're we're taught through society that how we use our voice and how we convey emotions. Because not a lot of, a lot of times men can't understand our facial expressions because we're always that resting bitch face. At least I am anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I find that they're they're able to lend themselves better in character work, especially for Assassin's Creed and those strong characters, because they can express that better than the men. Which, you know, I'm sure I'm gonna play play as the man because I did it in Alexios' Assassin's sure. Creed, but man, it was just so wooden. But like, I, I, yeah, I I also really appreciate Ubisoft's dedication to casting actors that are from the region they're depicting, or at least of the ancestry mm-hmm. that they're depicting. Like they've been very consistent about that throughout, and so they find like you're not getting like huge names in this, but you're getting the actors who are right for the part yeah. and understand the dialect and the tone. You know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. The from from my part, I went with male Avor or Mavor, as we can call him, <laughs> uh, because in between finding out that Vikings had been in ninth century England and playing the game, I watched The Last Kingdom, a BBC series that you can see on Netflix. Oh, that's a great show! Oh my which, god, that's such a good show. Yeah, is <laughs> is basically like especially the first season. Like this is Assassin's Creed in all but name. <laughs> like the way yeah, like, that main really character is. moves really, and acts yeah. and everything else. But the villain in the last season, Canute. That actor is playing male Eivor. So it was like, oh, I know you. I like your voice. This is kind of And cool. also, like, if you watch Vikings, which mm. was also a really good show, yeah. like, that's all about the Vikings coming over to England to sack and raid because that's what, I mean, yeah. I think at that point there was, like, a small ice age, which really um, impacted how the Danes, like, agricultural centers kind of faded. So they really, like hit their culture with what they were doing at that time, which was raiding because that, and they did go down to Istanbul. They did go down to Constantinople. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, goods were shipped everywhere to there because of them. Like their ships were, you know, highly technologically advanced compared to other people's um, at that time. Yeah. And the, that internationality plays well into the Assassin's Creed storyline and that we can say like, oh yeah, Sigurd on his travels through the Middle East met these guys, uh, Basim and Hytham, and they, they come to Norway and take an immediate liking to Eivor. What kind of smith makes a weapon like this? It is less a weapon than a tool. One we have used for centuries to fight injustice and evil. Mentor, I must protest. This is deeply unorthodox. Our wrist blade is a sacred tool. Do not tool. make a fetish out of cold metal, Haifa. What matters is the mind of the one who wields it. Please, try it on. The blade should ride on the underside of your arm to conceal it from your target. Uh, 
that, that lovely snick. But Eivor is, of mm. course, like, no, I'm going to wear it outside so I don't slice off my finger like you idiots. <laughs> yep. Yep. Pretty much just shames them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys, you, you mentioned Vikings. Is is this game what to Vikings is, what Days Gone was to Sons of Anarchy? Are we done with the Vikings stuff that really kicked off with Skyrim about 10 years ago now? Like, is this the last Viking thing we're going to see for a bit? I kind of feel um, like, yeah, because that, that yeah, show probably. was like, that show was really popular. And I know that was like, Vikings were very much in the zeitgeist for a little bit there. Mm. So, yeah, I, 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 I could see us kind of moving away. I feel like this would be the last gasp for a while. Not that there's like, you know, there's a lot to go for here if you want to like really dig into it. I mean, I was genuinely amazed at how huge this game was, even having played all the other games like. I didn't know that you get to go to England yeah. and then Norway and then Vinland and then two different realms of Asgard and yeah. like all these different like huge worlds that you get to go and explore. You know, you yeah, going to Vinland was explore. insanity. I was like, I'm sorry, did we just go to the Iroquois? Like, where did this come from? <laughs> now, my yeah, I my mean, dumbass I might say just spoilers, assumed... but it spoils that fairly early on. Yeah, I, my dumbass immediately thought that was just Finland. I'm like, wait, they're, so they're just going to Finland? Just I'm, I'm putting mm-hmm. that together. And then just I looked it Finland. up. It's like Canada. To found yeah. the Nokia company. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only well, thing I thought I that's that. where this, that's, I thought that was where they're like, the game ended. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Like, they found the body there. That's where they died. Cool. Yeah, yeah, Great. Exactly. They, dug, they dug up a frozen Santa Claus and now it's running rampant and killing everybody? What? Oh, you mean it was un- <laughs> hidden underneath a mountain and, oh, sorry. Was that Rare Exports? That <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> But yeah, I, I love the game. I love the, the changes they made to the combat. The skill system was a little weird at first. Like, I think I've just wrapped my head around it, that it's like this web of different perks that you can unlock and buffs. And eventually, like, you'll unlock a new skill. And I realized, like, oh, you can just kind of pan around the map and see, like, all right, if I move in this direction, I can unlock this skill. So mm-hmm. I, I'm able to, it seems less random to me now. But, yeah. And, and Sudan moves different than Icarus does, too. Like, I mm-hmm. had to wrap my head around that. I was like, oh, you mean I can't just go ding, 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 target? And that's where I need to go? But it's more like, be my eyes, Sunin. And then she just kind of goes, and you're like, where the f- Oh, that's, okay, that's where I'm going to go. This general direction, but you're, you're, you're supposed to tell me where, man. Mm-hmm. Like... I feel like I kind of dropped out of using... Crows are smarter than that. And I, yeah, I barely used Sunin. Just kind of yeah. did. And I was just like, meh. Yeah, Ikaros yeah, was like constantly out and like tagging guys for me. And then uh, Sunin, not so much. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't really spend much time with the crow. Well, I'll just say, if y'all are listening to this before early January, you can visit your, your settlement of Ravensthorpe to uh, partake in the Yule Festival. Which yeah, is going no kidding. And you're yeah, so, like, yeah, it's funny. There's snow in your settlement and absolutely nowhere else, which again looks kind of weird when you're exploring yeah. the Sunin. And uh, yeah, you can do some fist fights and drinking contests and trade them for tokens that you can use to unlock unique gear, etc. But let's move along to number six. Oh, and what game could this possibly be? Cool Spider-Man. Yes. Spider-Man. Better Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Miles Morales, who is joining us for this segment? Uh, hi, Chris Baker here. Hey. Former guy who used to work at Marvel, so I have a very, very interested in this sort of thing. Yeah, you have a you have a keen knowledge of this sort of thing. And also... George Albor. 
who is into spiders. I actually hate spiders. I lied. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you both for joining us for for this Game of the Year countdown. Spider-Man Miles Morales. I think there was an expectation that this was going to be like a a sort of DLC thing. And and it was kind of a a brief adventure, but it packed a lot into its runtime. And there was a lot to do in it. And I think, yeah, yeah, looking at long play videos, it's like, oh, this is just like four or five hours. But I spent so much more time in it and... Probably because I, was I, I intentionally dicked stuff. around a lot yeah. and took. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's been a good ten to twenty hours in the game. Oh yeah, I one hundred percented both Spider Mans. Obviously, yeah. nice. I want to say it has as many collectibles as the original Spider Man. So like the side stuff might take as long. It's just the main campaign that's shorter. I think it's got less collectibles, but there's still plenty to do. Obviously, yeah, nice. And I, I really liked the the character of Miles. Like I, I felt like. In the first Spider-Man game, he was a little bit of a non-entity, but he really steps into the role in this one. And, like, you get to know him, you get to know his family really well, you get to know his neighborhood. And there's kind of a personal connection to to, to all of it that you don't get as much in the first one. Yeah, I, th- I thought the first game actually did a great job of setting him up as someone who could be the character that he is in this game. Because if you just think about it and, and, you know, pretend Miles wasn't in the last game, he really didn't have to be. They could have uh, done basically the same stuff without Miles. I felt like he and Mary Jane were, were both just like, oh, I don't get to be Spider-Man for a while now. I have to be this other <laughs> character who doesn't have yeah. powers. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, you, you could have taken the Miles element out of that and still had a, a really solid game and story. But, you know, I, I do think they kind of probably have some sort of long-term plan, uh, which is... Something I really admire about uh, what Insomniac is doing, and you know, Marvel Games is part of this too. They seem to have uh, like an actual plan for at least this universe. They've been teasing the same thing. I, I, I don't know how spoilery we want to get here. At the end of both games, that they're obviously leading up to probably in the next game, and you just don't really get that. Like when when I used to work on, I, I worked on a lot of Activision Spider-Man games, and. You know, there's a very tenuous connection between, like, Shattered Dimensions and Edge of Time, but th- mm-hmm. they, they weren't connected. Like, they weren't, like, thinking, we're going to do this game, and then, like, in two more games, this thing we're doing in this game is finally going to pay off. Whereas they're finally doing that, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, one of the reasons I love this this series, I guess we can call it now, is the astounding confidence they seem to have in that people will understand what they're doing with Spider-Man and don't really yeah. ex- over-explain anything. And... They introduced Miles before Spider-Verse hit screens, didn't they? Yeah. And, and I yeah, thought that did. was astoundingly... So. You're saying Into the Spider-Verse versus his appearance in the Insomniac game? Yeah, sorry. I, I, yeah. I know people in the comics know that stuff, but like Arkham really hits you over the head and gives you bios on everyone to let you know who yeah. everyone is. And like Batman will even give you exposition. Penguin, he used to be Oswald Cobblepot. I put him away for blobbity blook. Whereas I, this mm-hmm. game confidently... like. Nah, people will get it, and if they if they yeah. they're confused, they can look it up. And it, it, a con- the confidence that uh, which they take the Spider-Man universe that we didn't have to relive anybody's origin story at all. I think mm-hmm. it's hard to underestimate like how important Into the Spider-Verse was, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, it, that's right. Now, because it was all the same year, and it was like again to pa- to Baker's point, like I don't I don't know if there were people talking behind the scenes, but it was like the year that they had the Enter the Spider-Verse movie, Miles was also featured in the video game to a much lesser extent, obviously, but they were clearly setting up this thing so that it when it was when this was announced, it was kinda like, 
Oh yeah, of course you're doing that. Like we we kind of yeah. could see that coming, you know. I think they took it for granted just because like Miles Morales became a household name with that Spider Verse movie, but I'm pretty sure this game came out a few months earlier. And it, I just admire their confidence. Yeah, and really not yeah. slamming you over the head with who people are. Like uh, no, it, it, no. Just, just sort of trusting you to like listen to the story and just a really great retelling of the Spider-Man universe. I don't know. Baker can maybe elaborate, but like, shit. The, do they still have a six one six Ultimate Universe? They didn't still have that at this point. Uh, right? The Ultimate Universe, I believe, has been completely destroyed yeah. uh, as part of the incursion leading up to the Secret Wars around twenty fifteen. Guess it wasn't so Ultimate then. Pouring out, yeah. Me. They yeah. still <laughs> trusted Spider-Man fans and comic fans like. You'll get it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And I'd only yeah. seen Arkham do that with any real confidence before. Yeah. Sit back. Enjoy. But it's I, a Spider-Man story. I, I also, well, I, I actually think uh, I, would, I would just say that Arkham was like a very necessary step to get in terms of like the universe building because Arkham was really the first comic book game that had, you know, a uh, continued universe for at yeah. least like three games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Good point. I do admire like some of the, the twists that they did with the... Yeah. The canon that there there are things in there that like fans would get immediately. Like if you're a fan, you know who Finn Mason is going to be. I, I think it's interesting too that they actually took some really obscure characters that even hardcore fans like me, I, I didn't know who Rick Mason was going in or mm. who uh, Simon Krieger was going in. Uh, but uh, the, you know they're they're both comic book characters, very obscure comic book characters, but uh, they they're very different too. Um, you know, I don't yeah, yeah, know yeah. how much you want to get into that right now. I mean, but, I, I don't uh, want to get too spoily, but I, yeah. I do want to maybe slightly spoily is that for whatever reason, Miles Morales, compared to Peter Parker, is absolutely terrible at keeping his identity a secret. Don't worry. <laughs> I won't tell you, Mom. Promise? Promise. Look at you. If your dad could see you now. He'd probably freak out. <laughs> he definitely freak out. So you taking over for the other Spider-Man? Nah. Like I said, he's just on vacation. Right. And he left you in charge. Yeah. Yeah, why would that be strange? We're basically sure. both teenagers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. love that Miles is a, a subpar Spider-Man. Like, I yeah. just mm. adore it so much that he's yeah. not very good it's, or nearly as good as regular Spider-Man. Spider-Man trying to become a... It, it's it's kind of the same character arc as... Uh, yeah, Peter Parker. As, well, into the Spider-Verse in that, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he yeah. starts out... Like, he's not very good at this. He swings really awkwardly all over the place. He's, he's making messes. He has powers he doesn't know how to deal with, which are really fun, by the way. The invisibility yeah. and the Venom powers are really cool. And I yeah. think make this a bit more fun than the original game, just gameplay-wise, going around the open world, whatever. But yes, he becomes the, the confident Spider-Man that he needs to be by the end, and by then you also unlock the Spider-Verse suit with that weird half of the frames of animation dropped thing, and yeah. it feels like oh, you're yeah. playing the movie, which is really cool. Confirmed. Well, that was the point it, it, I was going to make. Is, is it that works on you, cats in your backpack too? Yes. Drops their oh, that's right. Well. <laughs> the, well, the point I was going to make is like compared to like the Arkham series or even the previous Spider-Man, where it was like he he had been Spider-Manning for a few years. Okay. To me, some of the most fun Spider-Man stuff to consume is like the Tobey Maguire movies, where it's like he's still learning how to be Spider-Man. And so I love that this game kind of let us go back there. And it's like, yeah, I I like taking that journey because like. I think the strength of the Peter Parker character back in the day and then now for a new generation of Miles Morales is 
it's it's probably the comic book character teenagers, you know, the bigger consumer of comics can identify with the most. And so when it's a guy who's not all powerful right off the bat, I mean, still has some powers, but it's kind of like learning how to use them. That to me is, is like, yes, it, it. I mean, in this game, obviously it has fun gameplay, but it's more that emotional journey. Like, like some yeah. of the best moments in this game are just like the character moments of Miles with his family or Miles kind of learning how to be mm-hmm. Spider-Man and like, you know, not like going, man, can I can I live up to this challenge? You know, like, can I live up to this responsibility that basically Peter left me with when he went on vacation? Like, I, I love that, that they're just the easiest out in the world. It's like, yeah, I'm going to Mary Jane on vacation. Uh, enjoy being Spider-Man. Bye. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, you're right though. I love that so much of this game centers on Harlem and centers on Peter Parker's family mm-hmm. in particular. And that emotional through line drives the story in a way you that I think Miles makes Morales this game family? better. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it makes this game better than the first Spider-Man in my opinion. And from a yeah. purely narrative perspective, because I'm genuinely interested in it. I'm genuinely moved by the conclusion of the story arc uh, in this game in a way that I was not in the first one. And I think it's that vulnerability and that centering on Miles that just really makes this character stand out. It's weird to say this, but like video games seem to see the value in keeping a character around more than movies do. Like I, I, yeah. I've never really liked the thing in superhero movies where like the bad guy always has to die and then he never comes back for anything. Um, whereas we were in, talking about that it's like the story yeah. of America where like the end of every superhero movie ended with the on-screen execution of someone you didn't like. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's not really how the world works, is it? Yeah. No. Or if you're a Disney movie, the, the villain falling to their death. His hubris was his death. <laughs> he, he tried to grab the ring out of the lava. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like that, like, like, Uncle Aaron is such a big part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you don't know his identity, then uh, I won't say anything more. But uh, and I also love that uh, Genki is a constant voice in your ear through all of this. Hey man, things are big time now, huh? Feels like people need friendly neighborhood now more than ever. We've got to think of a shorter name. All the good apps are one word. So do we think that the app developed as a response to people saying like Spider-Man shouldn't be helping out the cops directly, or is it just a different? Uh, I have to imagine there was a lot of thought put into that because Miles' relationship with the cops is... They don't hit you over the head with it. There's just a few moments where, like, I gotta get the fuck out of here before the cops come, whereas Peter Parker would, like, hand people to cops. Yeah. Yeah. And and Miles directly says, like, I can't be here when the cops get here. There's definitely a a strange call-out when Mm -hmm. Peter's on the bridge early on when the Roxxon security guards are pointing their guns at him. That Mm -hmm. feels like a kind of a nod to the realities of being a young black male uh, in a yeah. police state. Yeah, Miles again. You called him Peter. Yeah, the thing I was wondering is like the Genki character, it seems so much like the Ned character from the recent Spider-Man movies. Yeah. I'm like, did they are He's they just the like was that thing in the comics Genki's before? from the comics and they got a they cast a dude who looks just like him for the movies and yeah. call him Ned for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it, I've I've heard that saying like Marvel clearly just wanted to make Miles Morales with these this character. Why didn't they just yeah. make Miles Morales? There's well, actually a pretty fun Easter egg uh, if you look in Genki's bio. Uh, his alias is the guy in the chair, hmm. which is oh, uh, something that Ned says in uh, in oh. Homecoming. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that, that's when you bring up secret. I, I, Baker would be able to elaborate on this one. This is neither here nor there for the game, but like the MCU is pretty much the ultimate universe anyway. And yeah. I think, I, I, think I mean, and it's the same idea as the Ultimate Universe, but it's yes. different. Well, and just it's, the, it's the, its own universe. That's the, the, the idea that well, the Ultimate Universe like kind of gave like gave up on secret identities, and so did okay. the MCU. 
And as as a guy who read the first run of Ultimate Avengers, the MCU is not yeah. Not the <laughs> <Ultimate Avengers. laughs> That's what I think. Like, you know, <laughs> having your own universe that kind of is in line with what was established is is you know. No, I I, I, I would I was thinking about the Ultimates in particular, but like a lot of I I think a lot of the Ultimate Universe is in the Spider Man movies for real, and it's, especially the Secret Identity thing going completely it's completely gone. As where we are in the Spider-Man movies, yeah, I think that's partly just due to to, to modern, modern modern sensibilities stuff. too. Well, I, I, I don't yeah. think it's. I think when everybody is wrapped up in Shield, there are no secret identities. You're not secret from anyone. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. modern sensibilities. Sorry, no, but, but the Ultimate Universe did here. reboot, and the Ultimate Universe what it, what was supposed to be originally for was just kind of like, hey, there is so much lore in all these characters and series. We're kind of doing a reboot so that new people can get into comics. And the MCU basically also had to do that. It was just like, yeah, we're, we're rewriting these long, well, well established, you know, plot lines and tropes and stuff like that and, and compacting them into a few movies yep. versus decades of comic book storylines. Yeah. I, I, I get the comparison there, Chris, for sure. And, and I, I think for Spider-Man in particular, Marvel has like fallen over itself for years to retain Peter Parker as young as possible, despite being very, very old, if yep. like older than Iron Man, and like Peter Parker works better when he's younger, or Spider Man works better when he's younger, and that's why Miles works so well because mm-hmm. we were all too young to read those like original Stan Lee runs of high right. school Peter Parker, and we get to kind of re-experience that with Miles, and and the awkwardness, the humor is great, but I, I again, like you were saying, swinging around, we're like. He just swings in a complete circle instead of an acrobatic lunge. Like <laughs> right, yeah. Peter Parker is so yeah. so fucking cute. Yeah. I I I, lo- I love Miles again. I don't even know if I voted for this because like I still feel a little weird about it because mm. I it does feel it, very much like a very expensive version of something I already played. Yeah, that is well, much shorter. But yeah, I like it's, Miles it's an expansion part also. Like the the I wanted to call out the reflections in the PS5 version are amazing there is a scene where like i just happen to be wearing the miles morales 2020 costume which has like this reflective daft punk helmet and there's a scene later on where like this guy like leans in close and i could see his face perfectly reflected in the visor of the helmet it's like that's so cool and i wouldn't have seen that if i hadn't been wearing that helmet at that moment that's that's ray tracing that is the power of ray tracing yeah it's neat I had that yeah. off so I could get that buttery smooth <laughs> 60 frames per second. <laughs> well, I don't know what I did. Racing. I should load it up again because I, I was saying, telling these guys I'm playing on PS5 and whereas I can very much see the difference in the next-gen technology on Demon Souls, I didn't see that much, that much here. In regards to the comment of it being more of the same, the one thing I will say is I would much prefer shorter games than mm-hmm. the egregiously long messes that we get these days yep. i think the length of miles morales is perfect it does it's not overstay yeah. its yeah. welcome i i, I wish the original was just as short well and this is the new budget price point too this was this 50 was 50 bucks. well this was 50, uh, 50 for the shorter experience yeah yeah, yeah 50, but, uh, 50 is the new because this is the new like uncharted lost right. legacy was 40 uh, uh what was it um second line death of the outsider line. the um what's it dishonor death of the outsider mm-hmm, was like mm-hmm. a 30 or a 40 those it, it this is the that level of game it's kind of like what well, on piece in the old pc days this would have been like an expansion right sure, like yeah. not not just like the a dlc it's like a full expansion you know yeah, like yeah. do you guys think we might see dlc for this no uh, i don't for I my said no yeah it's like i that's my gut but it's like the it's so successful 
and so many people have it. I will I will be upset if we never get a follow up to Miles in game hmm. with the same crew. It wouldn't well, surprise sure me if they they you know they kind of leapfrog each other and. I mean, I said it about the last one, but my fucking dream would be to have co-op where yeah. someone can be yes. Peter there and another go. person I mean, can be Miles. I think and there's a both very good so... chance we'll get that in the very next game. I believe oh, the God, next game will be so called Spider Man. Uh, <laughs> I really 100%. hope it's not called Spider Man. That's entirely possible. That's, I think that's. <laughs> I there's already thought. yeah two yeah. two series of comics called Spider Man that involve both yeah. of them. It's, mm-hmm. it's Here, here's the reason we might get DLC, regardless of what their plans originally were, is if you are Sony and you have a brand new PS5 and not a lot of games coming for it, mm-hmm. you're looking for additional content. However, you can get it, and so it's like yeah. You know, DLC yeah, is a lot cheaper and easier to make than an entirely new game. So why not? you you would have announced that by now. When and true, people yeah. already call this DLC. I, I just don't imagine that consumers would take kindly to DLC for Miles. Hmm. And the Spider-Man One DLC hmm. was mixed. Like some of it was good, some was just like, eh, you know. The dudes with the it, machine guns were or like the mini guns were just. They made it not fun for a while. Yeah, the gameplay wasn't great, but the story was good. I mean, you know, they were stretching their legs. Yeah. And I I do appreciate that, like, even though it it didn't have the same stealth sequences, it did kind of take a moment to slow things down at at turns. This model combines the design of a submarine with the deep-sea integrity of an unmanned underwater vehicle. Oscorp's prototype would unlock new possibilities in humanity's ability to explore. You and I gotta get one of these. Bet we could build one out of a vacuum cleaner and some old tires if we put our minds to it. Yeah, I love that museum, that that whole science center yeah. thing, walking yeah, around there, looking there's, at these There's a, a moment where you come across a familiar face in there and like not... Yep. It's one of my favorite moments in the entire game where like I jumped yeah, out of my seat because I was like getting real bored with, the, <laughs> with this, this slow sequence. Like, what the fuck? Nah. Oh my god, I didn't think we were going to address that at all. And, and they sort of don't. It's, again, confidence. I feel this game. This game has confidence. Yeah. And I, I, I would imagine this is a series that somehow or another is going to stick around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Are we Are we spoiling too much if we talk about what the that environment is that that that's from? It's an Oscorp Space Museum. Ah, uh, yes. Oh. And there, you know, there have been some hints at Venom. So I, I think Ooh. that's all playing into that, you know, master plan that I think they kind of have. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you guys for joining us, but we need to move along to... Number five. The duck is dried in the sun, then roasted. And the skin comes out so crispy and delicious, you'll love it. You peel off the perfectly brown skin, wrap it in seasoned dough. Then your mouth is filled with the sweet and spicy fragrance of the sauce. Damn, that does sound good. Yes, which is why in ancient China, only the imperial court ate it. This is George Takei's betrayal speech in which game? <laughs> Yakuza, Yakuza Like, like a, dragon. a Dragon. Yeah, Yakuza Like a Dragon, a.k.a. Yakuza 7. Who is joining us for this segment? Hi, I'm Kat Bailey. And? Hi, I'm Micah Seth. And I guess Kat doesn't have to give herself a nickname. <laughs> I've always felt that pressure here. Uh, the standards are low on the Game of the Year show. You don't have okay, to. Okay, okay. It's a whole different ball game. I I'm not going to give myself ten different nicknames. Okay. <laughs> Micah, you We're... can be Ichiban. You can, your nickname can be Ichiban for this segment. You're number one, Micah. Okay. Sweet. 
I like it. All right, okay, let's talk about some Yakuza Like a Dragon, a story of failure, which I did not expect to love as much as I do. Like, this is taking the traditional Yakuza brawler formula and turning it into a turn-based RPG. I pretend I'm a hero when I fight, so what? When it's time to throw down, my brain just starts thinking in Dragon Quest terms. Ugh, again with the Dragon Quest? What's so great about it? Everything. It's an epic and dangerous journey, and that's exactly how I see real life. You do know you're a freaking Yakuza, right? Yeah. Ichiban Kasuga, a low-level Yakuza enforcer in, in uh, was it 1999? or two, No, th- 2000, 2001. 2001? Yes. Yes. Yeah. This game uh, subscribes to the idea that 2001 was the first year of the new millennium. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> Are we relitigating this shit again? Uh, who yeah. cares? Uh, but That's why spend- we're about to get in our Games of the Decade conversation. Woohoo! Uh, yes. The decade is finally <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> now that we're getting into 2021, Ichiban spends the first 18 years of the new millennium behind bars, roughly. Yeah, uh, he... For a crime the, he didn't commit, by no, the way. A crime he, he, he willfully willingly accepted. Takes the fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because he would do anything for his boss. And gets out and discovers that things aren't quite the way he remembers them. People are walking around with these strange cell phones that don't have any buttons. But pretty quickly, he winds up at hitting rock bottom. He gets shot. He wakes up in a homeless encampment in Yokohama with no idea how he got there. And he is totally dependent on the kindness of strangers in those those early moments. And uh, makes friends with a homeless former nurse named Nanba, who's in hiding from something or other. And they set out to try and make their fortunes in the, the, the gritty underbelly of Yokohama. Mm-hmm. And along the way, they'll, they'll have cart racing games, mm-hmm. collecting cans, yes. and all kinds of or stuff. My, my personal favorite, as a middle-aged guy, a mini game about not falling asleep during a movie. <laughs> it, that was so good. It's so good. So the rem rams that pop up and you have to fight them off. Yeah, and, and I, I, I love that, that, that juxtaposition. Like, Yakuza has always kind of walked this thin line between gritty realism and complete absurdity. And in this one, it feels like it went over a bit with the excuse that, like, well, you're seeing the world through Ichiban's slightly skewed worldview, where whenever he gets into a fight on the street, everybody turns into, like, an RPG enemy. He has a bat that he finds embedded in concrete that only he can wield. And uh, there's also this weird guy. Sojiman are monsters of men that make you super jittery. But super jittery men didn't have much of a ring to it. Hence, Sujiman. Sujiman challenges you to catalog all the different kinds of creeps you meet on the street. <laughs> and at the behest of some scarred old professor living in a, a weird office somewhere. So am I the only one who played this game in Japanese and therefore doesn't recognize any of these voices? You, you are uh, not. Okay. I'm like sitting here going... Oh my god, like, what is going on? Why are they... Oh, right, the English. Yes, yes. the sudden English voice track, which was not a thing in Yakuza for quite a long time. No. Yeah. I, 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 that's why game. I chose English, is I was so used to playing the series in Japanese, it was a novelty to me. I'm like, well, they went to the trouble of doing an English dub, yeah. and it is George Takei. Okay. It's a really good English dub. What yeah. can I say? And, yeah. and honestly, yeah. it, 
like I think the original was looked at as a really good English dub too, but then you listen to it now and it's just like fucking shit, Ugh! like you know, nonstop swearing, which was the style at the time in like 2005 when the original came out, and now going back and like this, this is done with kind of more of a tone that fits the game a bit better. It's you know whimsical, but at the same time it can be serious. And, and yeah, like oh, yeah. this is also the first Yakuza where you're kind of assembling a party. You're not just a lone hero out on the streets being a criminal who doesn't want to commit any crimes. I mean, that's the wild part. Yeah, is it? it is. It's not just inspired by Dragon Quest. This is a Dragon Quest game that just happens to take place like in modern day Japan. You know, it's like, yeah. what? Like the parties you build, like they have, they play. It has basically a job system mm-hmm. where it's just like, OK, like OG Dragon Quest, yeah. like cool. And I, Allow me to adjust my, my glasses and say it's more like a Persona game uh, in many ways. This is true. Except with 40-year-old Yakuza uh, uh-huh. or 40-year-old like adult disasters. Yes. And it's great. Yeah, they're, they're uh, all complete fuck-ups. Except, except for <laughs> like one character who joins you a few hours into the game. Is Psycho your nickname or something? I don't get it. No, I'm saying that you and I have never met before, Okay. Do you get it now, Gramps? Gramps? Come on, Nanoha. Okay, you obviously don't get it. Maybe Four Eyes over there can figure it out? Four Eyes? No, I can't say I get it at all. Well, the simple answer is they're twins, right? We have a winner. Uh, Yeah, Uh, just a trio of middle-aged fuck-ups and... This hot bartender who who joins up with them for some reason. Saigo. So, two two observations. Mm-hmm. One, um, if you played in Japanese, Adachi is played by the Japanese Solid Snake. Oh so, really? Yeah. So oh, wow. that's fun. Solid that's Snake. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so iconic voice there. Two, I really love the scene where the boys are all going to go drinking, and Psycho's like, "Do do do." Well, have fun, boys. I guess I'm going to be excluded now. I'm out of here. She's starting to walk away, and Ichiban's like, uh, you want to come drink with us? And I'm like, oh, Ichiban, oh my god, you're actually including her. That's so wonderful. Thank you. Well, he's and that just made me love such Ichiban a wonderful, so he's such a wonderful man. He really is. <laughs> yeah, protagonist of the year, for sure. Like, I think he's the best protagonist. Yeah. Well, it's a, well. What? Well, oh, hold on. Kazuma Kiryu is everyone's daddy, but we'll, we'll get. That's that's a debate for another day. Did Kazuma Kiryu come out this year? No. Hmm. Well, one thing I love about these games is they've always like, other than Yakuza Zero, where Kiryu is like twenty one, the entire series has been about like calling Kiryu an old man starting at the age of like twenty seven. And mm-hmm. so, like in this game, you actually like he is like, oh no, the guy's like in his forties. Like, and, and finally that like I was like, okay, I guess it makes a little sense. These twenty year old street punks are calling you like an old man. Whereas in the other Yakuza games, it's always just like. Come on, Kiryu's not that old, because I was usually older than him, <laughs> but um, this time I was like, oh, okay, he's basically, how, isn't Ichiban, he's like 42, right? He's yeah, like basically yeah, he my is. age. Yeah. yeah. But he's he's, but like, he's 40 going on 20. Yeah. But he's, because yeah. he's like in his early 20s when he goes to prison, so he, he, yes. he doesn't really have a whole lot of development while he's behind bars. So he comes out and he's still basically a 20-year-old in a, in a 40-year-old's body. But he goes through some stuff. Like, That's true. I actually really like the whole prison montage, actually, because you can really feel like his pain and the drudgery of being in prison and realizing it's like, oh, yeah, this is what I signed up for, 20 years of this. Mm-hmm. And then finally yeah. getting out, like, you're with them. You're with them all the way. You're rooting for Ichiban right from the start. Yeah. 
He's abandoned by his, his clan, the, the people that he went to prison for. And what's the first thing he does? He gets a really bad haircut. What? <laughs> what did you do to my hair? I, I tried. It's just when you asked for a punch perm, I had to look it up. The truth is, I've never done one before. Uh, how am I supposed to face the boss with a rat's nest on my head? Dachi <laughs> outside, pointing and laughing at him. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think I figured out that the hair is to turn him into a Dragon Quest hero, because they all have that, like, spiky-ass haircut. Mm. <laughs> I, I love that there's a good explanation for the hairstyle because in the lead up to the game you're wondering well why does this guy have such a wacky hairstyle mm-hmm. and then you start the game and he doesn't and, yeah um but i was then, a little disappointed but by it to be honest because it's such a straightforward explanation i was hoping like oh like is there this interesting backstory like it, maybe this character is biracial and then it's like oh no he just got a bad perm and i was yeah. like what's like Be- because oh, nobody it. knows how to do a punch perm anymore and that's that's one of the other yeah, things it's it kind shows of like a, the disconnect yeah it's it's the passing of an era because like since the yakuza series started there have been like all these really stringent anti-yakuza laws passed in japan and that's in between like when he goes to prison and comes back out and he's like the world has completely changed all these people that used to be like out loud and proud about their crime affiliations are now like have been driven underground it's much more secretive and, and nobody nobody respects us anymore dude and the don quixote is a police station for christ's sake yeah God, <laughs> well at least you don't spend much time in camarocho this time no not at all again like i do love that this game is it's it's primarily about failure. Like your starting characters are like this yakuza who got conned into going to prison, a homeless guy who doesn't want to be recognized, and this forcibly retired police officer who just like won't let go of this case that ruined him. And they're just all a bunch of middle aged fuck ups. And like, how do you go from that to some sort of heroism in the modern world? Well. I mean, your first, the first thing you do is go to Hello Work, which I found out, like, that's what the Japanese government actually calls its employment ministry. It's nice. called Hello Work. One thing that I really like about Yakuza Like a Dragon is that I can't really think of any video games or actually a lot of media in general that has this much empathy for the homeless yeah. and, like, the plight that they're going through. Like, Ichiban's like, I'm... Well, come on, guys. Let's go get a job and uh, pull ourselves up from our bootstraps. And everybody just kind of looks at him, and he he totally gets chewed out. And then eventually, when they do go to Hello Work, they're like, "Okay, do you have an address?" And he's like, "Um, no. Do you have any discernible skills? Oh, that, that's a problem." It's like he's willing to work and he's able-bodied and everything, mm-hmm. but yeah. he is running into like major barriers. And it's only through the kindness of strangers in the community that he's actually able to pick himself up a little bit yeah. like that's great and i i love this I, it actually treats the homeless like human beings yeah and this game is very progressive in mm. a lot of ways yes. uh mm. and it's awesome to see that out, out of this game and i know that's sort of like a hallmark of the yakuza series but it's really palpable throughout this game that not only does it treat 
homelessness as a serious topic and one that is worthy of respect, but it's very sex positive and sex mm. worker positive in a way that is just like very refreshing. Yeah. You know, Ichiban as a character is someone who grew up in a brothel mm-hmm. and has this inherent respect for people who have to uh, like, or not even ha- who, who work in these kind of environments. And, uh, the game handles that in a non-judgmental fashion that's just uh i very yeah. much and, appreciate it and yet it. it's still a little bit judgmental because i kind of suspected the character of psycho who's a bartender and the twin sister of a sex worker that you help named nanoha was brought in because they were originally going to make nanoha part of the party and then they're like well do we really want to have a sex worker as mm. one of the main characters um mm. but but then it it also has a lot to say about immigration you're beating up on these chinese gang members and then like one of them just says like well i don't actually speak chinese and like what aren't you chinese (laughs) it's like well my grandparents were but i've grown up here ever since and since we were illegal we've never had citizenship in any country uh Mm -hmm. and half the people in this gang don't even know how to read because they couldn't get into school because they're not citizens like wow okay that's the thing yeah it's the same with koreans too Yeah, yeah i'm sure it's like which underclass. yeah, which the Yakuza series has dealt with before. Like there's yeah. basically that little little Asia section of town, and mm-hmm. like those people, like in previous games, there's like one restaurant where they're basically yeah giving people work because they can't get so in the system in Japan and stuff. Like yeah, so the series has always kind of acknowledged that stuff, but it's cool, it's cool to see that continue on. I think the one of the coolest things for me though is just like I didn't know after six. I'm like, well, where do you? what do you do? What do you do with Yakuza? Like judgment is its own thing and is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well you're, you're calling this though Yakuza. This isn't like judgment. This isn't a side thing. This is not only is it Yakuza, it's called like a dragon, which is the name in Japan of the, of the series. Yeah. Right. This is like and Resident so, Evil seven biohazard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, this is clearly them saying, no, we're passing the mantle on, or at least I think they're doing this. Um, although the game's already on sale. So I don't, I don't think that means something good, but, um, but like, mm. I could totally see this being its own series. You know, maybe they will get back to the brawler style games, and that can be a separate thing. But I would love for them just to be like, yeah, this is the RPG wing of the Yakuza series. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they just keep introducing new one-off protagonists from now on, because I think they probably realize that one of the as as iconic as Kazuma Kiryu was. At a certain point, by like Yakuza four or five, people are like, okay, yeah, I'm a little burned out on this story, right? Well, you that's why they, they, say, they did multiple protagonists in four and five, right? It was it yeah. was four and then five protagonists, I think, in those games. It just got ridiculous after a while. It's like, wait, it's yeah. like, yeah, you really only need to play what Yakuza zero, maybe Yakuza one, and then you could probably finish up with six, and then you're good, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, so it makes t- a lot of sense to do good. more one offs. Like, they're it's not a coincidence that zero was their most successful. Because A, it was excellent, and B, because it was the most accessible entry point. Yes. And so probably Sega learned something from that. 100%. Yeah, I, I believe today they confirmed, though, that Ichiban is going to be the main character for the foreseeable hmm. future. Nice. Um, Yay. Yeah. yeah. I also... I, I mean, he's awesome, and... I, 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 it seems like I've got some Yakuza diehards uh, here today. I love Hello. Yakuza Like a Dragon and have tried to get into the series because I always felt like I would enjoy it. But uh, honestly, this is the first one that I've loved. Um, And I think it's in large part due to Ichiban. He just jives with me way more as a character than uh, Kiryu did. 
and uh, he's just so awesome. I'd I'd love to play many many more games yeah. featuring him. Like each I jived with it because I don't like the beat 'em up in the other games. Yeah, I like the RPG system here. Yeah, I mean me me too for sure. The RPG system is just uh, way more fun for me. Uh, but he as yeah. a character is also. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fighting system varies from game to game, but it does, it always gets tedious by the end of those games. You're like, okay, like to the point where they have items you can wear on your person to be like, please, no street thugs attack me. Just stay away from me because I'm tired of the combat, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I would just put on auto and just let it go through yeah. while I was I, doing other things, I just, honestly. I love mm. the combat in this. I seek it out. That's, like, if I see gangsters at the other end of the street, I will run after them. because Something about it, I just <laughs> love mashing the buttons. I love uh, pulling off the special attacks and seeing, like, Namba throw birdseed at some dudes to, like, summon <laughs> a flock of pigeons. I love the ridiculousness of it. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, there's something very satisfying about just, like, setting up, okay, I knocked this guy down, I'm going to follow up with uh, with Ichiban with his bat, and bam, knockout. Okay, cool. Can we it talk about the brilliance? It does Dragon Quest, I think. Mm. So. I don't agree with that, actually. <laughs> really? I do think it's really good. Yeah, I think uh, Dragon Quest just has been rock solid for a very long time, and mm-hmm. does a really good job with buffs and debuffs, and being able to build up your party to... Gain momentum with your party that maybe Yakuza doesn't have quite as much of. It's much more of a like, well, just keep beating him over the head until he's dead, right? There, mm-hmm. there's definitely mm-hmm. that buff and debuff kind of aspect going on with the party members, and there's a good job system and everything. Maybe it's just the fact that moving around the arena is a little awkward at times. That yeah. uh, I ding it a little bit. Well, it does it for you, right? Like you, you yeah. don't really control any of the movement, but you can wait for certain things to be like oh if i try to hit this guy i'll get intercepted by this other enemy so i can have to wait for this opening and yeah it's it's a little little weird there um did you guys mess around with any of the the dlc jobs like that you the the ones you could buy like the extra jobs i haven't digged into that yet i'm i'm going to because i bought i bought a few of those and one of them is basically like Ichiban becomes a member of kiss (laughs) and i'm like i gotta try this out he's like a rock star with face paint and shit (laughs) That's cool. Well, one thing I do want to say about this is that this is probably, like, maybe neck and neck with Cyberpunk, like, the most believable city to just walk around in as a tourist. Mm. They came out this year, and I love just going into first-person mode in Yakuza and taking in the sights of this meticulously rendered Yokohama, especially, like, on Xbox Series X. Like, the street looks so, you know, wet and cool, and all the buildings are extremely detailed, and I can walk into a convenience store and look close up at all the items on the shelves. Like, that's such a neat feeling. That's always been a little secret of the Yakuza series, is a lot of them have had that first-person mode, and that is the preferred way if you just want to walk. Like, there's so many things that you will not notice in third person if you just go into first person you'll be like there's a giant lobster over that restaurant that i just never noticed before but now in in first person like think that that world totally comes to life can we talk very very briefly about how amazing the the corporation game is yes yeah and how i was was gonna say the same thing yeah (laughs) first of all omelet the chicken one of the best characters of the year in my opinion but also just the 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 hiring minigame the unexpected depth of having to placate shareholders, how absolutely hilarious it is, the rewards that you get from it. Uh, it's a really good mini game, and it's so yeah. perfectly Yakuza and a, a great fit for the for the RPG elements in general. 
And I think just really highlights why Yakuza Like a Dragon is a really special game, I think. And a special yeah. series. Yeah. And and usually those mini games they will carry them over for at least one or two more games if they're if they're big mm-hmm. enough and detailed mm-hmm. enough. So you'll probably see that thing return in a future Yakuza game. So I there was another a uh, notable RPG that released recently that some of you may be playing in which I chose a life path where I was a quote-unquote corpo. Mm-hmm. And in that corpo life path, I did no uh, business work whatsoever. I didn't do anything uh, that someone living the life of a corporate employee would do. And meanwhile, over in Yakuza, I'm like running this giant empire, uh, <laughs> like climbing the ranks of the top corporations in the country and battling shareholders. And I mean, uh, like what we that system along, right? was so thrilling and so fun. You could just spend your time like, you know, five to ten hours just doing that. Well, in the middle of the game, you know, just, uh, okay, I'll get lost in this uh, side game. All right, well, let's move it along to... Number four. Well, I just got off the radio with Isaac, and we got a new mandate. Kill all trespassers. Well, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. That doesn't make any sense. Direct order, man. No, let's talk to her. Let's figure out what she knows. I don't give a fuck what she knows. You saw what she did to the others? You have no idea how many people she might be with. This might be an ambush, I don't care Mike. how many people she's with. We will find them. We will kill them. Can you just think for yourself for a quick Jordan, second right now? Get out of my way. People yelling at each other, followed by explosive, horrible violence. What game is this? Too Last, Too Furious. The Game Awards Game of the Year, baby. Yeah, not not our Game of the Year, apparently. But uh, still, I think this is the game that maybe stuck with me most this year. The one that was the most thought-provoking that I kept turning over and over in my mind like months after I'd finished it. But who's joining us for this part? I'm uh, Steve Gunley from Alter 64. Hi. And... Hey, back at it, or for the first time, I don't know what order you're putting things in, <laughs> Tony Wilson either. of Framework. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to talk about The Last of Us Part 2. And again, I'm curious to know, like, what was your takeaway? What are your thoughts? Can we can we start just with a blanket spoilers thing? Because I don't. Yes. there's no way to talk about yeah. this we, without that. We are going <laughs> to... We're not going to, like, spoil the ending or anything. I don't, I don't want to get, like, too deep into specifics, but we will spoil at least some basic things about the game that uh, <laughs> might be a surprise mid- midway yeah. through. In fact, if you don't want to hear any spoilers at all and just go into this game totally cold, knowing absolutely nothing about any of the plot twists or gameplay twists, uh, why don't you skip ahead to about two hours and 39 minutes? So uh, yeah, we're, we're actually about to we're about to kill Chris off for the rest of this recording. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like I would say the majority of the majority of the game. It's worth playing as a spoiler because it was not promised and I found myself irritated it was happening the whole time and then I reflected on it like those are all the best moments and the best levels and the best gameplay. Everything else is like Last of Us 1 that yeah. doesn't involve Abby. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I was gonna say the the to just to to put it out there, yeah, the the switch to Abby midway through to play half the game as Ellie and then yeah. the second half as Abby. I thought like what a what an absolute ballsy move for a game yeah. to just totally change halfway through and not only that but to have uh, a character like so villainized from from the start, right, yes. as the murderer of this other beloved character, and then by the end, at least in my view, to make her so incredibly sympathetic, to yeah. basically switch the villain and hero roles by the end, like, just man, yeah. what what an impossible task. The person in the box ends up being the villain, and I mm-hmm. found myself, mm-hmm. I guess, invested enough in her problems that I was so mad having to play with Abby. Like, will 
will this side will this glorified DLC please end and it just it kept not ending for yeah. so long <laughs> well that that was the thing that is like midway through the game again spoilers there is a big cliffhanger and then before the cliffhanger can resolve, it rewinds and suddenly you start playing through the same timeline as Abby. And you're just waiting like, okay, this will be like a couple levels or something, right? No, it is an entire second campaign that you yeah. have to play up to the point of the cliffhanger before you see how it resolves. Yeah, it's about 10 hours each for, yeah. for each character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's quite a bit. Yeah, of yeah and I, it, it, it ends on the line that sticks with me the most. <laughs> we let you live and you wasted it. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, one of the lines that stuck with me most from the game was just this simple observation early on. I can't believe they just attacked like that. These people are not like us. Oh, but they are. That's the oh. thing. <laughs> You're all assholes. I know there there is there is like a fucking high school freshman thesis on the nature of video games in here. Mm-hmm. But at least at least it's uh I I I always get the impression like Naughty Dog is this teenager, and Sony's like, we need you to make a Last of Us 2. No! That's not mm-hmm. cool! Make a Last of Us 2, please. No! <laughs> Dude, we own you. Make a Last of Us 2. Fine! But you're going to make you have to play against the villain the whole time. <laughs> like, it's. I find the game much more interesting on paper than to actually play through. Mm-hmm. When I reflect on it, I'm like, wow. But the whole time I was playing it, like, this is a terrible way to experience the other side of a person's perspective. You know, yeah. what's interesting is you mentioned, like, the no desire for them to make another one. Um, and I... What's interesting is I felt like I had no desire to play another one. Me too. Now that I've played two, I kind of want three because I'd like yeah. to see the rest of Lev's story. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't want two. Now I actually want a three. <laughs> yeah, I should say all, all the characters in uh, uh, last in Abby's story are more interesting than Ellie's. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I said it during our spoiler cast, but the way I would describe it, like the biggest trick they pulled in this game, in addition to just, you know, pulling a Kojima is making you learn to like the character Abby Mm -hmm. over the course of that second campaign because you start off hating her because of something she did that was pretty fucked up you know but then like slowly over the course of her playthrough it's just like i actually think i ended up liking abby more than ellie by by the end of things just like at least i understood her motives a little bit more like i yeah it's not like the other person that uh that you know that that kind of triggered all this is Mm -hmm. innocent of anything like this person absolutely deserved what was coming to them which you kind of know when you end the first game you kind of yeah. know that like this is a this is a no turning back kind of moment you know so it it definitely defined him yeah. yeah yeah like you said the magic trick is pretty impressive because you go into that second campaign feeling pretty much the same way that uh Abby's friend here does he may fall for a little act with these kids but i don't there's nothing to fall for isaac's top scar killer suddenly had a change of heart Nothing to do with Owen. Right. I haven't always done the right thing. You're a piece of shit, Abby. Yeah, you're a piece of shit, Abby. <laughs> now I have to walk a mile in your shoes. Several miles, in <laughs> fact. Oh, my God. And, and given the chance to not do what you did, I cannot still. Uh, I had, had really weird feelings about Ellie after all this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah because at the, the end of the day, like Abby has a redemptive arc, and Ellie yeah. does not. Mm-hmm. Ellie goes further and, south. Yeah. What's What's and the I opposite the, of the, a redemptive arc? I, yeah. I think that's what they were trying to show you. Because if not for the ten hours of gameplay, you as a player would have just 
blindly followed Ellie's path no matter what they told you to do mm-hmm. and who they told you to murder. Yeah. It kind of, in some ways, I think it continues the, just really the thesis of the first game, right? Like, Joel, at the end of the first game, does something that, like, you're probably not going to 100% agree with, right? Like, it's a very gray moral area kind of decision in this entire game. is is It's just more of that. It just more deeply explores neither of these. And it's not even gray, I guess. It's just all black, right? Like, this is all bad. This is just yeah. all bad on all sides, yeah. and we're going to show that. It's but it's not even a good or bad thing. It's 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 all just a survival thing, right? It's all just yeah. like it's all great. I get why Abby does what she does in this game because something happened. Uh I get why Ellie's doing what she does. There is a yeah. point though, and I think where Ellie lost me and it sounds yeah. like where she maybe lost some of you guys is like she has the happy ending and then she makes another choice and The thing like, is oh. it's it's not yeah. a happy ending exactly, not for her. She can she still can't live with the way that events unfold and and I think no. that's kind of the last stretch of the game again without spoiling any particulars is very wearying but I think that's by design you are kind of supposed to be a bit fed up with what this character is trying to do and and then by the time that final confrontation unfolds you're like no I don't want to do this just walk <laughs> the fuck this, yeah. away <laughs> Yeah, but you the... have to because you have to understand that revenge is not a fun or cool thing. <laughs> yeah. There are moments where you're just asked to kind of mash the square button to kind of mm-hmm. break up a fight, and you don't. It's it's kind of situated in between the two characters, so you don't really know who you're fighting for at the in oh, those wow. moments. Like you're That's either resisting or you're like being mm-hmm. attacked. So uh, really fascinating way that they did that. I, I, I took a yeah. couple of moments in certain situations, like I am not going to move the scenario forward, and instead press nothing. And hope that the game undertails me and like you mm-hmm. did the right thing with the pacifist option, and it never did. Well, I, you I, can do nothing in that Avengers game, and it'll still progress forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like you're only, voted for it. Your only real pacifist option is to go with pure stealth, which is a lot harder and a lot less fun, in my opinion, than just letting loose and killing everybody. But it it does seem to be like like I said in our spoiler cast, it's it's like the canon thing because. Ellie, whenever she, like, exits an area, always, like, turns and hurriedly locks the door behind her as though there's anything behind her but silence and corpses, which is what happened whenever I rolled through. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, and, and, and that's the thing that, like, I, I think it's also worth mentioning. We've made it sound like this game is, you know, some very bleak, long, dark night of the soul, when, in fact, there is that disconnect between the plot that sticks with you and then the actual gameplay is fun as shit. Like it is, yeah. it is super fun to sneak around and shoot at people and set up traps and negotiate the uncharted style platforming challenges that the game has set up for you. Like it's, it's a really fun experience and it's even more fun on a new game plus when you really know what you're doing and you have mm. all the weaponry and like these encounters that were really difficult before you're like, yeah, I'm just going to put some trip mines here, here and here where I know you're going to pop up and you're all dead before you even saw me. Everything you do on the island, I think, is just a great set piece as well. Like yes. this, that's just yeah. the environment yeah. they designed. Like I just want to explore more and more of that. The first, um, you know, you just talk about how fun the gameplay is. The first sort of, it's really the only one that is this wide open. But that first big open area in downtown Seattle, where it's just like there's one easy path forward, but you're free to explore all this downtown area otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, honestly, I wish there were more of that in the game, right? Yeah. Like I the think re- most it, people kind, did. Yeah. it gets a lot that's... more linear after that point. But like, yeah, that first hub area where it's just like have fun. You know, complete the goal eventually, but explore this whole area to, you know, your heart's content. Uh, yeah, just immensely satisfying to do. 
that's an interesting thing that Naughty Dog's been doing lately because they they put like kind of a random open world segment in the middle of the Uncharted spinoff recently too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of like in the mm-hmm. middle of the game, which is like. It's a fun thing to do, but it also slows the momentum down a little bit. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it does, I don't know, yeah. just especially early in the game like that. And it was, it was strange for me. I've, I've, so it's funny. I've lived and spent significant time in every location of this game. Like, so I've lived in Seattle mm-hmm. for, for about a year. I, mm-hmm. um, I grew up basically. My second home was in Santa Barbara because that's where my grandparents lived. And so there's this big, I'll never look at Santa Barbara the same after the end of this game. Uh, and then even you had a bit of like, a cult stint. So you live with the scars on their island. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then even, even Catalina, uh, you know, just that one, that one, uh, screen in the game is like, I went to summer camp on Catalina growing up like I I was like holy smokes like I will never view those locations the same and that you know Michael you're talking about how the game like stuck with you oddly enough like while I was playing and then maybe a few days all I could think of was this game but after that I just kind of it didn't stick with me as much as maybe the first one did but it's okay but there are certain things that when I see them now it will always be stamped in my mind of like oh yeah like that's that beach in Santa Barbara oh Mm. there's there's Catalina there's the big you know whatever that is opera house or whatever yeah yeah I'll say as a as a as a human being I found this game very bleak and very tiring as a Seattle area resident, I found it a wonderful fantasy where houses are very affordable and every home comes equipped with a PS3 and a copy of Uncharted oh, 2. Yes, it's yes. great. That's the weirdest part. The the, pre, the PS3s and every other building, I'm like, oh boy. Did, so did Sony not know how much how many units of PS3 they sold? Like? Well, I mean, it sticks with the fiction that the world ended in 2012. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I really liked finding all those little, uh, those little superhero comic book cards as well, though. Yeah. Uh, as you Oh, yeah. Explaining, like I'd almost, you know, obviously some of them are, are nods, you know, to staff members and whatever on the team. I imagine probably plenty. I imagine a lot of them are. Obviously, Neil Druckmann's was very obvious, but as I started collecting those, I was just like, are they trying to like backdoor pilot whatever they're working <laughs> on next? Some like superhero morality game because I'm into it. I hope so because one of those was a psychic blue whale, and I really want to you know, play at level of psychic <laughs> yeah, blue <yeah>. whale. <laughs> there was one contrast between the two main characters that, for whatever reason, I didn't really think about until I was prepping sounds for this but one extremely striking part again a little bit of a spoiler uh abby is very afraid of heights and there is Mm -hmm. this bit where she has to make her way across a collapsed crane uh hundreds of feet in the air holy shit lev it's gonna be okay eyes on me shit That moment is also so well done the way that, like, you know, you're seeing from Abby's perspective, everything's slightly distorted. You can almost feel the wind and hear it, like, whistling through the body of the it crane. It could have been even a fallen crane. I don't... Yeah. Those, sorry, that is my, like, standout portion of the game. Like, that yeah. was... I have a really hard time with Vertigo, and I didn't think games could still get there in weird ways, and this is really cool. And it all seemed to unfold seamlessly. Like, how did I get up this fucking high? I don't remember doing this. <laughs> but, but also, compare it to Ellie's attitude toward heights. Yeah. Look at me! I'm on a motherfucking dinosaur! <laughs> whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Don't jump! Just climb down. <laughs> hey, hey! Oh, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, wasn't it awesome? It's awesome that you didn't break anything. Oh. 
That was awesome. Yeah, Ellie is totally fearless about heights. Now, obviously, there's a big difference in those heights, but yeah. She... But Michael, that's that also illustrates what you were talking about before. Like, this game is not just purely homework. Like, it can mm-hmm. be really bleak and really, like, sad, but it is entertaining. Yes. And it does have these moments of, like, real joy and beauty and happiness. And I love, love, love that this game is very openly, unapologetically queer, like, in all mm-hmm. senses. Uh, mm. It's just... It's just kind of in the text of everything that happens in the entire game, and I think it's brilliant that they took that chance and that they really went for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you should, if you have, if you're a member of the Later Time Patron uh, Patreon, you should check out that episode we did all about this game with Carolyn Pettit. I just remember her reaction like I didn't really notice that was happening. She's mm. like, "What? Like, yeah, I'm that guy who looks at his phone every time a cutscene happens, and <laughs> I." I thought I thought they were calling uh, him Lily as like some, eh, you you pansy. Uh, like uh, I just didn't think that much about it, and then finally when I get to the end of the game, I'm like what the fuck is this? Hold on, and then I stopped thinking about it. <laughs> and then when I, I am the idiot who played through this game without noticing any of that. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought they were gonna, but like the the end of the first game where I was also looking at my phone. If you're not paying attention, like Joel just lied about everything and like, wait, what just happened? And I just, I, I know what happened. That's not it. And I just, but I wasn't looking and little tiny moments in this game where you will get very big cues. And if you're not looking at them, like I rarely am, you'll miss them. And I don't know. I'm more shaming myself here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm letting you know the guy talking is very unprofessional about his work. <laughs> <laughs> the the acting in this game is some of the best I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just straight across the board. Ashley Johnson is Ellie, and uh, uh, is it Laura Bailey playing? Yes. Yeah. Abby? Yeah. Laura who Bailey, won I mean, the uh, the Game Award yeah. for for her performance? Who got a shit well, ton of good. got a shit ton of death threats because of the things her <sighs> yeah. character did, which is yeah. wow, fuck you, Jesus. This oh, really God. is the worst medium for competent fans. Like I just <laughs> revealed how stupid I was. And- <laughs> I didn't threaten anybody. I didn't threaten to kill anybody because I didn't understand because I wasn't trying to. What the fuck? What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? I, I sorry. I we always skirt past those stories mm-hmm. on Video Game Apocalypse because I just don't want to talk about what's left of Gamergate. But it seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not to mention the entire first game was also. I mean, it was it was a little. It was much subtler in the first game. But the first game. Also has a lot of queer sub stuff going on. Has a lot of it. Oh yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, and, yeah, and think, is I... and is also extremely political in other ways too. Like it's not like the second one suddenly introduced. It wasn't Mario Brothers before, and then all of a sudden Mario's <laughs> battling fascism. Right? Like it's not. <laughs> that's not how this went. <laughs> I'm gonna no, stop no. you, Mussolini. <laughs> I think it is fair though to bring up the discourse because that was that was actually kind of a big part of this game's release. Right? Like if you were mm-hmm. playing this game around launch, you couldn't uh, unless you had the by the way, hot hot strat from old Matty Al. Uh, just mute things on Twitter if you don't want spoilers, but also if you don't give a damn about the discourse about certain games, just mute them. Just mute those words on Twitter. You'll never have to hear it. But uh, this is a big one where, like, yeah, like, literally you could not escape people fucking just espousing their opinions really uninformed people too having very very uninformed opinions all about this this thing that they had not even played yet and like michael said issuing death threats to people because of of leaks that, that may or may not have been true it's it was so dumb it was ugh. and it kind of hand in hand with that you know speaking from you know when i was part of the press when the game released it's not unique to this game but certainly like embargoes have played a big uh, part of this year and just general gaming discourse too. Like specifically with that game, like that first embargo, people were asked, 
write your review, but don't mention like a playable Abbey yeah. at all. Yeah. Don't right. mention the key. Like that's like, please review Mario 64 and don't tell anyone that you can jump. Like <laughs> what, what an honestly, a frankly absurd request that is. It's an absurd. I don't know. I'm I'm more big on like not spoiling things. So I, I don't want to give the company a pass at all because like you know what's there's certain things you can and can't tell a reviewer after the game yeah. is in their hands. Yeah. And but I mean also like hey, a competent reviewer, a competent editor, and I worked alongside many of them can do that. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. an impossible task. But yeah, you can it's, make it work. In, and there's yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, there is a lot of value to having that portion of the game like be a surprise to you, like. Because that tr- that proves to kind of be the whole thesis of the game, right? You know, it's it's seeing yeah. the, this the consequences of all of these and these ripple effects of violence going out. You know, and if you're going into it just thinking it's Ellie's story, it's a much simpler game, and you're you're less prepared for the yeah. the mm-hmm. kind of shock to your system that it gives. Right, you. and I remember I had, like finally having to text Michael, like, all right, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I thought I was going to play like an hour of Abby, and like I've been doing this for what feels like eight hours. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you're. You're halfway done. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, to, to like tie it back into some of the discourse stuff happening too, like all of that, all these plot points that people were discussing, whether in earnest or just, you know, from an angry point of view, um, all that happened because of leaks, right? Like all that happened well ahead of the actual release when people could actually talk about it. And, and you know, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious how much the discourse would have differed had those things not leaked, right? Like, if, cause obviously the game is still the game, right? Like, and we'll never know, but like, I'm generally curious what the world would have thought if that stuff had been a surprise well, right. by release. And if I wasn't being clear, what I was just saying before, like, I didn't know the game was telling me to, like, really pay attention. I would have paid more attention to Abby's story had I known it was actually, like, legitimately 50% of the game. Yeah. I thought I was seeing some getting additional information into what Ellie didn't know. Not I'm seeing an entire campaign from someone else's perspective. Had I yeah. known that, mm-hmm. had a reviewer told me that, I might have like stopped fretting. I think I played in one big large chunk because I was like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm done with this game. This clearly is a a, a 50 minute epilogue, like a 30 minute epilogue. I'll get through this and I'll finish the <laughs> game. And it, it made me mad at the game. And it wasn't until talking about it, reflecting on it, like, fuck, I should have enjoyed those sections more and paid more yeah. attention. Well, because that's the thing that like while you're fretting, you're also going through some of the best gameplay-wise yeah. parts of the game with the, like you said, the island, the hospital with the Rat King, like all mm-hmm. that stuff like mm-hmm. is, is just mm-hmm. very, very striking and memorable and a lot of fun. Oh, in terms of set pieces, just their encampment. Like where you, when you start playing mm-hmm. as Abby and you get to see like, oh, this is what the survivors, like the life they've – like they're this paramilitary group or whatever. That, that shit is some of the coolest yeah. – I normally – I'm not big on games where you're just walking for 20 minutes and not really actually playing. But like I was like soaking about everything that I was seeing in there because I'm like, this is really yeah. cool. This you know? is they how they live daycare. their life, like you said. Yeah. 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 And you know, this is not a plot spoiler, so I'll just say it. I think one of my fun – one of my favorite things was – when you're traveling, and I don't recall the character's name that Abby travels with, the the, the um, Hispanic man that she travels with right out of the Manny. camp first. But yeah, when you're yeah. traveling with Manny and you you start going into some apartments, she opens it up and she she finds like this basically this little love nest and starts she like finds this whole like romantic note. It's like oh I just we had such a great time. I want to be by your side. And then you find out that this is where Manny's been taking girls like off campus basically. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> like, that was yeah. such a funny yeah. moment. <laughs> but but also that, that opening part, it was so striking because like as Ellie, you don't really have a complete sense of the, the enemy that you're fighting. And you just imagine that it's like mm. this ragtag militia group. And then you find out like, this is a whole organized military yeah. that you're, you're yeah. just slipping through yeah. like the, the outskirts of their perimeter defenses. 
not only an army, but an army that's gone far enough along that they want to use, uh, what does our government call it? Advanced interrogation tactics. Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, the scene where they're, uh, where Abby's walking through the, the morgue and you have mm-hmm. to see all mm-hmm. the bodies that Ellie has mm-hmm. made that you have made uh, earlier yes. in this game and <laughs> just have to kind of stare down the barrel of your consequences. I mean, this game is not subtle. I'm not going to say it's subtle, but it's also not like, you know, Rick Grimes on a full splash page yelling, we are the walking dead. You know, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's working yeah. on multiple levels here and like it really making you think yeah. and really playing with the video game medium to kind of get this mm-hmm. scenario across. It's, it's, not, funny. It's, it's not trying to be subtle. It is very much trying, like people talk about like, oh, it feels heavy handed. It feels like they're hammering it. You know, they are very much hammering it in. Yeah. It's this, it's Maybe a three, it's three specific days in these people's lives. It's yeah. absolutely being hammered in. It's being hammered in a way that we don't often get to see in games right like unless it's like a groundhog day type looping scenario like i cannot think of another game that is very deliberately set in this key three-day period majora's mass maybe that doesn't count for this conversation (laughs) (laughs) right but like you know i know chris and i we've talked about like the whole one day movie you know phenomenon right and this is that this is a game entirely encapsulated in three days as far as the core action obviously there are flashbacks but yeah it is heavy-handed and it does hammer it in because that's the point (laughs) we're drilling really down into the nitty-gritty of Mm. everything that happened in these three days Mm -hmm. yeah 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 it made me reflect on the first game and what i thought i didn't like about it initially i thought it was going to be this badass run and gun you're the powerful guy with bricks that is picking up bricks and throwing (laughs) people's heads (laughs) fuck yeah uh, pick it up, brick it, it up, pick it up. Yeah, yeah and, and, and like, well, no, this is a, a very slow, <laughs> deliberate, like, agonizing shooter yeah. <laughs> that makes you feel really... You shoot a person and watch them cry out for their wife, specifically. Mm. Um, <laughs> so once I... I, yeah, I, I my, my background was I just finished Last of Us Remastered, like, two months before this came out. Mm. So my only, my, my only negative criticism of it is, like, the, the Ellie portions look exactly like the remastered PS3 game for PS4. Hmm, it was wow. not that different. I, I was telling these guys, like, what does this end? I'm so bored. Uh, and then and then I got to Abby, and I was like, okay. Like, all right. Uh, outside of wanting the game to end, like, this is really great, actually. Yeah, yeah Steve, <laughs> Steve, you made a great different. point. You made a great point, it, though, Steve. A- like, if, if the Abby segments didn't exist, this game would be a slog. And we yeah. imagine how tired we were of playing Ellie of her, her revenge arc. Like... That would have happened so much sooner in this game. Like, I, I almost wonder, it's like, if they, they realized, no, we need this. We need this break from Ellie's revenge, whatever, you know, mission journey, because it's it's too hard to watch. It's hard to watch someone yeah. go down that hill. Yeah. It's yeah, so ugly. And- kind of irredeemable by about 10 hours yep. in, you know? Yep. You don't want to keep go. going on that on that thread. You don't want to keep going time. because you've spent the time with Abby, and now you understand her side of it. Like, mm. that's yeah. why it's needed. Yeah. It was, it was all it's all wonderfully agonizing, and only after I played it, like shit, I think I liked that more than I thought I did. did I vote? I should have voted for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wound up playing it twice. I mean, it's yeah. bleak and horrible, and made me cry wow. a lot. But I, I played it twice. Uh, I did as well, but the yeah. second time was for the collectibles, so we probably didn't have the same second experience. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. But even so, you it's, it is one of those games where when you pick up, if you do go through it a second time, regardless of your reason for it, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you are going to pick up on, you know, those little things that you wouldn't have known beforehand, right? Like, knowing knowing what is coming, now the foreshadowing is so much clearer. Like, you, you, mm-hmm. the, you know, and I, I'm struggling to think of anything specific, but there are so many very specific moments where, you know, things are very clearly foreshadowed. Especially and if you know all, what is coming. Like playing with done. a dog in a yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh god. my god. God, uh, god the first what? replaying it and yeah. noticing like when 
when that happens with Alice and she just yeah. has a line where she just says stupid dog. Yeah, it hits so differently the second oh. time through. She's the best girl. Oh. Yeah. I, I think I think I, I thought la- the Last of Us the, the begin the early, the first game was all about a, a, I, I was rolling my eyes at it because I thought it was a zombie game and then you play this and like you kill like almost no undead in this game it is all people. <laughs> the, if anything, I, like, I think I might have used undead to kill people more than I killed actual undead, like luring uh, yeah. them around with. Noise yeah, it bombs. was it was almost and a little bit of like end game spoilers, but it is kind of nice that they introduce like. A completely morally unambiguous group for you to kind of deal with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like, ah, oh, relief. I can mow down these assholes with no compunction. <laughs> it's like everyone can agree. These guys suck and you can uh, shoot them. Let's yeah, just do yeah. that. You know, I they, did love, we were talking about just how like the fun of the game too, right? Like where you're like, you know, at that moment where you can shoot the zombies off a change and have them just go right after them. Or some of my favorite moments were you have a couple of those moments where you're like down in the tunnels and it's all, you know, backlit with like these red, you know, these these dark red lights and there's yeah. so many perfect moments there to just hmm. turn the horde against the yep. humans that are yep. that are seeking you and those are some of the most satisfying moments. Like you just sick them, you sick the zombies on the humans and then you just walk right through while everybody's tearing yep. each other up. Like the yeah. rest of the game you're like noisemakers, what am I going to do with these? Oh, okay. <laughs> Throw yeah. them at the humans. <laughs> All right. You well, just I'm made like, me fear. You, you made me afraid that we're going to get like a DLC of a redemption arc of that mulleted dude from that third group. I'm like, no, I really don't really care <laughs> no, for no, that no, guy. No, no, no. Uh, unlike Last of Us, we don't have uh, 30 hours to make our point. So we need to move on to... Number three. You're not real. You're dead. I am. I killed you with my own... Oh, you need not remind me. It was the crowning moment of our time together. But that was then, and this is now. Oh, I love that monkey song. What game is this? Well, Fine you're forgetting what happened after that. Then he fucking stabbed Mario with yes. a fucking katana. That happened immediately afterward. Mario <laughs> was, right. for some reason in the world, this is, of course, Super Smash Brothers, whatever the <laughs> most recent one's called. It is Set not. It is not. I lie. This is Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> oh, man. You summoned all the Smash fans and just <laughs> disappointed them, just shattered their dreams. Like, oh, I, know, I love they that got scene. excited for like a second. But before we start, who's joining us for this segment? George Albor. T.L. Foster. But yeah, that, that scene is kind of the, the first indication that like this is not the game that you remember. The Final yes. Fantasy VII Remake is like it's getting a little bit spoilery, but it is a trick. It, yep. it, it It is a remake in a different sense than you were expecting because it is remaking the fiction and the world. And this is as much a remake as it is a sequel to the original Final Fantasy VII. And it, yeah, it was like, I, I was talking to you, man. It's like, what would we even call this? A requel? It, well, mm-hmm. It's still weird because we we... It's not really confirmed, but we feel pretty confident. It's just like, you never know, you know, with, with Final Fantasy games. It's like, what what story are they ultimately going to tell? But yeah, it, it's like the what you heard there, like Michael said, that was the first time we were like, well, wait, why are they referencing stuff that happened in a different, wait, in the other game? Wait, 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 wait are they retelling yeah, the story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild, dude. I, I don't even know what you could, you could call There is thing. no world where you could have told me before this game came out that I would play Final Fantasy VII Remake and literally anything could happen. Like, anything can happen in the next games for this series because it is just so off the walls with where they take it. Yeah, which which is good because, I mean, as much as I love, like, okay, 
We're going to take the entire, like, what, first act of the of the original game and then just make an entire game out of it. Like, as much yeah. as I would have just liked that, like, okay, yeah, it's going to be that game plus a ton of filler, it wouldn't be anywhere near as interesting as what they're actually doing with this thing now, where it's like, it's kind of just a mindfuck. You're like, okay, well, wait. Because at the same time, like, I hadn't replayed the original seven that recently so i was mm-hmm. trying to remember like was that a reference mm-hmm. to something or not and then i love that when games send me down rabbit holes like online it's like okay cool like this this game is making me think outside the game and making me obsess about what it is i just saw like fucking i'm i'm here for that so you know? i actually replayed final fantasy 7 last year before playing this game so it was very fresh in my mind and that game does not age well like i no, i'm sure no. i will piss people off no. but that game isn't good i think a lot of <laughs> what <laughs> i well okay let me let me finish play it and was like what is with all these references to texas well here's what i'll say yeah. uh, the <laughs> the player brings a lot of what makes though that game memorable like we mm. do a lot of work as players of that game enriching those characters enriching the background enriching the story and they they are courageous in the remake by giving us far more of these characters we get more of wedge we get more of the background characters uh, than we did in the original games, and I think it it is a does a great service. It's also a testament to how good voice acting can transform an experience. You know, there yeah. are, the way that I was reading dialogue when I was replaying the original Final Fantasy VII. You know, Cloud was coming off like a total asshole, yes. and then you play this game, and right. he's still an asshole sometimes, but he's also being facetious. He genuinely cares about this crew right yeah and rather than me bringing to first yes it's it's in there in the game and i just i think it's so strong for it yeah i think part of it like you could read it as he is trying to be a cold-blooded mercenary because he thinks that's what he's supposed to be and it's not working he still gets close to these people he still feels something for them Mm -hmm. yep well i think that what's really cool about this game and i think the reason why it doesn't really feel like a, a remake as opposed to something like different I equate it to like almost like a Crisis Core two, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and it's the it's the a team around it. So this team, this game was directed by Tetsuya Nomura. But the more important thing, and this is where the Crisis Core comes in, is a scenario writer, Kazuhiro Nojima, is the scenario writer who was also a scenario writer of Crisis Core. And there's a lot of themes and like and, and there's a lot of themes and way of retelling the story of Final Fantasy seven that were almost like applicable and one-to-one to what mm-hmm. we saw in crisis core i think building up on the legacy of soldier and building up on the mm. the lore of like the lore of zach you know of zach fair and cloud strife and making them more important characters making sephiroth as a more like in the original game sephiroth is like oh he's like a big name but it's almost like they're just telling you that he's yep. a big deal and this game is like showing you he's a big deal mm. um I think what's what really hit me about this game too was as a fan because I am a fan of Final Fantasy VII, but I'm a fan of the Final Fantasy VII the the whole the whole franchise that includes yes, yep. you know Advent Children and Dervis Cerberus and Crisis Core and like all these games that have built on this lore and then you had somebody like Noajima who was like okay well I'm going to take these aspects and I'm going to imbibe them into the story that people we're looking for and then it changes the story and it and i know matt knows because i've talked to him about this like just offline this is very reminiscent to what they do with kingdom hearts this is a kingdom mm. hearts 
move for oh, Final man. Fantasy VII. Oh, but I think it works more because it's a real, like, real world that actually has stakes as opposed to a fake world of Disney characters that have no stakes that you can move forward to. Like, there's actually a story that they're able to enrich and make better. And I will yeah. say that I do think that I do agree, like, some of the story aspects of Original Seven aren't great or aren't expanded upon. And I think this does a, such a great job of being able to make, like, to make the War of Wutai actually mean something and, like, yeah. have, like, have, like, actual back backdrop waiting for mm. that. I, yeah. So, so what, I'm, what I'm hearing is this is, uh, to Final Fantasy VII, what the Peter Jackson Hobbit was to the Rankin and Bass <laughs> Hobbit. Oh, God, no. no. <laughs> well, it no, expands because so much and draws on all this lore that wasn't there before. No, because this was good. See, I'm that's kidding. The what I'm so impressed by, too, is, like, this one has to walk the line, right? Because there are so many people with such high expectations. Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. It is remarkably courageous to say we're going to take Final Fantasy and change it in pretty significant and drastic ways than what players will expect to walk that line where it still feels uh, true to the original and more than an homage, but still shift it. I mean, I've never played a kingdom hearts game, but you comparing it to that is probably the closest I'll ever come to wanting to play kingdom hearts. Game. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, it even draws that direct parallel. We, we commented in our spoiler cast, uh, patreon.com slash laser time that we did dedicated to this game, how shocked we were that so much crisis core was in this game. Like they yeah. referenced it so much. And that was to TL's point, it, even more like kingdom hearts, like crisis core was a PSP game. It was the, it was right. a side game. And that's the kind of stuff that kingdom hearts will do is like throw major plot points in mobile games and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah, you're expected yeah. to know all of this, which I never played crisis core, but I do know about Zach just through kind of collecting final fantasy lore over time. Yeah, cultural osmosis. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it, it, but it, it is crazy. Like, uh, I won't spoil it too much, but there's a pretty big Zach moment or reference in this game, if mm -hmm. I'm remembering there, correctly. There is, yes. Yes, it's, it is huge. That. <laughs> it, yeah, and like I said, it's the Nojima like, storyline. It's just like, all right, what bullshit are you like pulling this out of, and where am I going to go? Because now I'm just like Charlie Day with the with the string theory of like, okay, where everything <laughs> yeah. is. But, but there was a lot of really cool stuff, too, like going to the upper plate. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think a lot of oh, people shit, realize yeah. that, like, that is not shown in Final Fantasy VII. Like, oh, no. You're only in the slums. And being able to go to the upper plate, seeing where yeah. people, like, having more of a reference of why Avalanche who is who they are. Yeah. And being able to see the discrepancy of people who live in the slums, which is your normal thing that you deal with in the Final Fantasy VII universe. And actually being able to see the people who live better than that. And you see the discrepancy of, like, what life is and what life's going through. And it, and it gives like someone like Jesse became the internet's favorite girl, right? Mm -hmm. Over, over this time frame because she had such a, like she had such a, a clear like line of being able to, you're seeing someone who came from an upper plate who saw how Shinra yep. was affecting her father. And then like, yep. okay, I'm going to go fight for avalanche. Like yeah. it is just so many cool things that they've done to to make the world feel a lot more like lived in and real than yep, it did yeah. in the original game, which was you already Jesse's dad. And, the, and, see and that games. moment where they go up to the upper plate is such a great character moment too. How did you know I wanted to head topside? Was I talking in my sleep? What else did I say? No, we just figured you wanted to see your parents. That's all. Nailed it, huh? Yep, right on the head. So, seeing as we don't have any family of our own. How about you let us be a part of yours for a bit? You know, spread the wealth. 
Are your parents still around? Huh? No. Okay then, guess you're all invited. Here's to awkward family reunions. Yeah! Yeah, you're all invited, <laughs> except for you, Cloud. You don't get to eat my mom's pizza. You have to skulk around outside for a while. <laughs> oh, man. That should have been the, na- the the tagline for this game. Here's to awkward family reunions. Yeah. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake. Just yeah. to go back to like the the character development th- in this game and some of the exploration, especially on Avalanche, one thing that I really was struck by replaying the original and then replaying this one is how kick-ass Barrett has always been and continues yes. to be. He mm. is by far the best character in yes. Final Fantasy VII, in my belief. And, uh, and this game, because we see that upper plate, right, we see why Jesse fights and we hear why some of these other people fight and we see uh, you know, Barrett go through the the questions that he asks about whether or not the things that he is doing are the right things to do when they are angry like when they are have this righteous indignation at shinra you just feel it and it feels so good it actually it reminds me of the way that uh, you know in persona when the, the 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 kids unlock their powers and they're angry and they're just exhibiting this like raw rage it just feels mm-hmm. so relevant to the time right where it's not sufficient to just deal with it like you got to be mad sometimes you, know, you have to yell and shoot your gun to the fucking sky. And it's great. And it's so awesome to get that in like a modern retelling of this game. Yeah. And they yeah. balance that with like he can tell a pretty good speech. Y'all got to look at the bigger picture here. Nothing worth fighting for was ever won without sacrifice. Though you may not be crying out, I know you're in pain, just like the planet. But it's okay, because I'm here for you to help take the load off your shoulders. Your fears, your worries, your concerns, and yes, your fees. I love that, your fees, while looking at Cloud the Mercenary <laughs> yeah, <laughs> near the yeah. beginning of the game. And he's a fantastic character in this. Yeah, like, and, yes. and he's fun to play as. Like, yes. Toward the end of the game, I started mostly playing as Barrett, just kind of as a tank to heal my party and draw fire away while everyone else was doing damage. Like, that's the other thing. Like, the combat in this game, like, the way they change it up is so fucking cool. It's like, it feels like a dance. It's so fluid. You can play different classes that do different things, and you kind of have roles in in each fight. And I think that's really, for for a game that's that's real time action, that's hard to nail. You know, like, they basically nailed the purpose of what turn based combat's supposed to be for but keeping it real time, you know? Right. And by the way, to get back to Barrett, though, he also is a very good cameo. John Bentley, the actor, mm-hmm. uh, yes. who we had we had uh, do cameo for Michael on his birthday. Yeah, that's really- <laughs> <laughs> that was Yeah, no, that was definitely cool. Um, no, I think what was, like, really... I think what's really great about it, like you said, Matt, like, when they usually do something this drastic to a battle system, it is a number of Final Fantasy. Like, this should be, like... Final Fantasy 16, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting 16 coming. Like, that's what they normally do when they completely overhaul. And, again, me being a, a big nerd for Final Fantasy, I love it because it reminds me so much of 6. Where, like, mm-hmm. in Final Fantasy 6, every character feels completely different, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, like, the next-gen, like, the current-gen version of that. Being able to have Cloud, who is a sword character... Who plays completely different than Barrett? Who plays different different mm-hmm. than Tifa? Who plays yeah. completely different than Aerith? And like, and I'm looking like when the next game comes, like, 
How's Red 13 going to play? Well, how is Yuffie going to play? How is Sid going to play? Like, there's so many aspects of it where you're just like, there's just so much you can just plug in and play. And like, how are these guys going to enhance the gameplay going forward? Like, I, yeah. it just makes me giddy with anticipation. Well, I, I think, I think I assumed the game was going to have Final Fantasy 15 combat because Cloud mm. had been what we'd seen in all the videos. And, and he does, Cloud plays very much like the Prince uh noctis from from 15 but the mm. rest of the characters are where you where you just start to go oh no this this is like completely yeah. different game like and and like like george was saying it's like some characters it's like this dance you know like yeah. tifa was like this was like a i forget who said it at the time but they're like a fighting game character basically yeah yes yeah, yeah I think well, I it's, it's a it's such a blast right like the you know using the energy system you will be in the air as tifa you'll run out of energy and then you'll switch to cloud and you're moving between combat styles Mm-hmm. so fluidly and it yeah. just it's incredibly satisfying and at the end of the game when you're you know sort of fighting all together and you're moving between these it feels great it really does and i think you're right uh, tl i'm fascinated to know like how is kate sith gonna fight how's sid gonna fight it, you know if these characters come back right and that's gonna be the thing is like where what do they draw what do they move forward like you guys said there are some things that towards the end literally throws like whatever you think the next game could be mm-hmm. is now thrown <laughs> yes. out of the window yes. just like on that ending when i was just like gobsmacked i'm like okay wait what like it, it it's but that's the intriguing thing again as someone who's a fan of this series like this game is just so good because there is just so many layers to it that enhances the gameplay that enhances the world like are we looking at you know are we looking at just a a different timeline version of of Final Fantasy 7 or are we looking at you know the the Avengers version of Final Fantasy 7 like that's where I'm just like it could go either way it could go awesome like Sora could be in the next one like it's just there's so <laughs> many things that could happen that I'm just like I'm ready for it you know the whole time they'll just point to him and be like why are your feet so what are you weak? what are you doing here <laughs> what happened to your feet where's Vincent Valentine what if the next Final Fantasy 7 made sense of the Kingdom Hearts 3 ending that's I, it this is the, the they're playing I, the I long game that but I, <laughs> I there's gotta buy the DLC things I hate Got, more than that gotta buy the <laughs> that DLC uh, well, I mean, there could be like there's the, the man. They should just let that man make Final Fantasy 13 verses. That's what they should have done. <laughs> <laughs> right? We're all dealing with the repercussions of that one business it's, decision now. It's literally like every game he makes, he's like, "Oh, fuck! You don't want me to make it? I'm just going to keep on remaking it into these other games, and yeah. that's it. I was just put this character in every game, so." Uh. <laughs> But I, I think it's it's impressive that it took like what what did we figure it was like the first five hours of the original Final Fantasy VII, and blow mm. it out into a forty hour narrative, yeah, yeah. like with that, all the side stuff and yeah. and not make it suck like take these these silly one off joke moments from the original and turn them into these beautiful sequences like the Honey Bee Inn like remember like watching that sequence again in the original where like cloud puts on a dress it's just like this big gay panic moment where he's like mobbed by all these big bodybuilder dudes but then in the remake it's this there's this great moment where you know cloud is invited to dance on stage and and he like does an amazing job and it's like a really fun quick time event and yeah, it's like don't ever be afraid at the end. Like that's such a nice moment. <laughs> yeah, I like that. They a added lot. like a cool rhythm game to yeah. Final Fantasy VII at one yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although the the workout mini games, 
man, those can get tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. The gyms, <laughs> those, those can get tough. But I will say, and I want, I want to bring up something that George brought up earlier with, with Barrett's, you know, uh, Barrett's like, um, classification in this game, right. And his representation in this game. And like you said, with the, with the scene with the honeybee, one of the great things about looking at media and having 20, 25 years to adjust to what, you know, a media is, is being able to take sensibilities and, and, you know, and, and adjust them with the new lens. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I loved Barrett until I was old enough to read a lot of like the text in, in, you know, the text in those games and realize what was being said. And I fell a lot of, I fell out of love with Barrett because again, as a Mm -hmm. black person, it's very hard to look at a character and realize like, hey, this is a character that is supposed to be set up as a strong character, but he falls into a lot of black tropes that we see in writing and it gets frustrating yeah. as hell. Well, even in the and, new one, I mean, he's very frequently ventures into caricature. Right. Mm. And and that sucks, but it's better, right? And that's the thing that I can say and that's the thing that I appreciative of it is I don't have to be embarrassed to really like Barrett at this time because <laughs> I don't yeah. have to be like, I don't have to be like, oh, why is he speaking in jive? I don't know. I don't know why he talks like Mr. T. Who who does? You know? But being uh, able to have this character that that can be flawed but also can feel more real, I think that's important. And like I said, having that scene with the honeybee, like having it where they are skewing gender, you know, gender roles and they're not just saying like, Oh, isn't it funny she's in a dress? It's like, no, you should be who you are. I think that's very important. Agreed. Um as as we're as we're able to retell these stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake, an unexpectedly fantastic experience from start to finish. Um, We do need to move on, though, so let's move along to... Number two. While you were sharpening your sword, do you know how I prepared for today? I learned. I know your language, your traditions, your beliefs, which villages to tame and wish to burn so I'll ask you once again samurai do you surrender while you studied the blade I mastered Japanese culture what game is this (laughs) (laughs) This I wouldn't know because once again it's a game that is in a language uh, Uh, in which I didn't play it right you played it in Japanese didn't you I played it in Japanese too I bet you played it in Kurosawa mode even Micah Uh, I tried it first, but I actually didn't like it that much. Kurosawa uh, mode is really good if you ha- if you have like a sequence that you know is going to look good in Kurosawa mode. Yeah. I would not play the whole thing in it, Kurosawa it is, mode. It is a bit difficult, especially since it's such a colorful game. But we'll get into Kurosawa mode in a second. But first off, this is Ghost of Tsushima. And who is joining us for this segment? You got Micah Seff here again. And Leif Johnson. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. Ghost of Tsushima... A big, expansive, open-world samurai game by Sucker Punch. And since we were just talking about Kurosawa mode, I actually have a comparison clip that kind of works well in audio, telling you, like, okay, here's how it sounds vanilla with colors and uh, English language, and here's how Kurosawa mode sounds. That's 
I do appreciate that, that it's it's not just black and white. It's not just a grain filter. It's also a grain filter on the sound. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, something yeah, that was it, it recorded on a scratchy. 1950s phonograph. Yeah. Is it? You know what? I never tested it. Is it mono? When, when you I go into know. that mode? That's a good I question. Don't know. Yeah. No, I don't I mean, believe even so. If I think it is... it's still surround sound because I was yeah. playing it there. Yeah, you kind of need surround sound to play well with headphones. Not me, man. I listened through one channel, pointed at a megaphone. That's how I played everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just have the game audio relayed to me by a megaphone crooner. Yes. <laughs> samurai guy, samurai guy. It's a good Mr. Show reference. Slash, we'll slash, slash. Dodge. Go to lower town. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, the fantastic story of Jin Sakai. A cop on the edge who has to break the rule book in order to survive. <laughs> was, I think how I talked about it in our spoiler cast. Because this is someone, yes, with a very rigid upbringing and outlook to the point that uh, he goes from this in the early parts of the game. The walls are too high to climb. We could cause a distraction. Sneak in. No. We walk in the front gate. Kotun Khan set fire to our best swordsman. Humiliated my uncle. Butchered the warriors of Tsushima. I'm going to repay his kindness. By repeating the same mistakes that got your friends killed. That's what the Mongols will think. But this time, I'll strike first. To this toward the end of it. Is this how you want to be remembered? He defended us. By spreading fear and chaos. We are at war. And you are acting like the enemy. He goes from samurai to basically inventing ninja. ninja arts. Yeah. <laughs> Over the course of the game. And and it is interesting to see this idea that like we are too rigid because of our traditions. We need to adapt with the times yeah. and with the challenges that we're being faced with. But at what point have we gone too far? How far can we bend before everything breaks? And Jin becomes yeah. like he he becomes a symbol of hope to the common people, but at the same time, like he becomes this you're telling them that the samurai aren't all these honorable things we say that we are in order to beat this invader back. You're destroying the narratives we use to hold on to power with our own people. Yeah, but I think yeah. Jin neatly said our traditions only survive if we do. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. Exactly. What the fuck yeah. are we going to do? Yeah. Desperate times. And a lot of the common people were just as oppressed by the samurai as they were oh, protected yeah. by them, which this doesn't focus on that. It yeah. touches the other. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, found, I found the two words I wanted to say about the game that I've never been able to say before. Okay. The fastest stealth I've experienced in any game in my mm. life. That's it, true. It is. Yeah. It, I usually get pretty bored and not bored, but let, I end up fucking myself. I get, I get anxious and stuff most stealth games but it was just so fast without breaking every realistic point of mm -hmm. logic and gravity in the game i i just i really like this game this is really close to my top game of the year yeah it reminds yeah. me a lot of the um stealth in horizon zero dawn like there's yeah. some yes. tall grass go kneel in that mm -hmm. and whistle yeah. and dudes will come and you kill them like that's mm -hmm. this might actually be my game of the year like i I, yeah. I really enjoyed it and like i think between this and last of us part two like Sony really managed to, like, weave this narrative of brutal vengeance <laughs> that I found really compelling in 2020. Yeah, I think it's a lot more compelling in Ghost of Tsushima, but mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, Jin Sakai is not more compelling as a character than anyone in Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. Jin Sakai is a wet blanket. He goes from being a wet blanket to, like, 
a damp blanket by the end. <laughs> like he's still really boring. I, that's why that I, I ultimately switched halfway through to the Japanese VO because the Jin character was so the reads were very flat in English, and I know he's supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of like calm and mellow but like at least in japanese he sounded like he cared like he was just like yeah it, it was very yeah. like it, it's just a bit more aggressive it is interesting yes like, switching over to japanese and realizing like oh the japanese don't pronounce it khan they say han For, i got the the first my first big lesson in uh like the honorifics and stuff like sama sakasama and stuff like that which you know it's like oh that makes sense playing this game in japanese uh but i will say that the japanese voice actor because i did play a little bit of the English one. The English one, I don't know if timid is the right word, but he does sound a lot more like conflicted and stuff. And mm. where as the Japanese version, he sounded a lot more sure of what he was doing and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, had a little bit more confidence, I almost want to say. And I think I preferred him because of that. Are we talking about Jin or uh, old and new Kermit? This is that was a perfect <laughs> <that's laughs> <Kermit. laughs> The English Jin always sounds like he's about to write a haiku. He's about yes. halfway to haiku writing. <laughs> you know. But Michael, I'm not surprised this is your game of the year because, I mean, hello, you're an Assassin's Creed fan, oh, yeah. and this he's is basically Assassin's Samurai Assassin's Creed that we've all been thinking was mm-hmm. going to happen soon, and we, yeah, we finally got it, just not for you. How can they ever make a Samurai Assassin's Creed game after this game? Oh, they like, can't. This It'll did. fall short. I this mean, did <laughs> Assassin's Creed better than Assassin's Creed, and like... Oh, I don't know. I mean, the combat, I think the combat might be better, but really, I, uh, I guess I just need easy stealth. Like, like Chris, I'm bad at stealth. I, I, I get caught no matter what I do in any game. And actually in this game part, like maybe I tried to stealth for about 10 hours and then I realized, well, fuck that. That's not for me. I'm just going to barge straight in and do a, a face-off with everyone, and kill seven guys right at the start of the encounter, <laughs> yes, and then yes. eradicate everyone else, because it's uh, you get super oh, powerful. Yeah. It is, I mean, that was that my never move, got boring the for me, the standoffs. Yeah, like, yeah. like it goes from, like, you're not very powerful in the standoffs, so you, you kind of spend the early parts of the game biding your time. It's like, when can I start using stealth? When can I start stealth killing these fuckers? And then that lasts for a few hours, and then you, you get more powerful with the standoffs, and suddenly, like, it becomes way more fun to just ride straight <laughs> into opponents or walk up to them and demand a duel, especially, like, it's, when yes. you get the thing that lets you, like, kill five dudes at a time, like, if you just yep. time it yep. right. Like, it's perfect. Yeah, that's the funnest part is just, like, his attitude when he's walking up. He's like, come out and face me! And I'm like, fuck yeah, this is what a video game should be. This yeah. is power fantasy. Like, let me, yes. It's, I like that it really created a serious moving narrative while mm-hmm. not losing its video game feel. That's a very tight line to walk, and I think this game walked that very perfectly. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it Especially through the side characters. It felt to play at all times mm-hmm. while still like feeling like there was something at stake that you had to, to do, and there was a reason for you to be doing the things that you were doing in the world. Uh, yeah, very true. And, Although and I, meaningful progression throughout the entire game. I, I, to be honest, I wasn't hugely like invested in the main character's quest as much as I was in the side characters. It's like yeah. I wanted that that grandmother to get revenge for her entire clan. You know, yeah. I wanted the the monk to get re- well what the what he thinks is revenge for his brother and his monk clan and stuff like that like i was invested in in those side characters a lot mm-hmm. in this game mm-hmm. yeah although what was the I'm, I'm blanking on his name the archery master yeah ishikawa and that was one of the most story. nuanced stories I they told in the game because yeah, you didn't the, know which way to go the thing was like i didn't like 
him. I didn't like Ishikawa very much. I suspected he had something like I, he's going to turn into a bad guy or something. That's I thought that too. Tomoe was the compelling part of that, like learning more mm-hmm. about her and like constantly being on her trail. It's like, all right, what's she going to do next? What What are her motivations? What is What is her deal exactly? But, but I think that was the cool like, I really like where it all ended, though. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. It. with Ishikawa as well. Like mm-hmm. I didn't think. Yeah. Uh, and and you, I, I came I came around on Ishikawa toward the end also, but like yes. at, at first I just didn't like him. I didn't like uh, oh one of his quests. And same same thing with the monk. It's like the more you follow them, or the more I followed them, the more compelling they became for me. But for a while it was just like oh that guy again. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> and and then yeah. and then so many like great gameplay innovations like the guiding wind the. Uh, the foxes where it's like, oh, you don't just find a fox den. Like, you have to find this fox and then it'll lead you to its den. And the foxes become these companion characters. Like, you're always happy to see them to the point when there is, like, a side quest where you find out, like, the I forget if it was Mongols or bandits that have been killing foxes. And, like, yes. you go on this quest to avenge the foxes and all these foxes kind of join you and guide you on your way. And it's just like, oh, man, it's like I have a mystical connection with this island. But yeah. does, does, yeah. it, isn't it explained that, like, as a child or something, his guardian animal was the fox? Like, that's why you kept Maybe, seeing foxes uh, I mean, or something? Like The foxes are supposed to be, like, the messengers of uh, the, the harvest god who's, like... The, the main yes. god on Tsushima. And that's, that's to me, the, the thing that made this game really special is that it, maybe with the exception of Astro Boy, it was my favorite environment in which to play. And I, that's why I, I think makes it different than Assassin's Creed or like a Ubisoft game in that there was a quiet, uh, just a, a quiet elegance to this the world as a whole. It wasn't technically even chalked with that much to do. It just... It just felt alive and Breath of the Wildy and pretty mm-hmm. and breathing and I I, I love the wind uh, aspect being able to tell which direction your objective is is, yep. is by listening to the wind. <laughs> yeah, I mean the wind was one of those innovations that uh, it seems really simple on the surface, but very much alters the way you play because you don't have to spend time negotiating a map or a mini map. You just it's, brush up on your controller while you're riding the horse. It's such you know, a beautiful way to do it. You're just galloping across the fields, yep. brushing up on your controller, and then following the environmental clues to, to where you should be going. And again, I'm going to reference another game that I've been playing recently, but there's a very notable RPG open world game is that it, I'm playing recently where you spend Pink? all this time staring at this tiny little mini yes! map and then flipping oh, yes! over to your map screen yeah, because I, you have no idea where you're supposed to be just, uh, navigating your car Give me a especially when you're overlay. driving <laughs> <laughs> and so uh you know the wind was just this answer for that that meant that you never had to interrupt your uh experience in the world you just got to live in the world and ride your horse around can we talk too about how just how great that title screen reveal was too? When you know when it's the wind on the pampas grass and you know when it comes in and he's and suddenly you see that for the first time the wind blowing through it and it splashes up on the screen. Ghost of Tsushima. It's so beautiful. Oh yeah. Oh, I love in this game how you can um 
especially in the photo mode, like you can turn up or down the particle effects to, to just comical levels. Like the com, sometimes the particle effects in this game are, it's meant to be a bit much. It's most meant to be stylized, but I'm like, Jesus creases. Like how many fucking leaves are in this world? Dude? Like, <laughs> all the leaves in Japan settle on the island of Tsushima. <laughs> but it, it, we, we talk about the wind. It wasn't just the wind. This game um, has a lot of diegetic UI. So there's the birds too, that can lead you to the secrets that yep. you find there. There's all kinds of like little, it's all meant to be immersion, right? It's all just yeah. meant to be like, yeah, you don't have to get into a map to figure out where you want to go. You just swipe up on the controller and the wind will guide you to the next thing. Like, And that's great because like, that's one thing I think this game does remarkably well as a, a lot of open world games. And we're seeing with a recent one like Micah references, they can take you out of the immersion mm-hmm. element just because the systems can the clockwork can break sometimes and it can be really fucking hilarious don't get me wrong but it can take you out of the game versus i never i never felt that way with with ghost of Tsushima. i was always like yeah this it it all worked really it was a really finely crafted um game you know and mm-hmm. and this i was like wow the sly cooper guys they know what they're doing oh, man absolutely. like what the hell they always have uh I, and I, I liked looking at the, the real-world comparisons and people saying, like, look, Tsushima Island in real life is tiny. It does not have multiple biomes. It does not and have it's a frozen boring. north. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. It is not yeah. nearly as big as this game makes it seem. I mean, there's other things. I mean, if you want to get nitpicky, Haiku had not really yeah. become a form at this period. Haiku, stuff like that. It's uh, a video game. Yeah, samurai armor looked different. <laughs> you, you could argue it's not much of a form in this game either. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the haikus right. in the game are a little, what? Yes. Yeah, some of the, especially the ones that focused on battle, where there, there were some good opportunities for good haiku in that game. But I would say there was like three of them. Mm. <laughs> yeah, some of the rest of them were like, yeah. Yes. Here, ready? Ready? I wrote a haiku. It is not very good. Wait, <laughs> shit. I had it. Fuck <laughs> out. So close. So close. Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. I did, I did love this game a lot. I loved uh, dressing less for effect and more to just blend in with the surrounding, like putting on that, like dyeing everything white so that I blended in with the, the pompous grass a bit better. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, I have it. I wrote a haiku. It is not very good, though. I wrote it just now. Wow! <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, five, man, seven, dig five. that crazy jazz. Oh, man. <laughs> Beep, bop, boop, bop, boop, <laughs> Okay, one thing I want to say about how, just how much I love this game. It was the first game I almost platinum in years. I think the last one was like oh. God of War 3. Well, I think and Chris, Michael, and I all platinumed yeah, this right. game. I, I, thank you I, could, I couldn't do the banners, man. Oh my god, the freaking banners. Yeah, the banners suck. Yeah. That, that part. I've already yes. forgotten the banners. <laughs> what were they? I, I was just like, I'm, I got about maybe... F- Whatever you know, just the ones you got to the store. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. The ones that make the little jingle bell sound when they're near. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, no, it was the little signs that I hadn't noticed that entire game until I had to go get that that trophy, and I'm like, what are these? Like that. That's what's wild. Is like. This game has like a the witness moment where it's just like I've been looking at this thing the whole time and didn't actually know they served a purpose in this game. Like, <laughs> I think there there was a moment with a banner like where the I think it was bugging out or something and the map was telling me it was nearby and it's like the only thing I see close to here <laughs> is this friendly samurai who like has one on his back 
and the marker seems to be following him. Do I need to kill him and take it? What am I supposed to do? And, yes, every time. Yeah, every time. <laughs> I think it was just a bug. <laughs> But, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome if like the NPC just did pick up the banner and then you couldn't get it. Like mm-hmm. hell yeah! <laughs> but I I love this game and I I, I think I, I commented earlier on like how friggin' extra Jin Sakai is like oh he can't just get a bigger bow he needs to get the mystical bow <laughs> that's, that's right. guarded by crow spirits. What the fuck? This is the only oh. big like compound bow on the island. <laughs> You know, you know a, a longbow master. There. Just ask him for one. Christ, right? And you, you taught under him. I mean, you, you learned under yeah. him. I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh, you always were a shitty student. I hate you. <laughs> Come help me find my shittier student <laughs> and get the biggest bow that you don't deserve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one of one of my nitpicks of this game is like it, it's. I found myself getting all these powers that I ended up never using. Like I barely ever use the poison or like yes. the madness darts and stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah no. Like, oh, so, the fucking acid dart. You're gonna yeah. make him flip out, oh. man, and start seeing bugs that, that and shit. Straight faces. up from Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah. So is the yeah. poison. Yeah, it's all. It's all AC. I mean, yeah, everything a- is pretty useful though that you get yeah. across the the entirety of every single step of advancement through the mm-hmm. whole game. Which, it just, all the economies and level progression systems tie really well together to make Mm -hmm. you feel like you're always, always progressing. Um, And then you get super powered and can just annihilate anyone, which... It's yeah. pretty fun. I mean, yeah, to I be honest, say. though, if you if you play these games the way I play them, like I totally am, like I'm going to do all the side content. I I got really OP pretty early in that game, and I liked yep. it still. I was like, hey, I'm enjoying the combat quite a bit, but it was it was just like, all right, like I'm super ninja already. Like, well, you know, so was, that was, happens in Act One. You can get way uh, way too uh, OP yeah. before yeah. you get to yeah, Act Two, and yeah. and because of that, like the enemies don't really even out to you until you get to Act Two, and so you're just slaughtering everything. Yeah. And then yeah. in Act yeah. Two, it ramps up a little bit, but then you you really become like a superhuman. Like you, yeah, you know. it's crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> um, uh, the the I, I enjoyed the later stages of this game where you're just super powered so much. Uh, way more than I thought that I would because yeah. there was that initial period in Act One where I thought like, oh, I'm I'm too powerful and this isn't that fun because of that. Yeah, maybe for a little while, like, oh, it's not as engaging to do these combats, and then, uh, then it just becomes awesome to just. We, we should give this game more. some credit. It's combat system, like a lot of open world games have just basically ripped, like remember the the Lord of the Rings open world games, the Shadow of Mordor and War, like they rip Batman combat and put it in an open world game. Um, And then AC has its own combat thing going on. But like this game's combat is kind of of its own and is, is remarkably fun. And I think what it does a great job of if like when you do get surrounded by enemies, you there's lots of crowd control options in the mm-hmm. combat. You you can always, once you learn the sword play, you can kind of like, all right, I, I can fight seven dudes at once. I got this, you know, I'm going to throw mm-hmm. some shuriken, take some dude, you know, this, this dude out right after that. And then like, it gets really fun, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. will say that I would love the multiplayer mode where it was just the duels, you know, instead of playing, yeah. doing duels against NPCs, facing off against another player. And, you know, you could add special abilities to that and everything. And I would love that. That'd be pretty but cool. But now that you mention multiplayer, I think it's something that we have to bring up uh, is that Ghost of Tsushima Legends is amazing. And that was a free DLC 
Free just like yeah. this free, fully featured co-op survival mode plus a co-op story mode. And the story mode is okay, but I think the survival <laughs> mode is where it shines. And, uh, I totally agree. I, mm-hmm. I like that the DLC kind of offsets one of like my most nitpicky complaints about the game, which is that like it has all these like Witcher 3 style monster hunt quests where it's just like, oh, there's a, a ghost that's decapitating people in the woods or there's uh, <laughs> Kappa's dragged my father away. And then, spoilers, it's always it's bandits. There are yeah. no monsters in this world. It's <laughs> not that kind of game. But, but you know, then the, uh, the Legends offsets that by, like, this is just a world of monsters now. Yeah. It's all yes. supernatural. And there there were hints of that in the Mythic Tales, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the, there were some of those duels were uh, supernatural. Totally supernatural, some... yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's what he's saying, is that, yeah. That's... Yeah, but you were always led to believe those were happening in Jin's head, like when they were yeah. Right, it was, like, oh. it was questionable whether that was reality. Yeah. I, I just uh... meant, like, the side stuff, where it's it's always bandits at the end. Yes, always, no, always you're, always you're right. It's, uh, you know, an earthly explanation for mm-hmm. these supernatural uh, stories that yeah. you're hearing. Love it. It is my second and last platinum. <laughs> so I, even I considered platinum a minute, and the only game I've ever platinumed was uh, Spider-Man. It's uh, me too. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, and I, I still didn't do it because it's it's very it's it's wonderfully easy to do. It, um, I recommend platinuming it because oh, la- I did last, almost all of it naturally. Last note: if you still have a PS4. Um, this game has the best dynamic themes on PS4, bar none. Oh. Like it, it, the dynamic themes are fucking. They all are of them gorgeous. Are they they like are totally gorgeous. Better than the dancing reggae skeleton. Way better. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima, a fantastic game, but clearly not as fantastic as. <laughs> Here it is. No more delay. Our game of the year. Stupid boy. I told you nobody gets out of here, whether alive or dead. Well, how is your wanton ransacking of my domain? Greetings, father. My ransacking was a delight, thank you for asking. So I'll just be on my way again. Be on your way indeed. What do I care? You shall never reach the surface. Go, see for yourself. And we've just explained the main plot of which game? Hades. The Mortals Phoenix Rise. Oh. <laughs> Hades. Hades. Yeah, big big gear for Greek mythology. Who's joining us for this segment? I am George Albor. Hey. And Hi, I'm Cap Bailey. Thank you for, for both for rejoining us for what for many people is the game of the year. Super Giants Hades. Mm-hmm. I really love this game, which is a surprise for me. I don't really like roguelites. I haven't really like a lot of Super Giants games haven't really clicked with me. This is very difficult for me to put down. Uh, and like just even playing it last night to kind of as a refresher, I was reminded like, oh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like I really need to get to bed, but I just respond. So I'll go talk to some people. All right. Well, now I'm going to do another run. Oh, shit. I did it. I, and, and I keep repeating this pattern over and over again. And pretty soon it's 6 a.m. It's very much a sieve, one more turn, this game is a one more run game. It's like, oh, I can just do one run. I hate that. I hated that, though, man, because those runs, like, you're not looking at a clock. That's like 30 minutes. Well, what what is it? 30, 40 minutes, yeah. Yeah. If you don't like roguelikes, what was it about this one that set it apart? I'm kind of surprised to hear that, because to me, it's like a synthesis of 
so many. Well, for, for me, so many roguelites, there's a frustration aspect in that I spend a long time trying to get through these levels, and then mm-hmm. I die, and I reset. I, I've basically gained nothing except some knowledge about how to get through a level that now no longer exists. This is a little more short and arcadey. Like, the gameplay itself is extremely rewarding. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I don't really mind when everything resets because the getting through this is not contingent on really learning a level necessarily or memorizing yeah, very any combat, sort of combat yeah, heavy strategy. Yeah, it's, it's actually yeah, one right. of those roguelikes too that if you're pretty good at the combat, you can get pretty far in your first few runs. You're not like limited by progress of like, oh, I'm not powerful, I don't have enough health or anything. Like, yeah. I think mm-hmm. within my first two or three runs, I had beaten at least the second boss, that snake boss. But then then you kind of hit. You hit some walls and you're like, oh, okay, whoa. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) oh, yes. Yes. I'm with Michael. I really did not like roguelites in general, but Hades really spoke to me because I really like the storytelling and I just really like the graphics. The combat was interesting, but the most important thing was that I always felt like I was making progress throughout Mm -hmm. the entire story. Um, There was always some new line of dialogue to be found. It felt like the characters were growing appreciably. I did not feel like I was repeating myself over and over and over again, trying to get forward a little bit further. It felt like the loop was part of the actual narrative, which I really appreciated. Yeah, you, like you, you, nailed you it. do feel like you've progressed. Yeah, and that's I, I said I had said previously I've never gotten into a super giant game, but I've always liked their storytelling and their characters. But just found the gameplay with no hook for me, and this was like instant. I love right. the shit of this. I've been playing arcade beat 'em ups all year. For some reason, this just really clicked with me. It is my it is my favorite. Game. You know, oddly enough, I was playing Bastion today. I just went back and I, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I don't think I ever finished Bastion. And like, they've gotten way better at storytelling. Like, they, Pyre was pretty good actually. Like, you, you know, it was a little less obvious. It wasn't a little less direct in terms of story playing storytelling. But uh, Hades is just like no, the fact that they were able to take a rogue like which a lot. A lot of people, one of their problems and the reason they can't get into roguelikes is they typically don't have much to any story. It's usually just a setup, you know. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. them to use the roguelike mechanics to tell the story, like every time you die, you, basically that that makes the story go forward, you know, to the point where it's like it's okay to die in this game because it's like, well, no, not, I'm going to benefit from this because I'm going to learn more about what's happening, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Like that's so cool. There's also a common frustration – uh, at least from my experience, where I might be playing a roguelike and the randomness of it itself is off-putting. It, yes. As things be- get harder and harder to plan for or predict, it becomes less interesting to me. But what I found was interesting is as I played through Hades, you know, you start to, to understand how some of the boons work, how you can ask for them using the trinkets that you receive during the game. You know, and eventually I found myself being able to go into my runs with pretty specific builds in mind. There were some yeah. variants within that, but it, it actually doesn't feel chaotic in a way that I think a lot of other roguelikes do. Right. It really feels like by, you can by the end, I was I w- with, with strategy, you know, that you're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, by the end, I was able to, like, always get everything I wanted, I desired for every run. Uh, yeah. It, it, I think that was also because I learned how to be uh, utilized. I got really good with everything. I don't even know if I saw the end of this game, to be honest. I meant to look into that. Like, Yeah, there's a did I point where you game? can roll credits. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, I know there is a true ending. That, that's a good point, though. Like, our RNG, though, still has a factor. Like, mm-hmm. you can have a really good build, but then a particular Daedalus hammer 
will just be that extra little secret sauce on yeah. top yeah. that you're like, mm-hmm. oh, there you go. Like, I think my first win- successful run was with the spear, and I think I got the, the flurry jab. And yeah. when I got that, yeah. I was just like, oh, I'm outputting so much damage. This is wonderful. Yeah. Yep. It, oh, yeah. It's so fun going from a god run where you're just like, this is, I am the pinnacle of deities. I have mm-hmm. overcome all of these people. And then the next run, you just get trash or you, yeah. know, you take a weapon that isn't suited to particular enemy types and you just encounter them over and over again. It can really yeah. vary wildly. But, but yeah, you can yeah. keep massaging your build it's yeah. like oh uh, yeah. i'm just not getting anything i'm not getting anything and then finally things can break right and you're like yes i yep. did it like i think i did yeah. that with the fist like it just didn't seem like the build was coming together at all until finally i got to the fourth floor like this game gives you so many opportunities to rectify rng screwing you um yep. up mm-hmm. until the end I wonder how much of that was because it was in early access for so long. Like, how mm. much was that just fine-tuning of people being like, hey, this sucks. You know, you got to do something here to to level us out. But it, it is – yeah, I never felt like I was stuck in a build. Like, sometimes you would start stuck in a build, and then by the time you got to, like, that third boss, it's like you can pretty much course correct anything, you know. And then it was just a matter of have I died yet because you always mm. – you, you want to, you know, you want to have, have that one of the little, like – I forget what they're called. The special trinkets basically gives you extra free lives, you know? And so yeah. it's like, yeah. Well, you know, I think both Bastion and Transistor from Supergiant, you could see them building towards that, right? Like every single one of those games, there's so much variability in how you can build or spec out. And the changes that you have on your character could change your gameplay experience wildly uh, in a way that I think Hades is probably the culmination of that experimentation in that space. Yeah, I think in, in many ways... Hades is the culmination of every game Supergiant has done before. You know, it's got a, the good combat that Bastion and, and Transistor have. Uh, it has a lot of the really cool, like, the way they tell the stories is, is done like in Pyre. Um, and then it, it has its own brand new thing. So, yeah, it's, it is, I think it's their best game. And I've liked all their games. So that, that's saying quite a bit. Oh, but I, I, there's no question like, about I, it. And I really like yeah. the, I don't even like Greek mythology that much. So the Agreed. fact, me neither. Yeah. So the fact that it's a roguelike around Greek mythology, but not only was I in, it was my favorite game of the year, and I put a lot of hours into it, and I just could not get enough of this game, to me, speaks to the quality, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, like, I think the writing in this is really top-notch, and I think there's something to be said for the, the idea that the son of the god of death, who is in this mess in part because he doesn't want the responsibility of uh, having to work an office job in the underworld. Uh, he's he's actually just a really likable guy in the way that he, yeah. uh, he he interacts with people. Achilles on break, I guess. Um, Prince, your father, I, I think he's pretty steamed right now about something. So maybe you could stay away from him or I could tell him you're not here. That's quite all right, do sir. I'm not afraid of him and neither should you be the best help he's ever found. Just, uh, just doing my job here, Prince. <laughs> and then she disappears, a floating gorgon head that has a big crush on Zacharias. I, I loved, I, was it, Georgia called him Greek dupe or, last time we were on the show? <laughs> I mean, we all have a crush on Zacharias, right? Huh? Well, well, I was just about well, to ask, I wouldn't do my job if I didn't ask. Total hunk. Who, who are well, we horniest for? Oh, I'm absolutely what? Artemis. I'm 100% Ar- horniest for Artemis. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanatos, just the edge lordness of him. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, very edge lord. Michael, sorry, what was the question? Who are you horniest for in this game? 
uh, nobody. My mother. Sorry, was that did I say it too fast? Uh, I don't know. Nix is well, pretty. You know, it is I Greek. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Megara is GF. fucking. Yeah. Megar is amazing. Megar, Megar is pretty cool. So Michael's I answer put, is Achilles. That's fine. Yeah. We understand, yeah. Michael. I put it's, more it's, hours into this Achilles. game than, than any other great. game, and I, I feel like there's a ton of stuff I do not know about <laughs> the, the experience. There's sure. so much to yeah. dig into this game. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the thing. Really it's like is. the narrative, the gameplay. It looks shallow, but actually, it's really yeah. dense. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. could you could finish this in a few hours and not see like even a fraction of the content. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I think I've done almost. Close to a hundred runs, and I there's no way I've seen all the dialogue. That's yeah. that's what I think is. Is that when it ends when they run out of dialogue? <laughs> just roll credits. Yeah, I think the script <laughs> yeah, is something maybe. like three hundred thousand words. So, oh, my God. I mean, well, we should also mention this is a twenty five dollar game. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's twenty five dollars. It, it's also weird. I I just double checked this beforehand. It's still a sw- Switch and PC exclusive. Which I find bizarre. It's entering mm-hmm. Game of the Year listing right now and is, has no release date on other systems. Well, but Chris, isn't that mm-hmm. the gaming as we know it right now? Like these next-gen consoles are coming out, but mm-hmm. it seems like all the most popular games are usually on the Switch or the PC. <laughs> because True. that's they have large install bases, and there's almost always a compelling pitch. And they're not yeah. graphics related, and they tend to be a lot more polished, and just people are immediately <laughs> in on them. It's, it's just Fair. usually the Switch game of the year has a little little Italian or, a, or an elf-like creature involved. And <laughs> well, I it's just, an off year for those. Yeah. Well, nothing came out on Switch this year except Animal Crossing, really, and Hades. Yes. Which is <laughs> the game I played the most after Hades that mm. I refused to be on the best game of the year show about. <laughs> I put 500 hours in Animal Crossing. I, I am ashamed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I am ashamed. Still playing it. <laughs> and how much it Yeah, I played it today. Enjoying the holiday event quite a bit. No. Nice. I, I, I sort of hit that with Hades. The like, wait, what am I doing? There's nothing else to do here. <laughs> I know, mean, you didn't Hades, roll credits, though, did you? I think I did. I okay. can't remember just because I've like been to the end so many times. It's just part of the like. I can beat. I could. I could beat everything in that game pretty easily at this point. It was just about like seeing, like adding more difficulty to it. Hmm. How many times do you have to meet your mom? And I know this is a spoiler, but come on, it's end of year to to roll the credits. Like, how many times, times do you have to beat ten times? Oh ten shit! Times? Okay, yeah. that's what I should have asked. I, I, no, I if I if I am not at ten times, I am just under that. I mean, you could check there. There's a lovely little room in Hades you can go to and look oh, at all of your previous runs. Oh, that's right. I'm pr- I'm yeah. pretty close to ten. Then yeah, I probably should go back and just get the ten because I yeah. And that's the beautiful thing too is once you once you do a, like a full complete. I don't know why. For some reason, it just gets a little easier to do them after mm-hmm. that. I don't, it must might be a skill thing or something. But it's just like, yeah. Once once I got my first, which was around run twenty eight or something like that, it, they I just started to get them like every three runs. And it's just I would like, okay, really suggest fine. everyone see the credits because I think the the story elements that come after that, especially between uh, Zagreus's mom and dad, are are actually pretty interesting. And you don't see some of those until after you see the credits. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is. It's pretty. Pretty nice. There's so Chris, many I think good this characters is, it, in this it, game I, that I just really like. Not just the gods, but I mean, Hades, Agrius, uh, Nyx. Um, they all feel like they have rich emotional lives, and they're all yeah. doing their own thing. They have agency within this world. That's that's why the world feels so dynamic and interesting. You, you finish a run, and you're just like, oh, there's Meg hanging out in the the cantina. Where's Achilles right now? I guess he's not around. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, poor Orpheus, he's so sad. Like, let me help him out. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah, I, caught a, I caught a fish. I'm going to go give it to the chef. I better give it to the chef because, you know. And I learned so much about Greek mythology from this freaking game. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
I, I nice. love that all the Greek gods also, their behavior matches the sort of realm that they oversee. And they're all assholes sure. to one another. Mm-hmm. Like, it really leans into <laughs> the humor side of the gods, which I think makes it far more palatable from a, a storytelling perspective. One of one of my favorite things, but most frustrating things about this game this year was convincing Chris he was going to love it. Because he was so resistant and we're like, dude, you love Dead Cells. Just play this mm-hmm. game yeah, like yeah, trust yeah. on this one. I hate one. saying it, but it was just the super giant thing, which I've never hated in either games. I just like tend to put them down after like five hours. And, like this is it's mm. doing nothing for me. And that's a shame. I know because it's it, it's good uh, just gameplay wise, <laughs> story wise. Like I love the the writing and the characters and all super giant games. It just the gameplay has never clicked for me. This this was just major. Yeah. Mm. The gameplay is so far above and beyond anything that super giants done to this mm-hmm. point. It's not even on the same level, honestly. Maybe Transistor is the closest. Yeah, Transistor is yeah. probably the closest. I I really actually disliked Pyre. It was very mm. disappointing for me. I did not like one. Pyre much either. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, I, Pyre, you know, the I, gameplay boils well, down to soccer. It's, it's, I mean, I was very you know. hesitant going into this one because, you know, I, I had put them on a pedestal, which is unfair of me to do after both Bastion and Transistor. But so I was really pleased to see them return to form. I was really pleased hmm. to see them uh, bring back the concept of a narrator. Responsibility rejecting Zagris strides down his father's hall, quite unconcerned about the urgency with which he is expected to behave under a set of circumstances such as this. Going as fast as I can, you hurry up. The door to the administrative chamber beckons just beyond the hall. The prince perchance believes that he may enter quietly without drawing the notice of those laboring within. You better not give me away, old man. <laughs> is, is the narrator an actual character like in the story, or is just he's just interacting with the, the guy? They break the fourth wall with him all the time. Like, he talks to... Well, I don't know if that's breaking the fourth wall. He talks to the narrator all Mm. the time. George, did you ever check this out in Early Access? I I just... Yeah, I did. So I backed it for Early Access maybe, like, the first month or so. I played it once and was like, I should not touch this until it's done. (laughs) Uh, I mean, backing it on Early Access, I think it was, like, the first game that went on sale with Epic Game Store. So if you were there at launch, then... That's kind I mean, of like I said, you know, I'm a big Supergiant fan. I, I wanted to support them. But I also generally don't play early access games mm-hmm. just because they're not done. and It feels strange. Hmm. I just, I, it's real yeah, tough to go back to them. I totally ignored it in early access because I, I mean, there would be a point where you'd get to the end and it would be like, and some stuff will happen here. And here's some placeholder graphics. Anyway, <laughs> play it in the full version. I'm like, no, that that's kind of ruining the experience to me. Yeah. 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 So I'm just going to wait until it's ready. And I and I'm happy. Also, there were like major balance issues with the early access, especially um, the, the, the Hydra boss battle. The second one was kind of boring in early access. It lasted mm. too long. So. It's still the weakest boss battle. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's the easiest. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's like, I beat that on there. the first try with the bow. Have yeah, you yeah. augmented the the boss fights though with some of the yeah, yeah. I forget what oh, it's yeah, called yeah. yeah yeah the three the three sisters at once is so fun yeah oh, I love that boss fight. oh it's insane it's, cool, it's yeah. insane it's so frantic yeah. the new I, game plus stuff is really good I have to say like I really cannot find a major weakness with this game it sing it soars in so many ways uh, the the amount of care and detail and love that went into this game frankly it's the diametric opposite of cyberpunk yes, 100%. Uh, <laughs> a game that i dread playing again versus uh-huh. uh, hades where i cannot wait to get an, another run in yeah. i will still be thinking about hades in 10 years hmm. i seriously will it's it's really up there for me it's an all-timer nice. 
Yeah. Yep. I feel like we need to qualify the early access stuff a little bit because technically this game, quote unquote, came out in what, like 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're counting it as a 2020 game because this was the year it was finished. And this was the year I think it hit big with. And this everybody. is the year I played. It hit Switch it. this year, too, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, re- and I rebought it on the Switch, and it is fantastic on the Switch. As a to go experience, I was extremely pleased with it. And we've set that precedent mm-hmm. before, Michael, with Dead Cells, right? Mm-hmm. Dead Cells, we reviewed it the That's year it, it officially released. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had, right. I had, it was like my perfect quarantine game for real. Like I had way more time to play something like that, and uh, and yep. because it was on the Switch, I haven't really done that. Like on the porch with friends, just playing with headphones. I, I played this outside so much this year. Uh, I've <laughs> never played any game more outside than Hades, uh, at least not since the goddamn wow. Game Boy. Now there's cross save. Oh goodness! Oh um, yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I mean, is there any particular reason you'd want it on PC um, in addition to Switch? Bigger screen. Bigger, yeah. <laughs> okay. Looks slightly better yeah. on a bigger screen. I mean, it, 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 the graphics aren't this... You can play it on your TV, you know. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, but like... It depends if you maybe you like your controller better on PC. I, I mean, although you're probably playing on a Switch Pro mm-hmm. controller, so you're fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I'm just... I, there's, I can't see any, like, graphical benefits to being on the PC. They're like, what... Or, or uh... uh what do you call it? There, what, there, there's no technical reason to have this on PC instead of Switch. If you don't uh, own a Switch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you don't own a Switch, that's yeah. a good reason. Pretty good reason. For me, it was, I had it on the Epic Store from Epic, so I was like, I guess I'll play on PC. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there it is, our Game of the Year! Ooh, hey, I mean, it's not hey, my Game of the Year. Hey. These two guys overruled oh, me, but if you want to find out how, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash laser time in a couple days and listen to our bonus show where Ooh. we argue about the order of this show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a, first, uh, that's a VGA first. We, we, we go through our order and how we arrived at the top 10 the mm-hmm. way we did, which is kind of fun. We did it with 200, 300, and it was... Um, yeah, we. I'm still less friends with my friends afterwards. It's, <laughs> it's, Ducktales. You want to talk about Ducktales? No, more? not even slightly. <laughs> uh, Ten greatest games of all time. Didn't we decide, or was it? It 20? is. God damn. Oh. <laughs> you weren't there, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's yeah. Everyone's saying, "Hey, what are you going to do for episode 400?" Well, we did a game of the year show, but the real episode 400. Yes, it wasn't the friends we made along the way. It was on the Patreon. It was, it was like <laughs> DLC. It was that DLC you had to yes. buy to hear the rest of the story. And we're just coming off it now, having spent an hour trying to decide which order these these all these entries should be in. So anyway, that has been our. Game of the Year countdown for 2020. It's been a pretty good year for games. Again, hope you had fun with that. But we do have a couple of regular features that we need to wind down the show with. First of all, our question of the week. Once again, what is your personal Game of the Year? And mine, as you'll you'll hear on the bonus cast, was Ghost of Tsushima. And I'd also like to give a nod to a couple games that didn't make it through our voting, specifically Paradise Killer and Half-Life Alex. But uh, for, for all of us here, it's Hades. I know exactly what your guys' is, but uh, you want to talk about it anyway? I mean, I'll just elaborate. Again, if you really want to hear my full thoughts, yes. go, go to patreon.com slash laser time and, and subscribe at the $5 or more level and you'll get access to that bonus show. But Hades, to me, is almost a perfect game. What I was describing to these guys is like, very few games can can get me hooked and then keep me hooked and then keep me coming back and then even if i drift away to play other games every single time i came back it's like you know 
I really got to get those 10 clears on Hades. It it held on to me and I played it just oh just it's like how Civ you need just one more turn mm-hmm. in Hades it's like I just need one more run. I can yeah, do I, one I'll, more run. I'll definitely give it that. It got its hooks into me hard and every time I started playing it it's just like all right, I'll just do one run. I want to see what everybody has to say after I died. And you know what the fuck? I'm just going to go on another one, and it, it just that that cycle of like oh, just one more. I, I think I can do something right. this time. Yeah. Oh, the fact that they told the story in a roguelike where you have to die to progress the story is like that's like such a revelation. And I know so many games are going to steal that moving forward because mm. like roguelikes never had. Hey, they before, found a way to make that? roguelikes fun for people who don't like roguelikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Chris, why was it your number one? shit i have no idea how to explain this after we've talked about it so many times in an eloquent way um i like games where you are given almost you are given everything at the beginning and you just have to learn how to get better and the game is Mm -hmm. really really good about that um i I mean you were saying you like it because it's like dead cells i think you like games where you kind of build your character as you go where you get those choices of your powers as you go there's there's a nostalgic thing involved with that because it it is kind of an old school kind of gameplay um it's shelled in this wonderful story with all the like with dialogue that changes no matter what you do Mm -hmm. and like it never ends either like you you never stop hearing from people no matter how many times you die or succeed and there's always something else to learn about the universe, but there's there's also way more to learn about the gameplay and and a billion ways to get better. And that's that's what I really love about games in particular. Like if I could if I could get better, even better at a Mega Man game, which is like impossible technically, it really is. But like this is like a you can slowly unlock ways to be a better Hades, and you can you can kind of finish the game without. Without these abilities, but like the abilities, like make you a what's or what make you a god? <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, um, I just and, looked. I've clocked fifty five hours into Hades. That's I think I clocked time. over a hundred hours in Hades. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's it's mixed in with my Mario three D All Stars, so I don't know for sure. So I I, I could I could get back. And to I one. have more clears than you, which means I am definitively a better gamer than. Look Chris. again. You heard it here on the show. <laughs> oh, damn it. God damn it. Listen to the fucking. <laughs> if you want to hear me mind trick Chris, you go listen to that bonus. Show. No, no. <laughs> so let's open the floor to our guests for their own question of the week answers and some plugs. What is your favorite game of 2020, and where can people hear more of you, George Albor? Go. Oh my goodness, that has to be Hades from Supergiant. I think it's their return to form. It's challenging. It's innovative. I think it reimagines what stories can be in roguelikes. It's a masterpiece. Uh, You can hear me at experiencepoints.net. It's a podcast you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Kat Bailey, thank you for joining us. How about you? My game of the year for 2020 is Hades. It is just a perfect game. It like five out of five easily. Um, The things that I really love about it, I mean... The art, the music. I don't even like roguelites, and I know that this is a common sentiment, but it made me want to play again and again and again. Uh, I took 31 times to finally beat Hades, but when I finally took him down, it was immensely satisfying and and beautiful, and then I wanted to do it again, and that is not something that I can say about games very often. The combat is quite enjoyable. It felt like I was discovering some cool new surprise almost constantly. The story is really emotional, 
there's I just can't think of anything I don't like about this particular game. And I will be thinking about it for a very long time. And honestly, if I didn't have Yakuza Like a Dragon and Cyberpunk in my life right now, I would probably be going back to it and playing it some more because I haven't finished it with all of the weapons and actually rolled the credits. I think I've managed to finish it with three weapons at this point. Beautiful, amazing new game plus too. Um, so many options. Oh, and it should have won Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Flipping tables. Come on, Last of Us 2. Jeez. You can find me on my podcast, Acts of the Blood God, which comes out every single Monday. We are, we've got some big plans in January. The podcast will continue, and we've got a lot of really cool ideas, for. so keep an eye out on that. And you can follow, follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Oh, and I stream, too. I was just streaming Cyberpunk today for like three hours. It's twitch.tv slash TV. Awesome. Thank you, Kat. Chris Baker, how about you? Yeah, I am uh, on Twitter at cbake76, C-B-A-K-E-7-6. Uh, I run a YouTube channel called uh, Superhero.vg, which is Superhero.vg. And uh, I work at Zen Studios. Uh, and, you know, they're all over internet i guess i don't know (laughs) (laughs) at at zen at at zen underscore studios on twitter my game there is miles morales uh you know we we talked about it a good bit earlier i don't know what there's a whole lot more i can say about it but um i I also want to give like a big shout out to to fall guys actually just because uh yeah uh i became a new dad this year and um you know my daughter is eight months old now and that game came out when she was about four months old. So literally half her life, I've been playing this game. Uh, and it is like, it always like gets her attention. It makes her smile. Uh, and, you know, she like grabs the controller. Yeah, br- and, bright and colors, and, and shiny it's things. Like, it's, it's perfect for it, young kids. In that sense, it's not even like the game being great necessarily, which I actually think it, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like a, a happy person, you know, <laughs> having quality awesome. time with, with, with my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. in terms you know, miles was my favorite game of the year, but like my favorite gaming experience was, uh, was fall guys just because of that. TL Foster. What was your game of the year for 2020? It has to be persona five Royal. And, and I've been, I've been kicking my head cause there's been so many great, uh, remakes or, or re, uh, re, uh, revivals, but persona five Royal, persona five was a game I really loved, but there were some things that I thought made the game not as fun. Persona five Royal kind of, fixes a lot of those things as well as it cre- creates a new character and it's just a lot of like new aspects to the game uh that wasn't there in the original one so Persona 5 royal if you haven't played it you can usually get it discounted very like cheaply on amazon um i would recommend getting it it's a tremendous game it's some of the best like outfit dlc ever you can find us a power ranger and i, I that's Instantly win for me. You can hear more of me on uh, the PNB Podcast Network. That is at pnbcast.com. Or if you search for Live from the Pool House, uh, which is my Fresh Prince of Bel-Air podcast, look for Live from the Pool House on wherever you listen to the podcast. You can listen to me there. Steve Guntley, continuing our alphabetical order, what did you like this year? You've already covered my game of the year, or at least you're going to be covering my major game of the year. So I'm going to kind of go with an outside choice. Uh, one of the games I enjoyed the absolute most that turned out to be the biggest surprise and just kind of brought back all the warm and fuzzies was Streets of Rage 4, a very, very long-delayed sequel to a series that I loved. I have very fond memories of playing the, the early games with my sister on our Genesis, getting into screaming matches because we accidentally punch each other or take someone's turkey. 
And Streets of Rage 4 allowed me to connect with her again. And we played this game. She lives in Colorado and I'm in Washington. And we played some multiplayer Streets of Rage 4 online. And we got into the same stupid fights about the same stupid turkeys. Aside from the nostalgia, like that game is just polished to within an inch of its life. It looks gorgeous. It plays like a fighting game, which is uh, a really nice innovation to it. It's kind of up there. It's a toss-up as my favorite beat-em-up of all time alongside Scott Pilgrim. Which is also coming soon. Yes, yes. Uh, Streets of Rage 4, I loved it. Uh, You can hear me over at Ultra64 Podcast. That's at Ultra64 Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and all the different places. That's the show where we are playing every single game in the Nintendo 64 catalog. And as you are listening to this, I believe we have fewer than five games left before we've completed the catalog. And then in Shit. March, we're going to be moving over to the Wii U. We're going to be covering every game on that system. So going to be a lot of fun. I also have a show called Roger's List. It's a uh, movie podcast where me and a rotating cast of guests are going through uh, Roger Ebert's list hey. of the greatest movies of all time and watching every one of them. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Jesus. Exciting. Uh, Leif Johnson, how about you? If I were like on an editorial board or something like that, and I was like, this is what I thought was the game of the year, I would probably choose Hades. It's got a lot of good ideas and stuff. Personal, though, game of the year, it is Ghost. I, I That is one of the few. I don't replay games that often, and that is a game I would replay. And that's high praise for me. So. It's high praise. It's high praise. High praise. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Leif Johnson. That's L-E-I-F, Boring Old Johnson. And on every Sunday night, I have a stream with Elena Yee, who's a guest of the show, a friend of the show. That's 16-Bit Relit on Twitter. I mean, excuse me, on Twitch. And yeah, so you can look us up sometime. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So twitch.tv slash 16-Bit Relic, yes? Correct. That's right. All yes. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Micah Seth, what is your game of the year for 2020? So I, I feel like I was lucky because you invited me on here to talk about my two games of the year, uh, Yakuza and Ghost of Tsushima. But if you're forcing me to choose, I think I realized after our conversations that it's Ghost. I don't think I came to that conclusion until I started uh, gushing about how much I like the wow. game. Uh, and then I, I realized that it, that has to be my game of the year. So that's where I'm landing. Uh, there were a lot of amazing games in 2020, <laughs> mm-hmm. if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. Surprisingly. And mm-hmm. it was a, hard, a tough year for me to choose. But Ghost was, uh, it was just a standout. I'm glad we could be the catalyst for that that discovery what's some stuff you want to plug i guess i'll plug some stuff that's going on at perfect world which uh we just released torchlight 3 about two months ago and our holiday our free holiday update went out which has a a class rework and a bunch of holiday stuff so check that out if you're a torchlight fan um and then plugging for my own stuff. I don't have much, but you could follow me over on at dash underscore reindeer on Twitter and see me sometimes talk about games a lot more, probably complain about politics, but uh, I try to balance that. Healthy dose of magic mixed in there too, right, Mike? Yeah, exactly. I mix magic in with, with everything I do. And that's that's why I want to plug the Stop the Steal campaign. Something <laughs> we're very much <laughs> give the president money. He needs it. Is he still alive by the time this goes? Oh, anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and Tony Wilson of Framework. Where can people find more frameworks? Also, what is your game of the year? Yeah, so you can check out all the framework stuff uh, on YouTube. Uh, the easiest way to get there is 
is tinyurl.com slash framework yt and that'll take you right to the channel uh you can also do at framework underscore video on twitter i'm personally at chain pope on twitter so you can follow that to keep up with all the stuff i'm doing uh framework is you know still definitely a young channel but i'm, I'm really proud of the work it's already been done so far the most recent video in fact we're doing is on hades and hades is also my game of the year <laughs> there's just so many so many reasons why i love the game i think it's first of all like the best roguelike i've ever played and i don't play many of them to be fair but um just the way that like the narrative links into the gameplay loop and just the way that you get to like i think all the the various boons are so much fun to use the music is stellar there's such a sense of triumph when you you know defeat hades and get out and there's you know, the, the story they tell when you do get out and you meet your mom and all that stuff is so cool. So, hands down, my game of the year. And like I said, the most recent framework video is also about that. So, you know, definitely play Hades and check out the channel. Thank you. And last but not least, Kayla Zumbaum, tell us more about the game you like. AC Valhalla is my game of the year. Woo! Wow, <laughs> nice! <laughs> uh, it's, it's that or Hades, and man, I really love Hades, but I really, really like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like, I'm gonna stop recording and I'm gonna go back and play some more because I mm-hmm. start kind of started over again Same uh, but yeah I I really I stopped playing Assassin's Creed because it got boring after a while but you know this and as Odyssey just really hooked its claws into me and I really want to play more so yeah this is my game of the year so Fantastic. good thing I'm on it <laughs> All right, thanks. And where can people hear more of you? Well, they can hear me on the PNB, the Podcast and Bullshit Network with uh, Travis Foster, Dylan Tierney, Robert Beach, and Brennan Lundy. Uh, we've been going strong for over 10 years. I'm very happy about that. If you want to know my solo project, I write books. I write smoochy books with ding-dongs falling in love. Mm-hmm. I have a book out called Best Lady in Town. Uh, my name is Kayla Neal. <laughs> not not the only kind of ding-dong in those books either, huh, Kayla? <laughs> no, it's not. They're just big dum-dums, but it's cute. Big thank you to all of our guests who joined us this year and made this show possible. And we will read your question of the week answers on next week's show just go to vidigameapocalypse.com and answer in the comments under episode 399 or you can visit us on the official laser time community on facebook or just ping us on twitter at vg apocalypse and we will read the best answers on our first show of the new year anyway let's go with some plugs of our own who's got something to plug i mean obviously we have the uh the bonus cast at patreon.com slash laser time and i can already foresee the comments now saying god they just turned the last part of the show into a big advertisement for their bonus cast like why do you make me pay for this because Chris needs to eat. Just yeah. me? <laughs> Just me? Honestly, we should do more too. at the beginning of yes. the show. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm exhausted. I need I need sustenance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's just leave it at that. There's just patreon.com slash laser time. That's all I'm plugging today. Just go check that out. I'm I'm really happy with how it turned out, and I think you guys will be too. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to our Game of the Year 2020 show. Hope you had as much fun as we did. And we will see you next year!
I love that you said you can hear it in audio. Here's how it sounds with colors. Like, oh, do right, our listeners right. have to be on acid to hear the colors? Yes, or do they have to be on acid I'm very interested to hear the colors. The colors of the wind, yes. Here we go. 